Hey! We don't serve their kind here. What? The droids. They left to wait outside. We don't want them. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you are listening to episode 49, Never Mind the Bullocks. Joining me, as always, is our R5-D4 focus collector. He is as much fun as poking yourself in the eye. It is Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Even guys. Taffius will be beaming. He's back for a second month running our Luke X-Wing pilot focus collector. It is Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, Taffius. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> Some call him the gangster of love. I call him the honey monster. It is our ESB collector, Peter Davis. Good evening, PD Weedy. Hello there, little Ewoky little fellowy, fellowy lad. Finally, our palatoy lover with a love of random purchases. I may be fat, but this bloke's ugly, and hey, I can lose my weight. It is Simon McCohen. Good evening, Simone. <laughs> you will never be as fat as I am, ugly. <laughs> oh, that really didn't work, did it? No, no, let's retract No, it does work, that. I agree. So, hello, totally mate, agree. how are you? <laughs> I'm all Thank good, you for mate. my lovely introduction. Since our last show, we have reached a milestone, boys. Um, we are recording here on the 11th, so probably about 10 days before this is released. But on the 8th, it was our four-year anniversary. Yay! Uh, yeah, four years. It's gone, uh, gone quickly and gone slowly, if that makes any sense. Show 49, four Christmas specials. It's been a journey and a half, isn't it? Sometimes a slog, but mainly rewarding. So it has been great. Boys, enjoyed the four years? Pain. Painful. Yeah, a hell of a slog at times. But it's, it's been good, isn't it? We've had, it's got to be 300 odd guests on. I, I would have, should have checked that. We've had various topics on the shows. We've been on loads of trips together from uh, people to go on to Celebration in America. We did a massive celebration in London. We did facts. We've been to Farthest Froms. It's been brilliant. When I look back at exactly what we have done, it's, it really has been quite amazing. And obviously, we need to do thank Ben and in particular Grant for the amount of uh, work that went into helping us get up and running, well, particularly Grant. Mate, it's a bit rude. You can't say we've had 300 odd guests. I mean, granted, we've had Jason Smith and Andy Goulding and a few of them are odd characters. But on the whole, I think we've had a good a good mix of people. You can't say they're all odd. Otherwise, no one's going to want to come on again, mate. Personally, the future's bright for this podcast. We're all still hungry for it. We don't bicker. We've all got loads of time on our hands. So it's going to carry on, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's never an issue putting this out. Sky had put on our um, on our thread the other day. Oh, people really don't understand how, how much effort it goes into it. And that, that is so, so true, isn't it? Uh, well, I don't think we understand. No. We do, you know, I don't, I don't think we do. Uh, well, when you, I when think you, if we did, you, we'd stop doing it, wouldn't we? You, well, really? you would. If you counted the man hours... Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to be sexist there. If you counted the man in Jez hours, in the, how, <laughs> much, <laughs> how much each of us do every single month, and then accumulated it all together, 
it, I think it would shock all of us. I tell you what, I've got all the recordings in one space. I'll also. Well, it's not just recordings, or is it? Um, it's, it's the pushing on the, the the social medias. It's the research. It's the contacting the guests. It's the you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. It but just... I was just I was just thinking, Rich. I, I might actually um, add up all of the actual recordings and then all of how much has actually been put out, <laughs> just to see the difference in how much waffle there is. Well, why do, why don't we do it? Get get Pete to edit them all together into some kind of super super blue. Blu-ray disc with every single recording on it and give give Pete the job of editing that. I think the biggest thing we want to say thank you to is obviously the guests that do come on and help us out and most importantly the listeners uh, the continuous support our figures are always rising. Thank you so much it's massively appreciated. Fourth anniversary present gift right? You could all get it yourselves for those of you who've been here from the beginning. Fourth anniversary presents of linen and silk, fruit and flowers they're traditional presents I've been with you for three years, and apparently three years is leather. So, um, <laughs> oh. there we go. And Simon must be coming up for one year, which I believe is wood, so we could just take a bat to his head. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't feel it. If anyone no. wants to bring us a nice cake at celebration, very welcome to. Make sure it's chocolate cake mm-hmm. with chocolatey bits in. Mm-hmm. See, that's interesting, Pete, though, because that's going to be about seven, eight weeks before our five-year anniversary. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I keep forgetting it's next year. You just brought it up. Celebration, obviously. Last month, we'd had that it was announced to be Chicago, and we discussed that. So a few bits and pieces have happened since then. So first of all, Richard will be looking at a certain area of the convention during Rebel Briefings. But since the last show, tickets and hotels have gone on sale. The VIP pass is sold out in under two minutes. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. 40 seconds, I think, was the what was reported. Five-day passes, what, three days? Five-day oh. passes sold out quite quickly. The, the children's five-day passes sold out as well. Yeah, and then Saturday has sold out as well. Yeah, and Thursday is on critical, whatever that means. Joe Watt, when we were in London, I, I very relaxed about it and ended up missing out on three-day pass and then had to buy them all, all over the place have problems getting my tickets but this is just it's just mental how quickly these have sold and luckily well first of all let's, let's just say all five of us are heading to Chicago the first time the whole podcast team will be at a celebration US side at the same time isn't it yeah Chicago so excited yeah it's so um, excited 10 months away and I'm just excited I've not mentioned how excited I am today so I need to mention again I'm excited the complaining going on on the threads already is incredible which seems to be something that's going across the whole of Star Wars generally at the moment isn't it fandom and stuff yeah so uh, let's let's just talk about us lot for a, a few minutes then. So all five of us booked because we don't do that enough, do we? <laughs> we don't. We don't. To be <laughs> we just did a funny. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Four of us there all five days. Rich be arriving Friday, Friday night. night. Yep, very late Friday night. I'll probably miss the room seals. And Rich, you've managed to find accommodation for five nights in a thirty dollar for the whole. F- Five nights. No, and cheers, cheers for that one, McCorn, for spreading that rumor. No, what? that's not. Hold, yeah, you, hold on. Hold yeah, on. never. Mind. You just, you just shut up, right? I, I no, know. no, no, no. You can't go leveling these accusations of random gossip at me, and then just say no. You just shut up, you big northern, no, bloody southern. I've got a hotel which is right next to um, the ones that Ben and Jason and uh, Pete and various others are staying at. Um, but I do have a spare bed, so if anybody wants it, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. That's where I was all for but i need i need somebody to take the spare bed all i will say about that is it's a that's a great opportunity to show a room of rich but he does wear short shorts so you might see his franken beans well i'm just going to try and get that joke back from the dead <laughs> <laughs> oh it is a quacker rich <laughs> <laughs> with regards to uh, celebration at uh, the hotels as well there doesn't seem to be many right next to the convention center does it 
No. Yeah, so most people uh, will be travelling oh, each wait, day. Wait, wait, no, there is Rich's Hotel, you know, the one made out of cardboard and smelly sleeping bags. That's right next to it as well. But um, I'm, I'm led to believe that the, the it's not actually taking place inside the convention centre, is it? I think there's other things going on. So if, if they were announced like, way in advance, then we would have no chance of getting those hotels anyway. Oh, what, other, um, other conventions and things? Yeah, there's other things going on. I, okay. I think, yeah. I've, I've never been there before, but I think if, if I've got it right, there's four separate areas and possibly Star Wars is in one area so the other three areas will be used for other things we will be giving updates each month only briefly on when panels are being announced um, guests are being announced but we'll keep you up to date on that and I'm sure when the collectors panels which are, are the ones that are related most to podcasting uh, Rich will no doubt do a section in real briefings on that now lads I've bought nothing this month except obviously my tickets to this and pay my deposit for my flight and my hotel so I'm out with acquisitions but I know someone in here has had quite a result of an acquisition. So we're not going to start with them. We're going to go with Simon, because he'll have his list. And then we can see what I need to cut out the intro. Simon? <laughs> it's a very, very short list indeed, I'll have you know. And you can't poke fun at it, and you can't go... <laughs> it's just short. It's from the same place as Jez's acquisition. And it'll be discussed further, or at least where we went in market section. But all I've got this month, all, they are, I'm happy with them, is... Two Palatoy 41 backs, a very worn Darth Vader. It's got a lovely bubble, but the card has basically been pretty much folded in two. So it's got those spider veins all the way down the middle. And David Prowse has felt the need to sign it when someone's put it in front of him. Which, given the state of the cards, it doesn't doesn't bother me. It's just quite nice to have, actually, because I like old Dave. So, yeah, there's a Vader 41 back and also a Yoda 41 back, which I was thrilled to bits with because I haven't got a Yoda mock. And I love the little green fella. And that's it, actually, smarty pants. Well, either of those items, if our listeners like them, they'll probably be on sale at farthest from. (laughs) (laughs) Jez, you obviously went to Wantage as well. Treat yourself to anything? Well, Stu, (laughs) yeah, I did. I've got myself, and I can't believe I'm saying this, because I didn't for a second think I'd ever get anything like this in my collection. I've got a Star Wars special action figure set three pack. <gasps> and what's more, it's the set I've always wanted, the creature set. It's fantastic. Absolutely blown away, delighted with it. Well, I won't ask what you what you pay for it, but you got yourself a really good deal, I think, in the current three pack market. It might have a bit of edgeware and a bit in the places, Jess, but I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great pickup. Thank you. Yeah, we'll put a picture on. It is a beta. It's it's a sealed the actual insides of it is sealed however the box you can gain access to to have a little look inside and have a look at the um, scenery the the sort of the background which comes with it which is brilliant but yeah i'm i'm just delighted and uh, i'm really really grateful to steve taylor who's the owner of toy planet where we went he you know he cut me a good deal on it and knew i'd love it and knew it'd stay in my collection and uh yeah good good lad so um yeah absolutely over the moon wanted one for years patience pays off ricardo have you been uh obviously you must still be paying off your free pack but uh... no um not a lot for me this month so i went down to um memorabilia which is the birmingham comic con and i met up with andy golden and i bought the create dragon bones which is what i said i would do on the last podcast and then i also bought off stars from uk from chewbacca dave one of those uh you know the big posts that have appeared recently I've got myself a 
1B or 5D4, which is one of the missing, I think there are 10, 20, and 21 bucks. I'm now up to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I think I've got 6 or 7 of those now. I'm getting down to the ones now that are a real nightmare to find, such as the 20Bs. Don't know if I'll ever find the 20B, but I'm hoping. So they're just my two purchases. But you're right, though. I mean, obviously, I've had to pay for me celebration flights and me tickets, so it's probably going to be next month and the month after for me for no spending and the month Mate, after. Yeah, you're um, still added a couple of lovely pieces. It's Peedy Weedy. Yo! I actually got some things, which is quite a miracle. Things have been sitting around in Ian in Ian Sanderson's house for two years waiting to be delivered. No fault of his, my fault, obviously. But years ago, years and years ago, I liberated off Todd Osborne a 12-inch Luke Skywalker box. Just a box. It had been slightly, how do I put this, Frankensteined by Todd where it was missing the top flap, so Todd decided to customise this piece and add the modern version of the box, which, and if you remember, the Vintage Collection did a bunch of 12-inch figures, Luke was one of them, so he nicked the flap off that and kind of whacked it in there, but, but when I got it, it was a bit kind of off, so I just kind of took it off. But it's not in a great state, but it only cost me about, I think it was about £11 two years ago. Looks really nice, now I've flattened it out and, you know, tarred it up, cleaned it, looks really smart, and I put my Luke Skywalker in it, so that looks really, really lovely. Then, then, Richard, my personal postman, he picked up from the big pick in the States, from um, a variety of people, my sealed acrylic, Empire Strikes Back, acrylic paint-by-number, glow-in-the-dark, sort of Darth Vader-y thing. It looks really nice. But there was something I noticed about it. It has been shrink-wrapped, obviously, at the time. But inside the shrink-wrap is the price label of the shop inside the shrink-wrap, which is a bit strange. So I don't, don't know why that happened. So Craftmaster was obviously, I don't know, sending these things out. And then shops are shrink-wrapping them. I don't know. But uh, there was actually the, the price kind of label inside the shrink-wrap, which is starting to, you know fold the box up so that might have to come off at some stage i don't care whether it's vintage it's going to kill it but um uh, i also also yes you three items this month three from memorabilia after met with rich i picked up for my my kind of deformed wrecked sort of well destroyed star wars for your collection that sits in my shed office or studio it's joined in there it, it was a hand solo that some child had decided to kind of repaint at red in the face so uh, after a bit of paint removal he still has a red face but it looks really good in my collection in my little little kind of nightmare shop of horrors star wars figure collection where i've got like a headless luke and a a blown up Ewok. They're all there. It's it's taken shape. It's about eight figures in there now. Very nice. And then the final thing was something that Richard gave me, which was the Hoth Ice Planet Adventure set. Just the cardboard bits in a real state. But as he knows, I love putting those things back together. And they're currently being flattened as we speak and cleaned and maybe, you know, made, made to look nice again. But yeah, what a, what a run of stuff. Stuff you and your 20 grand mocks. Look at my stuff. 20 quid. I'm glad you brought that up, Pete, because I've got a couple of things here. So um, check, be careful with the shrink wrap, because I bought a few things from the States, and when they arrived, I thought they'd been shrink-wrapped, but they weren't. They'd been shrink-wrapped by collectors in the 90s, and they'd done it just to, I don't know, protect them from dust or whatever. So it might not actually be vintage shrink-wrap that's on them, so I've had to peel some of the shrink-wrap off stuff before. But secondly, that um, the backdrop that you're on about, I just want to bring Sai back to a conversation that we had at Echo Live, where Sai, he's going, to, he's going to deny this, and I know he is, but his exact words were, if it's not Afa 90 worthy, it goes in the bin. Now, Pete, Pete, that backdrop there was far too nice to throw in the bin. It's a love thing. I mean, w- yeah. what are you going to do with that backdrop? And do you think Sai's comments were pretty, you know, 
pretty honest, ever, ain't it? Ever put anything in the bin? Like, that's, oh, that's, I think we should throw him off the podcast for a week. Give him a week's ban for that sort of nonsense. Pete, in so my defence, I actually said if it wasn't U90, it should be burnt. <laughs> I, I, there's no bin. There's no people can get stuff out of the bin. Burn it. Yeah, that, that's why I go out get my collection from the bin. But it's uh, no, it's you know, it'll, I'll uh, I'll put it together when it's uh, when it's been flattened and and left for a while. Said so it was it was quite dirty. I gave the uh, the the um, lie through a nice bit of a nice clean in the stuff that I have lying around. It makes it look much smart. Um, it's just it's just you know, it's been folded over a lot. You know, might be a few pairs, maybe, I don't know. But uh, I don't know, I might display it, might put it in a frame, might try and put it back together again and just have it as a background of some of my figures. I don't know. But I'm going to keep it because it's nice. Well, thank Cheers, God we're all snobs like that, my corn guy. I'm That's absolutely amazed by that opinion, to be honest with you, Rich. It's a really interesting um, thing to bring to light. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I, Were you I'm not just, there when he said that? I am so not rising to this. <laughs> to you know, Mary, you pick, it, was, it was in the bag on the... on the. Actually, I'm surprised Sai was there because we never saw anything with Sai was there. It was only when he came back to quieting down. And I, I remember he picked up the bag and he went, what's this? This is not This is not gradable. What's this crap? And, and I was like, Sai? That's just not <laughs> oh, on. Wait there, wait there. Was this... Was this the thing that you decided put all these mint and cards out to say? So, <laughs> and then you this? covered them up that with your it. item. That's <laughs> it. Like to... Yeah, yeah. Oh, take the mocks just there waiting to be sold, and Rich dumps recycling on top of them. It's <laughs> not recycling, that's that's vintage stuff. Oh, I should have just stuck a label on it, EFA 95, and just left it, and it would have been there. <laughs> so the only reason we bought it two grand. The only reason we sold some of Sai's stuff when he wasn't there was because we reduced it heavily. We reduced it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, giving it away is not reducing it heavily it's giving it away no there was another item which i i have i have got a vintage item i didn't richard didn't realize it i didn't realize it so we have failed miserably inside of the 12 inch luke skywalker box we don't know whether it was to keep the shape or it was just a nice gift from todd whatever it's still a nice gift from todd it was a micro collection tie fighter you know the one that collapses and so when rich gave it to me we said What's that poor little TIE fighter doing? But I've never seen one before in you know in the flesh outside of a box. So it didn't occur to either of us what it was. So, Todd, you're a lovely man, and that's gone into my collection next to my big-sized vintage TIE fighter. It's really, really nice as well. Just, just missing the little bloke inside. Well, Darth, I I see Todd Osborne the other day. He was looking. He'd accidentally mislaid a TIE fighter micro-collection <laughs> thing. <laughs> Couldn't find it. It's, it's really, really generous of him. Very nice, but yeah, Rich, you failed there on identifying that. I did. Yeah, right. I want to move on to a topic. I don't want this to be a massive thing, but but Dave Tree posted up quite an interesting post. I think it was over on Jabbers. I'm just going to read read out his message about two, three weeks ago now. Curious question related to the changing attitudes, especially towards loose toys. I've been collecting toys for a fair time and Star Wars toys directly for 24 years. I've done a few things here and there to document and further the learning of the toy hobby. To me, the loose toys were and are still out there in their millions. They are not biodegrading anytime soon. Since the rise of social media as the go-to platform for interacting with other collectors, I've seen a social responsibility born for preservation of loose toys. When I started Farthest From, I created a series of 10 flocked vintage figures, 30 of each. They were created as a bit of fun and a keepsake for the show. Uh, part of me thinks I would be demonised for this now under current climate that I see from time to time on social media. So my question is, if someone customises a vintage figure, uses as part of art, or just decides to melt one down, at what point is it unacceptable for someone to do something to something that they own? So who decides what is right and what is wrong for others? So I had a little look at the UK-based groups, and an Echo do not accept the selling 
or discussion of customization. We're not talking about repros here. I think all of them have got reproductions banned. But customization, they do not allow, which I found quite interesting. So I really wanted just to get our opinions on, on customizing vintage figures. Uh, we're talking about loose figures here. We're not talking about opening up cards or anything like that. That's not what we're talking about. So, Rich, customizing vintage figures, what are the risks that make some people think this is unacceptable? Stu, I read that message from Dave and I had a chat with him down at Birmingham when I saw him down there. And I think his comment about how it's recently become more unacceptable, I don't think that's correct. Because I think even when I first got involved in the hobby, there were people criticising customers back then. So I just don't know if Dave's more aware now because he's starting to get a little bit more involved in some of the Facebook sites. But as to the risks, I'm going to say that I enjoy skilled customs. I think they're fantastic. There are some great customs out there. But somebody taking an ugnaught head and slapping it on a stormtrooper body, to me, is just crap. It's it's utterly pointless and it takes no skill whatsoever. Actually, can't stop you there. It does take a bit of skill because... The Stormtrooper doesn't have a removable head, so you've got to proper saw that off and then attach that. I just realised there, by incredible coincidence, I've probably just described the Jez action figure. Someone <laughs> someone creating a new figure from Vintage, I've got no problem with it at all, because there are millions, like Dave said, there's millions of loose figures, and many of them are in beta conditions. I think it was Ed from Stars Form UK, he said that a long time ago, figures without weapons were beaters, and, and that's what they were described. And I think that's this, I understand what he's meaning by that. A lot of that is true. Now, I would frown on a Yak Face or any EV99, perhaps due to their price and perceived scarcity, even though we all know that they're not actually that way, purely because of the fact that the driving price is higher than what you know the ludicrous sides are already at now. But as you mentioned, risks here, I think the risks that I'd be concerned about are things like the C3PO bleaching and, sh- and paint stripping uh, that we saw quite big about a year ago now. I think people falsely inventing first shots and pre-production items from those is a big risk. And I'm also worried about variants. You know, all these variants are suddenly PRing, the, the rusty glove, Tuscan Raiders and all those kind of things. I mean, who's to say that a skilled art restoration, you know, hobbyist isn't making some customs that, you know, perhaps get passed on to somebody else who then says, oh, hey guys, I've got a new variant, look at all this. Uh, so, so I think that's a big worry. I also think a lot of the customs, what's going to say, strict with repos, as some of us are. So perhaps do use some of the repo stickers to improve their customs. And I've also seen odd things like 8D8 with EV99 legs and things like that. And I just, I don't get that kind of stuff at all. It's making things, you know, just for the sake of making them. There's no skill involved in that. I agree on that. Uh, you see these, everyone making um, X-Wing armies just with every other toy head. Yeah, yeah. Yoda, Yoda in an X-Wing suit and things like that. I do sit there and scratch my head as that. Not so much what they've done, but why? Why they've done it? If they were a big EU fan, I would understand it because certainly some of the some of the books were written whereby there was an Ewok and a Gamorrean god who would be part of the um, the Wraith Squadron, and I would understand that if they were a big EU fan and, the, and they were wanting to have six seven characters. But these constantly churning the X Wing pilot's a great one, you know, Ugnor and Yoda and you know the Rancor Keeper. It's a man a man. It's it's just crap. Just stop it. Although I would quite like an X Wing pilot with a proper Rancor head on it. Mm-hmm. That would be a cooler called custom sigh um, whilst it's obvious that customs physically damage the toys themselves does the custom market in any way damage the hobby itself or is it just a wonderful positive creative aspect of the hobby as you say obviously it damages the items that you use but that's to be honest with you there, there are so many what tens of millions of figures out there including beaters that i really don't think it's going to have a any significant detrimental effect on the hobby in that respect 
But the trouble is when you take the customs and they become they go get into someone else's hands, whether you've sold them or traded them or whatever, and they're passed off as the real thing or they're mistaken for the real thing, even if all parties are unaware as such. So just in the last month, I've come across three examples where it's damaged the hobby in some respects. Recently, uh, as you, some of you know, I got quite excited and animated because a photo turned up with a Power of the Force Hoth Snowtrooper, what appeared to be Hoth Snowtrooper, amongst all these other items that have been in a loft for 20-odd years. And I, although I was collecting the 90s, I wasn't really aware of customization going on there. And I sent the photo off to Chris G, but Chris got back to me and said, yeah, it looks like it could be a custom because X, Y, and Z with his bottomless pit of knowledge it it did indeed appear to be a 23 year old custom figure the trouble was i didn't get to see that because it had already changed hands for 400 quid now obviously had that been the real deal and had it been a show example show sample 400 pound would have been dirt cheap but 400 pound for a custom that's a bit different obviously both the seller and the buyer thought it was genuine which knew about it well it would appear neither but that damages the hobby because now someone's been left with a rather expensive mock-up essentially haven't they so a, a, a fake and then you remember last month in my new acquisitions i got hold of a uh, from this was from ebay bought it knowing exactly what it was it was a gm general mills 45b back luke hoth card and someone had put one of those repro bubbles on it and where the litho had been damaged around the bubble area they'd printed on photo paper the bubble area and a little bit of the card back and glued it on so i thought oh it must have been really trash behind that and it looked awful because you had this really bad color print over the bubble area and i wasn't keeping it as it was anyway so i ripped the bubble off and then tried pulling the the photo off and actually it had been really really good behind on the card back originally and i did more damage removing that piece of rubbish photo paper than had actually been done originally and it was such a shame and so someone's taken a genuine item and they've customised it to make it look good. And what they've done is actually they've they've really badly damaged a quite a rare car back. So that's another example. And finally, in terms of damaging the hobby, look at old Poon. He he started out making some really good customs that were that were all right. They were never going to be passed off as the real thing, but they were quite fun and they were quite interesting. And the rocket firing fets and etc. in their packaging, they were they were great bits, and people had no problem buying them. And then he's moved on to other things like stormtroopers. And now you are actually getting poon troopers, as they call them, turning up in people's collections who haven't got any idea at all. And they're fake. They're just reproduction. And those you could class those as customs as well, because that's what you'd started out doing. So when, when your custom side leads into the strays into the reproduction side, that also is damaging the hobby. So that's my short answer on it, Stu. Do you want to hear the long one? He's like a politician, isn't he? You ask him a certain question about figures with head swapped and stuff like that, and he goes off on a rant about carded figures and whatnot. Didn't actually answer the question. Uh, actually, the question was customs. Do customs physically damage? So and customs, you were given yes. some examples. We all spoke about the examples about figures physically being right, changed. Which in wasn't on the show notes. But hey, let's not worry about that. Oh, sorry. I was just listening to what the host was saying i could counter to say that the people who i know who have gone into customs and made them for christmas decorations all made various different squadrons you know x-wing this that, and the other those very same people 
are the people who invest a great deal of time into the Star Wars community, cataloging stuff, contributing to Facebook pages, groups, forums, etc., and do a great deal for the hobby. So just because it's a bit of extra fun on their side, I don't think it's damaging the hobby at all. And it just allows a little bit more positivity in an environment at the moment where we're just seeing so many different toxic examples of people freaking out and being all down on Star Wars. And if this just, you know, allows someone to be a bit creative, then fair enough. It's not doing them any harm. And you can't have an X-Wing pilot with a Greedo head being passed off as the real thing. There's a difference between customs and reproductions. And what you spoke about, the Poon Trooper, etc. Yeah, I completely agree. That's bad. But they're reproductions. They're not customs in my book. Well, Jez, I asked you to find some examples of good customs, bad customs. So while you're talking, yeah. perhaps you could just uh, carry on with your point. It also appears that the old, from a certain point of view, depends on what side of the Atlantic you're on as well because it does appear and I've seen this written down in various places that us Europeans tend to be a little bit more hot over on, on this and a little bit less tolerant than the Americans in particular um, I found some good stuff on Rebel Scum in fact I've seen tutorials on Rebel Scum and customising 101 chapters and stuff like that where they're actually positively encouraging it and helping. Um, Steve Savory's got some good examples, but I did see a little video earlier on which was Greedo with a Han Bespin body. And they had take and there's actually a video of this online. And they've taken the Han Bespin body, they've painted it, they've taken the arms and the head of the Greedo, and it gives it a far more accurate cantina greedo feel and uh, yeah i thought it was really good and as i said i've, I've seen steve's squadron and, and i've seen some christmas decorations and, and i think i think they're good fun totally agree Jez. you asked me to give you some bad examples i've just got two all right if i may one of them is a polish bootleg which i own now the, the reason i say this is a bad one is someone prior to me owning it is caved his head in and made it all bloody and not very nice and I've got that in the back of my snow speeder as Dak Raltar. It's just, you know, he's he's all been shot up and it does look like he's um, he's died, which is a bit bad. And uh, I don't really think that's good. But if you were to Google <laughs> Star Wars rabbit custom. Now, my computer did autocorrect custom to costume and I got a lot of ladies dressed up at one point. Steady Pete. Yeah, Star Wars Rabbit Custom. It's a really weird CCP. You know I like the Cloud Car Pilot. Um, there's a Cloud Car Pilot with a rabbit's head and you can't tell me, Simon, that's going to confuse anyone. It's just that's barking mad. Is that Jackson? Just Michael like Jackson. Yeah, go up, Pete's confused. Jackson the Rabbit. Yeah, point proven. You can just take a photo of your back in your snow speeder and put it on our social media <laughs> oh i do yeah i like that thank you pete now i'm not sure where you sit with customs but you have previously told us not that long ago that you are strongly against reseals due to the fact that the glue isn't vintage yeah so thinking about that and with that being the case in my head i guess you must be strongly against customs well so, that's where you're wrong Stu, because that makes no sense because for me when you're resealing something you're you're trying to well and you can interpret whichever way you want but uh, make it look like it's you know a sealed looking item so you're trying to sort of restore it as such 
which I'm not a fan of at all. But with customs, ooh, it is quite a difficult one because if it's like a, like you say, if it's a beta figure and you're making something, so you're taking something that probably doesn't have a great deal of value and not a lot of people, you know, I mean, not a lot of people like me who don't mind a beta, lots of people like mint stuff. So that's why betas are sticking in the bottom of, you know, boxes at uh, shows. When me and Rich went to memorabilia recently, there was plenty of boxes of beta figures not doing anything. I picked up that uh, hand head, hand large head figure with red goodness knows what everywhere no one was touching it apart from some loon like me and there was plenty of them as uh, some kids obviously don't don't always figures in and no one was going to buy that sort of thing so i think when it's stuff like that it's not going to be sold then they are custom fodder but as long as you create something that has not been done so creating another stormtrooper or, or a pilot i think is reasonably pointless but yeah for example i would i've seen some brilliant slave lear on vintage card looking figures i would be tempted by someone do me a, a customer one of those because I mean, it's obviously something that wasn't released at the time you have to be pretty you know daft or naive to think that these are actually you know stuff written at the time if i did have a customer i would obviously have you know somebody put something on the back like a date or this is not a vintage figure some of like that just to make sure that if my collection got sold off then some idiot didn't buy it by mistake um but no i'm um i, I think when it's a beautiful custom and it's been done with creativity and love and ability i think it's fine but like, a bit like rich you see these things stuck on a shelf and painted like orange this is my pre-production uh, custom <laughs> there's no point just just don't stop that it's got to be done and uh, as jez I'm, I'm actually a bit of a fan of some of the customization groups where they pick a a theme sometimes and they all go at it and make the best looking figure some of the stuff there is you know works of art these guys can sculpt they can create you know these things look fantastic and they and there's no way you're ever going to think it's a vintage figure you really don't i mean they're, they're absolutely stunning and they're very complicated with weapons and all sorts so. a lot of customers they don't really get on the vintage route a lot of them do go down the kind of like using the vintage figure to make kind of a modern figure so um you know, sort of being slightly ironic I'm, I'm a fan of customs as long as it's not like i said seeping into that repro world which is pointless so the poon stuff i never i never got why certain people on, the, on our forum like that i remember thinking well that's a complete contradiction but there we go pete i did ask you to i don't know if you did it or not to check tracker and tally up how many loose figures were sold in the last 12 months and what was the most commonly sold figure what kind of results did you get from that well i sent everyone a graph earlier on just to give a, to an impression that figures are still going up I'm, I'm, I would think Jared would allow us to publish that. It's just, it just gives you like a yearly uh, colour rating of all the figures sold in the last, you know, last four years. Actually, you can see how it's slowly creeping up, and certain figures like Yak Face, like um, R2 Pop Up, start to you know climb up those those price sort of charts. But you know, it's what, what you probably expect. Quite a lot of lot of figures still being sold. But there was so in the last twelve months, so from here to last June, sixteen thousand six hundred figures been sold. Now, if I can remember correctly, from the last one when we used to do this kind of round up in the last few years, I seem to remember that around about the sort of Force Awakens, it was up by the twenty five thousand mark. So that's a big, big drop. So it's consistently dropping in the amount. And that includes everything. That's every single type of loose figure. That's you know anything, anything that's loose, not graded though, just ordinary loose. And this year, it's only seven thousand six hundred twenty-five. So not a lot this year. So there's been a big drop off, really. There's been more. So there's definitely been a drop off. Can do you want to guess? Well, now it's usually on the same lines. Do you want to? Anyone want a quick guess what the most, most frequently purchased figure is? I'm going to guess Chewbacca. Anyone else? Sensa Score Bar Two. Dawn Trooper. Dawn Trooper. Anyone else? Sorry, fail. Mm. Vader. Well, Rich was right. Uh, 308 R2s. So frequency of 308. Obviously, there's lots more in other places. But uh, anyone have a quick guess on the most infrequent, I think, 
from going back over the last few years, this is the first time this figure has has hit the low point, and I was quite surprised. Lando General. I'm going to go with. I'm assuming you're not talking about variants or anything yet, so I'm going to go uh, with Imperial Gunner. Bespin Guard. Oh, interesting, Jess. I like Lando General answer. I think it's a good one. You don't see him very often. You're all wrong. It's Warwick with just seven. Really? Seven. I was staggered by that. How how many was that, Pete? Seven. How many, Pete? Just seven. Just seven. Just seven. Less than eight. <laughs> just more than six. One more than six. Wow. It never ceases to... But, I mean, to be fair, I can't remember seeing too many Warwicks doing rounds recently. Normally, it's, you know, like... I mean, it used to be like things like... Oh, it's going to... Um, R2 Pop-Up used to be reasonably popular. That that was nowhere to be seen. That was right sort of in the sort of top 30 or 40. That that was normally a bit higher than that. A-Wing Pilot as well has kind of gone off the boil. So, people, I think people are just giving up. They can't find him. So, they've just gone, right, stuff it. It used to be, like, you know, much lower than that. Well much lower than what it used to be, but or interesting. Seven. Let's just move this on then. I just want to say, with regards to customs, I went to Matt Fox's May the Toys Be With You, his display that's going around the country at the moment. He had some customs specially made of toys that could have been, and he's got like a banther in there, he's got your Tarki, and um, Woman With Six Boobs, the Dancer Ula, all this kind of stuff. And they look amazing, and they're done really, really well. I know the guys over at Tantif, who are huge supporters of us, they've made some brilliant R2 units and R5 units, or whatever they are, for their giveaways and celebrations always really nicely done we were given a christmas decoration from dot off the forum um, i've got a lovely little claw too in a santa suit put it up every year love it and i think the things like echo banning them what's the difference between a customizer taking a figure or me putting a beta run together for my lad my lad's got a box in there of over 100 vintage figures just getting more battered at the end of their, that life what is wrong with them breathing new life into them because they've already got the loosest limbs so and jez has just put a picture of this rabbit up and it's actually incredible and i can't believe he's put it in the bad section that's jackson yeah i'd have that in my collection all day long <laughs> That's a cloud park. Cloud park. That's a cloud car pilot with massive feet. Yeah, but it's Jackson. <laughs> right, let's just go around then, boys. Pro or non-pro? On on a whole, I'm I'm pro customs all day long. Rich, I'm a pro. Pete, yeah, yeah. Jez, keep them separate, but I'm pro. And uh, Sai, you're the other way, yeah. No, I like them. Right, so over to this month's quiz. I wanted to go with something a bit different, so I decided to have a little look through Google at what other game shows there are, and we're not going to fall short. There is hundreds of the flipping things out there. But I thought I'd go with something that's currently on British television that um, our US from around the world listeners probably don't know, but at the moment, Warwick Davis presents a game show in the afternoons on British television called Tenable. Have any of you boys seen this? Yep. Nope. Nope. So, so basically, you've got a team, which is going to be you four, and Jess is going to be your team captain. I will say a category, and then Jess gets to choose from the other three of you who is going to take on the board. They will get the question, and there's ten answers on the board. They need to get five right to guarantee their place in the final. Mm. Then pick someone else for the next topic, and then someone else for the third topic. Then Jez gets to go on whatever topic is the fourth topic. He cannot be eliminated. He guarantees a place in the final. But if he gets five right, every question he gets right after that, he can bring one of you back if you've been eliminated for the final. And then there's a final kind of board with ten answers. So, for example, I might say to you, uh, Wham's, uh, their first top ten hits, and you would have to get on the list. Okay, you can get one answer wrong on your go, but then you are eliminated. Quite straightforward, I'm sure we'll all get the hang of it as we go. So, first of all, Jez, the first topic 
is prequel trilogy. Which one of your three team members would you Ooh. most like to play this? I've got confidence in the entire team, and I know as a team we'll side, move side. forward and we'll smash it. Side. I'm going to go with Do Richard one. on this one. Oh. <laughs> so, boys, you cannot help him. Rich, as soon as you <laughs> you're not answer, wrong. It's on the board, okay? <laughs> now I know that in the game show there is a couple of a couple of things you can do. So Rich, yep. you can nominate uh, one of the other teammates to give an answer, and also Jez on each of their rounds. Yep. You can you can basically interrupt if you don't agree with their answer, but you can only do it once on each person, and then you right. get to answer. Okay. So Rich, step forward. Prequel trilogy is actually the easiest of the opening rounds. Okay, because it's all we'll figure see. related. We'll see. <laughs> Rich, I'm not looking for things like Stormtroopers or TIE Fighters, nothing like that. But we are looking for 10 characters who appear in any of the prequel trilogy films that a figure was made of in the vintage era. There is actually 11, but two of them are paired as one on here. So what do you think's on the board? So Obi-Wan Kenobi would be one because he was in the prequels. Obi-Wan Kenobi is up there, Rich. Yes, well done. You've got it. That is one down. Yoda. Yoda is correct, Rich. That's two. Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett is up there, Rich. Well done. That's three. Two more to guarantee your place in the final. C3PO. Correct. Four. R2D2. Five. Now you can earn some uh, quarters. So for one quarter, can you carry on going? Remember, you still can get one wrong. (laughs) So, that's yawn. Right, so you lose a life. You lose eh? a life for that what? because someone I didn't see anything. I know you what? didn't, but one of the team interrupted. You do lose a life if that happens again. Hang on a Rich. second. You're there not in the final. No, so... I said no one can interrupt unless you're unless you're interfering. You can only say that after an answer, Jez. I'm sorry. Uh, He's lost uh, his life, Rich. You can just bank and go and sit down, or you can no, carry on. But if you I'm get one walk. wrong, you will be out. All right, okay. Well, I better bank then because I don't want to be out. Okay. Um, Anyone else? Anyone else know Shocking what Shocking that. Shocking Vader. Have a check Vader. With Vader, yes. Tuscan Vader. No, no, again, that's a bit generic, isn't it? It's not a personal character. You would have been out. Because Emperor. I misunderstood the rules. I wasn't cheating anyway. <laughs> that was just a yawn, which Jez. sounded a little bit wookie-ish. Jez, you did an impression of a character. <laughs> that is not interrupting. <laughs> Is cheating. So let's just Ooh, go through. Anakin. Anakin, Anakin was on the board. Palpatine Chewbacca. was on the board. Uh, Chewbacca. And of course, Luke and Leia, the twins, are born right at the end. Yeah. Right. So, Rich, you're safely through to the final. Well done, Rich. But done you here. don't have any money yet. Right. So, the second category, Jez, is ESB Empire Strikes Back. Who would you like to play, Simon or Pete? Oh, Simon, Simon. Pete, I've got every confidence in you and Simon. And there's going to be no impressions from me on this or help. And don't check Facebook Messenger. Messenger. Anyway, um, I'm going to go with Pete. I'm really up for it, Pete. Okay, Pete. You you step forward, Pete. Okay. I think generally quite another easy one, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, now you say that. (laughs) So what we are looking for, Empire Strikes Back figures, the actual figures of the character on the screen as they appeared in the film. So I'm looking for the the ten first figures you see on the you know, on the film. So if this was Return of the Jedi, you might say, oh, Jabba, as an answer, is seen on the screen in the first ten people that would have had a figure. First ten people on Empire. This does include droids and creatures. (laughs) Han Solo. No, but, but I was trying to interrupt then, Quizmaster, who is okay, just Okay, so fair. you're objecting to this then, Jez. Yep, okay. Yeah, Jez, yeah. what would you like to answer instead? Darth Vader. 
you'd like to answer Darth Vader instead and oh, right. So first of all, let's see if in, instead of it being Han Solo regular figure, okay, as oh, as launched on the first twelve, um, <laughs> I would like to say Darth Vader. Okay, Darth Vader. Does he appear as the first ten characters? So first of all, Pete, your answer wasn't on the board. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, well, sorry, no, hang on. Gone, no, gone, no, Jess, you Jess, said, moving on. No, moving because on. you said Return of a Jedi. You said no, Return of the Jedi, and the Empire last thing my the category yeah. is called Empire Strikes Back. But then, but then your, but then, then your example was Return of a Jedi. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not going to give you an answer off this list, no. am I? Okay, so I recognise that I'm interrupting myself, which is in the law. Uh, and in r- rules. So, I so can we come back in about 20 minutes? Han Solo <laughs> to Han Solo Hoth. <laughs> I'll allow this just the once, but you are very, very confused tonight. So, <laughs> Han Solo wasn't up there. Is Han Solo Hoth... Yes, he is the fourth one to appear on screen during Empire Strikes Back. <gasps> you so, Pete, you are on the board with one. You haven't lost a life, although you should have done <laughs> with that. <laughs> so, Jed, uh, Pete, where would you like to go? I will go, as everyone loves to go, uh, Leah Hoff. Leah Hoff. Is she in those opening things? Yes, she is the eighth character you eighth see that became a figure in Empire Strikes Back. I'm just trying to think. Let me have a think. Empire how does it start? Let me have a think. Lucky for you, how does it start? She was the eighth character. Oh my goodness! You can, uh, Jez, you can no longer interrupt. I know. Me. You've done I it know. once, okay? Yeah. Um, well, uh, ooh, it's pretty early on, so um, I'll go Luke Hoff then. That is correct. He is the third character figure thing you would see on screen in that movie. Well, Stuart, was... Stuart, I know I can't interrupt. Pete, mm. put your fingers in your ears. No, no, definitely. Wait, put your fingers in your ears. Stu, can are you including tauntauns in this or not? Right, you're just giving him a, another theme. There's no way he hasn't heard that. I don't so know. Pete, I'm afraid, I'm mate. I said creatures top. at the beginning. Creatures and droids are accepted. I'm afraid, Pete. Tauntaun what? is up there. It's the second thing on the board, but you have lost a life and what? you don't game one on that. I'm sorry, your captain is letting you down. He's oh, sabotaging. Was... He's sabotaging the team. Pete, you still just... need two more to get through to the final. Going... Oh man. Uh, well, Hoth Wumper. Yep, that is the fifth thing uh, character you get to see on the screen. That was a vintage toy. Oh, I just don't think uh, what you got. I've seen. Uh, does he do that bit then? Uh, I'll, I'll, well, seeing as Jez is a big goose, <laughs> I'll go for Chewbacca. <sighs> the top ten. That is correct, Pete. He was the seventh when Han Solo comes back in. So, Pete, you are in the final. You can carry on playing, but if you get one wrong, let me have a think. Let me have a you think. You will be eliminated. So, hey, think. Ooh, oh, nice. That's too generic. You, you, you want names of characters, don't you? Rather than so, you're looking for the toys. What about Imperial Commander on the um, on the Thingamabob ship thingy? Who? So this is this is an answer, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you're wrong, you are eliminated, Pete, and only what? Jess can win you back because you've already lost your life. Oh, is Imperial good. Commander up there? It's too late. I'm afraid, Pete, he isn't in the first oh, ten oh. figures. Pete, you are eliminated for the final. You have to rely on your your captain, who basically lost you a life. 
anyway well, to, to win you back. So I don't know what's going on? Yeah. yeah. On the, other, the other one's up there, Pete. The first one on screen, Probot. Probot died. Yeah. Um, sixth one was a Rebel Commander. The ninth is three PO, and the tenth yeah. is R two. R two D two. Yeah. And anyone give me the eleventh? Yeah. Would it be the Atat driver? No, it's Obi Wan. Obi Wan, yeah. So, Jez, you <laughs> was part of Pete's downfall there quite majorly. Cheers, Jez. <laughs> no, I... Pete did take a risk when he was already in the final, but uh, you will have to win him back. So, Cy, oh, yeah. if you step forward, you've got the third and final category. You don't get Jez to nominate you for this. Jez, can you go mute? Yeah, I'm going to shut up <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Just unplug your headset. Cy, oh, yeah. si, your category is called Glass Lead. <laughs> Ah, so yes, yes, my focus. Look at that. Isn't there it? was eleven toys released in the Glass Leet range. Two of them are combined on this list. I'm looking for those ten toys. Yep. Uh, right. Well, I can. I've seen in the last week on eBay a Glass Leet tie fighter. Right. Let's see if that's up there. It is up there. That is the one I have got double bagged with the tie interceptor. So well done, Sai. You're on the board. I reckon there's got to be an X-Wing. There is indeed, so Well done. Up to two. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> I th- I- I'm pretty much out of vehicles. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, do, right. I don't know if this... Uh, I don't know if I'm... Am I allowed to ask a question? Do, do droids count, as in the droids line? No, no. This is the main toy line. R2? They definitely did an R2, didn't they? R2 is on there, yes. Yeah, up to yeah, three. You yeah. still get one wrong. You're doing well. Three PO. Yeah, well done. Four. Oh, I know who they did because it keeps on smashing into millions of pieces. Luke, Luke Skywalker. Well done. So, sorry, you already got your fight. You're in the five, but you may as well carry on going because you still can get one wrong. I can get one wrong quite safely. Do you see what's happened here? You see, Jess has kept quiet on this one. He lost the other two of their opening life <laughs> and caused them issues. <laughs> He's kept quiet, and all of a sudden, you're um, <laughs> um, all right, okay, okay. Let's stick with the first 12. Uh, Han, Han Solo, yeah, well done. Six correct. <laughs> I've not seen a Vader. I've not seen Vader. Who else? Uh, there's got to be an Imperial, though. I don't want to say Stormtrooper. No, I'm. Go- I can't think of a single Imperial. I'm going to take probably my last stab in the dark at Leia. Leia is up there, mate. Yes, you've got seven correct. You're still going to get one wrong, so you may as well keep guessing. I've, I've definitely not seen Vader, so I'm just going to say Stormtrooper. That isn't up there. Now, Sai, do you want to have another guess, or do you want no, to just get yourself in no, the No, I don't. No, I don't. And I don't want Jez's help either. So just stop <laughs> Well there. done. Sai, you are safe. Does anyone know any others? Vader. Vader is on there, yeah. Chewbacca and a Snowtrooper. Snowtrooper? Hmm. I've never seen one of those. <laughs> right, so Jez, you and Simon and Rich are all safely in the final. Mm-hmm. You need to get five correct here to rescue Pete back. Okay? Yeah. Your question is, on the main photo, on the front of the bandolier strap, what ten action figures are sitting in the bandolier? No googling, let's go. Okay, um, Han Solo, Bespin. That is correct, yeah, well done, one. This came out, okay, so let's go with Lando. That is incorrect, you have lost a life. Oh dear. If you get one more wrong, Pete will not return for the final. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, Chewbacca. Basically... 
no, Chewbacca is in there. Well done. Up to two. Okay. Need three more correct. Stormtrooper. Oh. Pete, I'm afraid you will not be returning for the final. Yeah. <laughs> because oh. your, your oh. captain has really let himself down this month. The well, other eight month. are 3PO, 9Num, Vader, Biker Scout, Akbar, Klaatu, Reese, and Weakway. So only three of you go into the final, okay? We start with Jez. It'll be Jez, Richard, Simon, the order. You all keep guessing an answer. If you get one wrong, you are eliminated. But you need to get all ten on the list to win, okay? Now this is things 1982, okay? Purely vehicles and play sets. What are you going for that was a 1982 release? Darth Vader's carry case? Vehicles or play sets? He's afraid, Jez, you are eliminated from this round. I'm not going to say I'm fatigued. I'm just a little bit tired. I'm doing too much. (laughs) But you're doing enough in this quiz, to be honest with you. Uh, Rich, down to two. Can can I just clarify, do you mean things that first came out in 82 or to really 82 was their first release right okay oh, it's not as easy as i thought then i'm gonna go with the cloud city players play set from sears that is incorrect rich you Ooh. are eliminated simon you need to get 10 correct to uh oh this boys to win easy, this. It? yeah um okay so we're talking late on in empire aren't we oh this is gonna be so easy uh let's start with the uh naffest vehicle ever rebel transport the Rebel Transport did come out in 1982. Well done. Nice. So you are okay. now alone, though. <laughs> <laughs> so it's back to you again already. Always the case. Um, okay. Well, mini rigs. They, they must have been well late in Empire. So uh, let's bimble through those. Vehicle maintenance energizer. Yes, the VME did come out in 1982. That is two. On the Radar board. laser cannon. The radar laser cannon did. You're up to three. Tripod laser cannon. The tripod laser cannon is one. Four. Uh, I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and just carry on on this vein, I think. So let's go with cap two. That is up there. Yep. Five. MLC three. That is incorrect. I would just like to say, Si, though, well done. I think Pete might have helped. I think Jez might have helped. (laughs) Sorry about that, lads. (laughs) The other five were the Battle Damaged X-Wing, the Int 4, Scout Walker, the Tonton Split Belly, and the Wampa. When did the Adventurous, the MLC-3, come out? Uh, Let me just check, because I've got it all in front of me. The MLC-3 came out in... So they released the MLC-3 before the Cap 2. PDT-8 was 81... And so was the MLC-3, and the MT-7 was all 81, yeah. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. Learn something new every day. Well, Jez, I'm proud of your yeah. team. <laughs> I'm proud of the team, actually, for, you know, keep keeping it stum whilst their leader <laughs> massively messed up in spades. And unfortunately, I need to have a word of myself, uh, but I am proud of the team. Well done, team. I'm just, I've let myself down. I've let you down. I've let Tafias down. I feel, I feel Pete yeah. got the hardest done by there because you were, <laughs> you, you gave an answer which wasn't on there. And then, um, but Taunton was on there, wasn't it? It was on there, but you interrupted, yeah. And then, um, then you didn't do enough to win him back. 
any other month, I thought that Wookiee Raw would have been completely kosher. and It, it would have been comedy gold, mate. And I yeah, didn't even I, hear what it was. I just heard a noise, and then I, I just, just continued. Did Wookiee Raw, and Stu <laughs> wasn't having any of it this month. No, he was really... Just being miserable, kid, wasn't he? Miserable normal content. month. Yeah. I would have got away with that. of Chicago Star Wars Pontoon Drop your stickers for Carl So Repro does no harm The Rebel base is on a moon on the far side We are preparing to orbit the planet Rich, a taste of Chicago Is this all about Chicago town pizzas? I hope it is Well I've been reading last week actually that Chicago town pizzas are just like a casserole I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but... Uh, what do you mean they're like a casserole? Yeah, there was some argument between the New York guys and the Chicago guys on a Facebook group saying that the New York pizzas were better and Chicago pizzas were casseroles. Wait, what do they mean by casserole? It's still I have got no idea. Pepperoni. Yeah, exactly. Never mind. We'll find out when we get there. So, <laughs> anyway, Stu, I don't want to labour too much on Chicago because you said in the intro we will talk about celebration as and when details get released. But what I want to come at here is just to focus on vintage, okay, and vintage toys and vintage collections. As we know, Star Wars Celebration is April 11th to the 15th, 2019 in Chicago. And I want to convince somebody who's thinking of going to Celebration, who's thinking of outlaying the amount of money, whether it's going to be worth it for somebody who's a vintage toy collector and not somebody who's just a general Star Wars fan. The first thing I've got is to look at, and this is what the criticism of Disney, the criticism of current Lucasfilm trends is, and what else is one to say. Isn't Star Wars Celebration just all about milk and the fans and selling tat? That is so cynical. But it's probably not terribly far off the truth, if, if the truth be told. It's not just about the selling of the tat, because that makes it sound like it's about selling junk at Celebration itself, and that's not what it's about. It's the promotion of the franchise as a whole, which is obviously majorly in Disney's interest, isn't it? It means we'll go and see more films and we'll buy more tat and beach towels and toothbrushes and, like me, my collection of hairbrushes. You've got to promote the whole brand. And it helps Disney. It helps all those franchisees who bought the licenses to produce their tat and all that sort of stuff. So, in a way, it is, but at the end of the day let's not worry about that we love live events and whether you go there and you don't buy a single damn thing that's why you go so whatever the reason for it it, it's just an event to go to and enjoy and meet up and have lots of beers and whatever those pizza things you were calling so take it for what it is just great fun now pete mean you were in celebration orlando which was vastly different from celebration europe in london I think Jez was there. Was Jez in Orlando? I can't really remember what Jez was doing. As a vintage Star Wars collector, what can one expect from going to Celebration and viewing what's on the floor when you compare it to London? Well, let's just give Jez his due because Jez was at Orlando and he ran about, what, 20 kilometres a day and rode oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. 
thousand the, the Americans are so generous. They they were just throwing dollars into his bucket when he was running. It was unbelievably generous. Americans should be proud of yourself. Absolutely proud of yourself. You helped him raise what, fifteen grand? Crazy. A lot of money went in. So let's not let's not forget poor old Jez. But yeah, as a, as a vintage collector, I mean, I think the uh, the floor show is very underestimated for stuff you can get. There's always a lot of mocks around or mint on card figures. Nothing probably outstandingly outstanding, but for people like me, <laughs> top notch. So there's always stuff modern collecting, yeah, absolutely top of the range. But you will you will find stuff. You will find stuff. People are always there to bargain with. You know, don't be put off by someone say, oh no, no. There's lots if you look for it. There's, I remember last last time there was a guy selling all sorts of stuff. They kept put, repro, you know, producing stuff underneath the table out of a box, and he started appearing. Oh, oh, here's some vintage stuff I I um, forgot about last time, and suddenly it just appeared. I remember at Anaheim, our friend Todd Chamberlain, his store was constantly packed. It was just full of the stuff you get off his uh, toy chamber eBay page. It was fantastic. When it comes to maybe sort of a bit more the kind of higher grade vintage stuff that's where you want to look for the room sales it is normally on is it the saturday night rich or am i thinking friday night friday night yep friday so friday night is usually in a hotel somewhere nearby and that is where people will suddenly appear out of nowhere like the shopkeeper for mr ben you'll just be standing around there'll be lots of good stuff there and then suddenly some bloke will appear with a bunch of amazing items which you've probably never seen before especially if you're some of my my uh, collecting target focusing you'll go oh my goodness who's this guy and that keeps happening all night that'll go on from about what eight nine o'clock and just keep going until people have either become very bankrupt or um, <laughs> run away like me going oh my goodness i've spent all my money in like 10 minutes so i mean yeah i always come back with something vintage you know obviously not I'm a high-end collector but there's plenty of stuff that appears you will not be sure of spending your cash on something brilliant and especially in Chicago, I mean, I think we'll get we'll get sellers from the East Coast and the West Coast going, ooh, you know, there's a, there's another market we haven't tapped into in the middle, that uh, sort of Midwest kind of area. So you will be not short of vintage items. So from memory, from those who did London, there were, I want to say, three big vintage stalls. I can remember Nick Dykes and his whole area with Ian Carrick. And I can remember Jason Joyner's area, which had Dave Tree on. Can anyone remember what was the more? Say that again, Rich. There was there was a couple up there, wasn't there? Yeah. Did you just say that these vintage stalls on the floor? Yes. So you said Dave Trees, didn't you? Which well, was Joyner with Joyner. Dave Tree and Joyner were together, and you had Nick Dykes and Ian Carrick were together. You had Darren Simpson had a big stall, which had some vintage Darren on it. Darren Simpson, yep. And there was also the one that we was talking to in Fax this time out there. They were also there the first time we went to Fax. Um, I bought my TIE Fighter from there, which was n- near our booth around the back of us. They had quite a lot of stuff. Also, James Gallo had a few bits and pieces, didn't he? Yes, he did. James Gallo had a stall there as well, yeah. Yeah. That's five. So, Pete, I don't know if you remember Orlando that well on the shop floor, but... I can remember one huge vintage store. I can't remember who was selling that, but that was quite near where Jez's uh, run was. And that was massive, and that's where Grant got that tri-logo Imperial Gunner that I'd been looking at, and he paid $120 for it, and I was kicking myself for not getting it. That that store was massive. It was, it was just a full wall-to-wall of carded figures. 
And then you had you had Tracy Hamilton's place, who was um, near Paul Chu, and there there were probably what would you say six, seven, really really big stalls in in Orlando. Yeah, I remember. Wasn't the there was like a mature lady who had lots of vintage figures kind of like hooked up around the seat or around the kind of the outside of the of the store and they they were they were priced plenty of room for uh, a bit of bargaining as well. I can't I, I definitely bought something from that. I can't remember what on earth it was, but uh, but yeah, they had, they had some really good vintage figures actually, decent ones. Stu, Pete briefly touched on this next part there, but if a vintage collector is looking to go to celebration but is really wanting to do the panels and perhaps hasn't got time to go in the vintage hunt, is there anything outside of the convention centre that you'd be hoping for that would appeal specifically to vintage collectors? Well, you, you were clearly trying to point me in the direction of the room sales. Um, Pete has just kind of covered that, hasn't he? You say Friday night, people get their bits and pieces out, um, which will be where I would be most looking for myself for a little treat or something out there. Outside of that, Richard, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, you've got your room sales on the Friday that, you know, has been mentioned got the time now, but there's also other little opportunities as well. So certainly in the collecting tracks area in Orlando, and I think they did this a, a very, very small bit in London, whereby you could go to a place and you could bring stuff that you wanted to trade. Now, when I went up there, it was mostly people wanting to trade patches for other patches, but there were certainly some vintage items there that people were trading for at these, you know, bring swap meet places, whatever you want to call them. And also some of the Facebook groups, some of the um, the collecting groups online, they also will organise their own parties. So we had the IC one at Orlando, and I'm pretty sure there'll be a few more of those perhaps going to be set up and announced another time. Jason Smith had the big Facebook party at Kings Orlando. So I would imagine that perhaps another group like that would be announced where there was a nice little shot glass given away as a souvenir. I think there's a lot going on at the vintage collectors. So if you are a vintage collector and perhaps you're travelling solo and you, you, you're going to get overwhelmed with all the modern and the Star Wars and things like that, just keep an eye out on the Facebook group, keep, keep an eye out on the forums and keep listening to the podcast we'll keep you updated. I'm going to ask each of you this one because I was going to ask Jez but sadly he's had to drop out for the moment. So we're all going to Celebration. What are your hopes for Celebration? And what one thing do you desperately want to bring back? Hopes for Celebration would be... Just a really good, fun time. I know that sounds really naff, but just as much fun as London was, because London C3 was the first celebration I've been to. Not done one outside the UK yet, and just had such a whale of a time. It was just, it was absolutely brilliant. So that's all I'm looking for. Great fun, good laughs, lots of beers, lots of vintage. And the one thing I'd like to bring back, you know, I I haven't got a, oh, I must get this. I would just like to find one really nice palatoy carded figure at a reasonable price and i'll be happy there's there's nothing that i absolutely have to walk away with oh rich i could go on for days i could go on for days what my my main hope is that it is slightly better organized than last time i think it was such an off-putting experience getting into the event and the way they expect you to behave things like you know sleep on the floors and stuff i find that really uncomfortable so i'm hoping it's a more pleasant experience the show itself is you know doesn't need changing at all really it's it's great i mean you know i could walk around those shops for days i don't you know there's so much stuff so i'm hoping we have a lot of lot of stuff to look around because 
the shop floor. I mean, I literally I could do the whole. I could do five days walking on the shop floor. It's it's just so much stuff to look at and bargain and talk. And the amount of people now, you you guys are going to get this. The amount of people who suddenly appear from nowhere and go, I recognise your voice. And you go, oh my, who are you? And uh, <laughs> what is wonderful is to meet people who listen, listen to the show. I think you we we get the impression we always think that maybe it's you know uh, an audience we kind of know, but suddenly someone will say, oh, Stu, I recognise that voice, and, we'll, and, and, they, and they know you. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness, who is this person? Which is very rewarding because, um, you know, it's, it just goes to show that we do, you know, we are appreciated the hard work we put in, and people do actually get entertainment out of it. So that is something I really like. I think overall what I've been looking for is just, just – I, I just like adding to my collections. I always go with a list, and last time I went with a list, and I got everything off my list. I found it. I bargained. I went back. You know, I held, <laughs> held my patience. There was a couple of modern items I was after, and there was a store sound. I, mean, no, I knew nobody was going to buy them. Jez wants to bring back a Tatooine Skiff as his item. And last question then to you, Stu. What are your hopes for Celebration? Because it's not cheap. It's costing a lot of money. It's a lot of investment in it. So what are your hopes for Celebration? And what one thing, okay, other than an STD, do you want to bring back? <laughs> for the celebration right well okay first of all just just to go and have a whale of a time i think like i just said just to go and mix with everybody but i'd like there's a few people that i've interviewed and spoken with um and i'd love to to sit down and have a beer with them you know people that like bruce white i've had on who's coming up shortly on this this show never met the bloke but one of the nicest blokes i've come across in the thing i remember beer michael cooper as well those two instantly spring to mind and sadly i don't think either of them at this time are planning on going to chicago which is a massive disappointment for me that's what i want to bring back i'm you know it's it's funny that's joke you're notorious for not buying beers so you've named two people who are not going to go that's 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 you you know what is really funny rich joe is really funny you keep cracking this joke yet i'm I'm more likely to buy beer than you (laughs) let's be honest Let's be honest. I'm tempted, while I'm out there, to get a tattoo, a Star Wars tattoo. That is what I'm thinking about bringing back. Oh, can't wait to try Chicago Town Pizza. I wonder if it comes in a cardboard box and you have to put it in the oven for 20 minutes. It's a casserole pizza. That's not great. Cas- casserole pizza with a dumpling. Will you be in a wheelchair this time, Rich? I'm not, I don't mean that as a. I'm not being funny. I was wondering if you're going to be able to walk it. Yeah, because you've got your you've got another operation, you know, or uh, an electronic leg or something. Yeah, I'm at the surgeons in, in the next 24 hours, so I'll have an update then. But I really, I, I can't have been in wheelchair again on this one. But so my hopes of celebration this time, I, I want to be able to relax more and enjoy it because last time celebration I was, you know, I, I needed somebody to get us about. I felt as I was a burden at times on some people, and I, I want to be able to relax and enjoy this one. And the one thing that I would like to bring back. I don't want to say something that's obviously like the offer. I, th- I think possibly one of the play sets that I haven't... I, w- I would like to complete the run. You know, perhaps the Cloud City play set. Or, or something that's going to be tricky to ship back if I can pick it up and bring it over. Or perhaps one of the small parts of a play set that I'm still missing. I know a lot of people are seeing that having problems. They're still having issues with hotels. I check the hotels every single day. I've checked again. There were, there were hotel rooms coming available all of the time. Very, very limited numbers. Very low numbers. It's probably as people are cancelling the hotels 
um, those who booked for two or three places and then let go of the place that they don't need. So there's hotels appearing all the time. Just keep checking the website and, and other, you know, booking.com and other various places like that. Let's all enjoy it and, you know, hope it's going to be absolutely smashing. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Uh, Star Wars pontoon, Rich. Um, first of 21 wins, yeah? I found this one more fascinating and educational than something that's a bit shocking. And it was a discussion on debut stroke offerless 2021 backs. And I found it really interesting, so I thought it would be good to cover this now. So it was a question posted on Source from UK from user the Jabberwocky. And his question simply said, Did anybody else watch these two listings last week? The end prices were astronomical. They still appear in the sold auctions on eBay, but if you click on them to get the details, they are no longer available. Thoughts, please? And the first one was an unpunched Greedo, 20 back which went for 2300 And the second one was an unpunched PowerDroid 20-back, which went for £2,634. Very, very quickly, some you know very knowledgeable and educated people uh, went on to discuss the fact that these were 20Bs, which was the debut run of the, the second wave of eight figures that came after the 12-backs. And I was just quite astounded and astonished, really, as to how difficult some of these are to track down. And, and how few and far between they are. So in reading the responses, and it's always fantastic when people do this, they were linked to an old Rebel Scum thread from 2009. And in this thread, it asks about 20 and 21 backs, and which ones are more rare than the other. And as a focus collector, I've obviously looked at the Kelman Matrix, and I've made a list of the 20 and 21 back R5s that I've been able to collect. But I must admit, I haven't went down and looked and thought, right, I need a 20F, I need a 20G, which of the two of those are virtually unobtainable? And I've clearly got far more research to do because I wasn't aware of the 20B problem. So the question on Rebel Scum started off with, I know some guys are going to say that I'm lazy for asking this and not doing my research, but I thought I would ask and get a sense of what you guys think. I'm pretty sure the consensus is unanimous that there'll be more 21 backs out there. The 20 back is more popular because of the offer, correct? I think they are probably about equal amounts, but can somebody clarify this for me? And then very quickly somebody responded and said, If you can find the first two waves of the 20 backs which are offerless, then they are far more rare than any of the other 20 and 21 backs. And a few people have agreed with that and said, yeah, the, the second eight figures on the offerless 20 backs, which is the 20B, are incredibly difficult to get. Whereas some of the some of the twenty backs with the the Boba Fett offer are far easier to get, and I thought, wow, there's absolutely great information. So I went on the Kelman, I looked at the Kelman matrix because I thought, right, let's get my head around this. What exactly was available? And yes, I accept this matrix is out of date, and doing further research on Rebel Scum filled some of the gaps in of the Kelman matrix. So we've started for the twenty A's, the twenty A's should have been the release of the first 12 re-released on the 20 backs. And Kellerman's listed nine of them with no R2, no Vader, and no Luke has appeared on the 20 A. However, on Rebel Scum, the R2 and the Vader were claimed to have been seen with very, very low numbers around about 2010, 2011 time. You would have to assume that the Luke would be there. So if somebody's got a 20 A Luke, I'd like to know about that. It would be interesting to see it. And then we can take off all of the 20 years being seen an updated Kellerman Matrix. And then when we looked at the 20 Bs, it had the next wave of 8, as it expect. But I was surprised to see that the Chewbacca and the Stormtrooper was also ticked on the Kellerman Matrix. 
I have got no idea if the other 10 from the first 12 also appeared on the 20B. Because it just seems a little bit odd that the first 12 appeared on the 20A, the next 8 appeared on the 20B, and then just don't uh, and Chewbacca are available on both. So I'm sure things have changed over, you know, the, since 2009 or 2010, whenever the Kelman Matrix update was. It would be nice to see the, the, the big shot of the 20B now and how they look. And then when you check out the Kelman Matrix, obviously you've got your 20Cs, your 20Ds, your 20Es, etc, etc. They vary in amounts on each of those letters, but what's really striking on the Kelman Matrix is that when you jump to the 20E, every single figure on the 20 back is available on the 20E, except the original R2 and the original C3PO. And then when you go to the 21 backs, it does the same again on the B, the C, and the G. Most figures can be found on those letters, but then other letters like the, you know, the 21D is most figures aren't available on the 21D or aren't identified on Kellerman. So I thought that was really interesting looking at that to see how those seem to be a, a huge wave of figures released on a certain card back and then not available on the next letter card back and then another wave appearing later on. And then further on in Rebel Scum, so we've got a user called Misfit here. He's posted this, which hypothetically to me made sense. And he's written, okay, something has been posted on this thread about Ophelous second series 20 bucks being early 20 bucks. I just want to say that I don't think this is true. I realise that the collecting community categorises these as 20A backs, but I believe it's far more likely that Ophelous second series card backs were released after the Boba Fett offer. Ophelous 20 backs of the second series figures were not released in the US. I believe they were exclusive to Australia and they were printed without the Boba Fett offer, not only because they came out before, but because the Boba Fett offer was not available in Australia. They are rare, not because they were soon replaced with the Boba Fett offer, they weren't, but because they were only produced in Australia, same reason as the Power of the Force Attack Driver is so rare. Furthermore, Snaggletooth was the last figure released for the series, it is virtually impossible to find Snaggletooth on anything sooner than a 20E. There is no way it could have been released on an Ophelous 20 back, unless the Ophelous 20 backs were produced after the Boba Fett, or in this case, instead of the Boba Fett. So for US collectors out there who want these figures on their true debut card, you should be looking at the 20 Cs. I fully admit that all of this is based on circumstantial evidence, and if anyone can prove otherwise, I will definitely eat crow. I'm not trying to start an argument or anything, but I truly believe this is the case. Now guys, reading that there, I think that is certainly plausible. Yeah, I read the same thing, Rich, and that sounds remarkably logical to me. I've got to say, the whole Kenner carback thing confuses the heck out of me, because, I mean, we've got, as you say, 20 backs, A through K. Ay, ay, ay. But that, having read what he was saying, sounds entirely logical. And maybe it wasn't just, I really don't know about Kenner's and that release in that part of the world, but maybe it wasn't just Australia, maybe it was that part of sort of Southeast Asia as well, you know, Singapore and, and what have you. Because I, I know... That said, I know that quite a lot of Toltoy stock was turning up in Singapore, certainly towards the end, wasn't it? And a lot of, in, in, indeed, some of the earlier stuff was heading over to Singapore with Toltoy stickers and then local stickers applied. So I really don't know, but that sounded like an entirely sensible suggestion, especially given how incredibly rare they are. And our Aussie hero, Aussie James, he had a photograph of, I think it was about six, from memory, card backs that he had purchased well, sorry, his dad had purchased because his dad travelled in Singapore a lot. So, 
further down in the thread to discuss this Australia theory and it was left as generally accepted in that Australia, Singapore, you said there, other countries in the Far East, I think it was just accepted that the 20 A's and B's were perhaps not available in the US at the time. I would love to have an update on that because it is a very old thread and I can't find a lot of information on this after, I think it's 2011 or 12 that this the threads and the link threads just sort of calmed down at one point. If anybody in the States definitely remembers, the offer is 20 bucks. Now, I know some people have come forward and said there were definitely, definitely offerless figures in the States, but definitely remember seeing them. But then further down the threads, they went, oh, actually, there might have been 21 bucks. But if anybody remembers seeing 20As or 20Bs actually in stores available in the States, that would be great to hear. And if they weren't, then this leads further strength to this theory that, you know, they weren't available in the States and the 20C may have been the debut in the States. So as a focus collector, I know now that to get a 20B or 5, as soon as one comes available, I've got to get it because I will not see another one again or, or very easily. And out of those eight card backs, the eight that we're talking about, obviously, are Greedo, Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, Walrus Man, Luke X-Wing, R5, Power Droid, and Death Star Droid. At that time, there were only two or three collectors who had actually put a run of the 20 Bs together. Uh, and one of those was Gus. And uh, I was so disappointed with Gus's photograph. I don't know if you've seen it, guys. What's Gus done with these shot of these 20 Bs? That's disappointing me. Any any ideas? No? He put the R5D4 right at the back. You can't even see it. I was I was he's got some McNaff at the front, like I don't know, Walrus Man or something like that. And I thought, Oh, come on, Gus, you you, you know that R5 is a hero of the movie. So Gus has had a nice run, and there were one or two other guys on there as well who had also had full set. With quite a few only needing one. Some of the guys were saying even going back in two thousand and nine. It was costing $1,000, $1,200 to get something like a Luke X-Wing in 2009. I just dread to think what the prices are now. So Pete, you are our tracker guy. Going back as far as you can on the tracker, what can you tell us as an overview of the 20Bs? I'm hoping that R5 comes up maybe three or four times a year so I can just nip in there and nip back out when one comes available. Rich, just like your jokes... We're still searching for a laugh, right? Because there's none on there. There's, there's all, all I can get going back to the start of 2014. There's two uh, Death Star droids, one a Red Snaggletooth and two Warus Men. That's it. That is it. And the prices, as you can imagine at the time, weren't uh, weren't spectacular. You can go a Death Star droid for 108 pounds, Red Snaggletooth for 200 quid. And uh, the pricey one was Warus Man for th- the top price of £392, and the lowest, £65. Wow. Some lucky gun got that one. But they're all 2014 sales, so that's it. That is literally it. That's staggeringly low numbers. So <laughs> I just um, it, it makes you reevaluate now what your goals are, because do I now start waiting for 20B, start making a known that I want a 20B, or... Do I just mop up the rest, like the that lovely 20, 21 F and G that I keep getting these stupid Apple labels saying that they're on, they're not. I, I don't know. But I really, you know, and I, and I hope you guys did it, I've really got a lot out of this. And I'm the same as Sai, you know, I'm getting in my head now what these kind of callbacks are, but I've got to go to Chris Forsett's website all the time 
and go, right, 21E has that stick, I've got the 21F has that stick, and the 21G, and then 10 minutes later I've forgotten it, and I've got to keep going back on again. Um, but I think it was just a great little bit of history that was unexpected on Stars for me, okay? Thanks to Jabberwocky for posting that. So if anybody is a 20B expert, or if anybody's trying to put a 20B run together, I'd love to hear from you, just get in touch. And if anyone's got a 20B or 5, send us a PM, please, because I'd like to see it, and I'd also like you know roughly what we're going for. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. Drop your stickers, Carl. Yeah, so another thread on Star Wars Form UK, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and it's certainly to do with part of my comments that I made probably three or four episodes ago when I bought that Empire's Royal Guard. Carl's topic or thread on Star Wars Form UK starts off with price sticker removal dot 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 growing in popularity question mark and he's put on there some of you know i love a nice price sticker on a mock with a pension for kb i've trolled the bay and elsewhere for a couple of years hunting down price stickers but in the last three to six months maybe even longer the number of them available seems to have dropped significantly has anyone else noticed this trend and i'm not somebody who watches ebay daily or even weekly and I'm not somebody who goes looking at card figures, but I looked and I thought, you know what, of all the items that I've bought recently, the vast majority of them are coming without price stickers. And I'm starting to turn up more and more that are in pretty decent condition. So Lars posted and said, yeah, I bought a few cards at items in 2018, and I could see that price stickers had been removed. I have a focus on Danish price stickers, and they are not easy to find. And it's fun for him to see what variants of boxes and card backs were sold in my country. Who sold them, what the price on. But obviously if people are taking stickers off, he's losing that little bit of history. And then other people are coming on and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing less price stickers as well. So, guys, it got me to thinking, right? So you know back in the 1990s, when things like price sticker removal and touching up card backs and things like that were accepted. Are we perhaps heading towards a time now where with advanced chemicals and different kinds of solutions, are we seeing more people now perhaps attempting to remove price stickers and using different kinds of chemicals to get rid of all of the little stickiness and the gooeyness and using, you know, I'm not thinking of just a, a whiteboard marker where they've just rubbed over a bit black with a pen, but something that's perhaps a bit more professional for want of a better word. Are we starting to see that kind of thing trickle through? Any thoughts? But when he says that there's not so many for sale, it, isn't it just number related though? Is there not so many mint on cards for sale than it was two, three years ago? I was going to say the same thing, Stu. I, I think you're right there. Uh, it's just part of this at the moment. We're seeing a decline in in new items, if you like, coming onto the market. Those that are being pulled out of the loft, those that are selling their collections off from that they had years ago in the loft, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we've got a general decline in numbers, and inevitably the smaller the subset the smaller the numbers there's going to be so personally i don't think there's a decline in it or there's an increase in stick removal i think as you say it's a, it's down to a decrease in what's coming onto the market the last three middle cards i've bought which were in my acquisitions last month two of them have got price stickers on so with that going that means that 67 percent of uh, all middle cards have price stickers <laughs> i sold a uh a 41 back Ugnaught to a, a dealer who likes to buy nice cards, grade them and, and sell them on. And that had a great 
20 pence price sticker on it. I bought it at the same time as a Lobot with a 20p price sticker on it as well. It's a very plain, nondescript, boring price sticker. It's not got a shop name on it or anything. You'll never be able to trace where it's from. So arguably, it doesn't really add much interest to the card other than the fact it's a Palatoy for 20p. But fair play, he, he sent it off for grading with the price sticker. Didn't get it removed. So if that's someone who tries to achieve the best grade and therefore the highest value for the item and he's not removed it, I'd say that says something. I'm sure there is people that are removing them, but sure. I shouldn't think it's as high or as commonplace as what you probably think. Do you think with all of the bad press that some toy companies and dealers have had of perhaps taking price stickers off making a complete arse of it and then sticking another sticker over the top to hide the price sticker is also having an impact on this? I think that we're only beginning to notice that sort of cover-up because and even then it's quite hard to detect isn't it uh, you know if it says hacksaw blades and it's got a price sticker on it then you know mm, perhaps that's not quite right but it's only more recently thanks to like the likes of trilogo.info that we know that palatoy overstock only went out through kb and their associated stores i think there were three stores in total that x palatoy and trilogo stock turned up at therefore any trilogo with a u.s price sticker on that isn't kb toys the toy box or i can't remember what the other one was something jones or other i really can't tom remember jones. what it said it was not tom jones no if it's not one of those three price stickers if it's a toys r us or a sears or whatever you know that's been transplanted on afterwards and therefore you know there's damage underneath. But we didn't know that 10, 15 years ago. So I think perhaps the the maturing of the hobby and the, the growth of this knowledge and the more people doing research are highlighting these things more often. There's, I don't think there's necessarily an increase in it again. I think it's just we're becoming more aware of it. Further down in the thread, there's a fantastic photograph, which I'm sure you've all seen from APAC 7229. And he's posted a card back of an Imperial Commander on an Empire Strikes Back card. And it has, in his words, at least 11 different price stickers on it. And he's put on there, I think that's pretty funny. And some of them have been torn off, but that's probably happened in the shop where they've torn off a sticker and slapped another one over the top, and the stickers are different sizes, and the stickers are different prices trying to cover up other stickers. I love that. I do. It would annoy the hell out of me if I bought it, but but I, I love seeing it. That's one hell of a piece of history, that. That's art, Rich. It is. It's a hell of a lot. Eleven. I'd I'd love that. Uh, that would be that would be the best thing ever because it just shows that that figure never sold. I mean, there's you know, what used to happen in the old days, isn't it? Where shops used to, used to buy stock and then put it in another shop and then that shop would close down or they'd sell that stock off to someone else. It <laughs> would just go go from shop to shop. And uh, place to place and get another sticker on. and It's just, I I just love it. I love those stickers. I would never remove a sticker. I don't care whether anyone does remove them, but unless they damage the card, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I personally, I it, it's not a, a deal breaker with me. I'd, I'd take a, a bunch of stickers. In fact, that's why I love the when people have left the the kind of those offer stickers on, you know, get a free coin kind of things that, that, that totally obscure the background card you can't even see what the figure is sometimes because there's so many stickers on it i love them i absolutely love them pass them my way well i've got another commander with 
um, is it a 48B card back, which has the big red, I think it's a 9 number for, oh, I'm going for memory here, but somebody slapped one of those big free coins of it, and it completely obliterates the at that. <laughs> and that, it drives mad, I only paid 40, 45 quid for it, and it just drives mad. Can you remember the, the Darth Vader, with the, I think it's the Anakin offer, that's been slapped right over Darth Vader's face? And that's, I think everybody on Star Wars from UK, but, but Ocelot probably has owned that at one point or another. There's people seem to get that in collection and pass it on because it's really irritating. I can understand why price stickers do annoy some people. I mean, I've got another one, actually, I haven't even noticed this one before because it's such a naff card. But the 88 that I've got, I can see his head and shoulders, but the rest of it's obliterated by an Anakin sticker. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? That's only a picture. For me, price stickers don't bother me for, I'm not interested in whether it devalues a card or not. So if anybody's got a 20B with a price stick on it, I'll take it still. I really, really wouldn't care about it being devalued, but I just don't like the position of some some of them, you know, the the angle on them. Uh, the, 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 they just put me off. It's, uh, I don't know if it's OCD or whether that's, you know, it's just how I, I like things neat and straight lines. Not your fringe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I, do, I do love that one with 11 price stickers on it. If anybody's got any thoughts on price stickers, by all means let me know. Do you like them? Do you hate them? And I would love to see some photographs of stickers, especially price stickers, that are stuck in the most ridiculous place. My bosk. My bosk is, uh-huh. you know, he's in the images just standing. Yep. The sticker is is uh, vertical and it's right over his face. So it looks like a sticker with a costume on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's the only one that irritates me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um but it's alright if I put my thumb over that part of the card, then I already enjoy it. <laughs> Rebel Base, one minute and closing. So, Repro, or if you're Richard, Repro, does no harm. Rich, you're going to defend reproductions? No, I'm not, because it's got a question mark at the end of that title. <laughs> you... <laughs> I just want to point out, you never wrote that down, you just told me the title. So, special shout out to David James Lacour, uh, probably butchered that name, who posted on Facebook recently, Repro Watch Out, in capital letters. Just posted this write-up on new fake special offer Snowspeeder stickers. I would not limit this to just the Snowspeeders, as someone may have developed other stickers. I know the box replicator guy has these, but based off his picks, this one is different. And then he's put a link to a Rebel Scum thread that he has just started, which is titled, Watch Out, Faked Special Offer Snowspeeder Stickers, Most Likely More Out There. And now what he's done is he's taken a photograph of an image of the Special Offer sticker from the Star Wars Collector's Archive, and he's broken it down, but he hasn't given out all bits of information, which I think is incredibly wise. He's broken it down as to why this sticker is not genuine. And he's mentioned things such as the slight blurriness of the image of this one comes with the Rebel Soldier. So the slight blurriness of the Rebel Soldier. He's mentioned the the bleed from the uh, the red lettering on the Special Offer sticker, which is bleeding out. He's talked about the colours on the borders. So it's fantastic detailed analysis. And he's, he's, he's zoomed in. I don't know how he's got this shot. And I think it's a pixel, but it's hard to tell. He's zoomed into a pixel on the sticker and he's blown it up the difference between an authentic one and a one that's a reproduction and it's it's completely different to the the original one the authentic one is quite uh, uniform 
it's you know he's describing it as flower petals and i can i can understand why he's, he's saying that but then when you look at the reproduction one it's it looks like a bad you know you see it's like a bad x-ray or a bad lung infection it's really really different and it's quite striking so i'd urge everybody to go and check that but obviously for people like david this is now getting them worried about repo stickers on box vehicles that are fairly common to get but the stickers and getting them with stickers is now you know, impossible I had a look on the store's collector's archive because I thought, well, how many boxes or items have these special offer stickers on? Because I, I don't own any of them. And just to describe them for those who are not sure what I'm talking about, it's a sticker that's roughly square in shape, but it has rounded corners. The sticker is yellow with red special offer writing on it. And this one says, the Empire Strikes Back action figure, Rebel Soldier included, has a photograph of the Rebel Soldier, and then there's a black border with a red border around that and a final yellow border around that. Uh, so that's a sticker that I'm on about. So I went on to the Stars Collectors Archive, an article that's been written by Steve York, that says a comprehensive guide to Kenner's American special offers. It's a wonderfully detailed article, but just listen to the items I'm going to rattle off that's got the same sticker on. Now, Offers are all different, so if I just give you example, the X-Wing, which is the first one. So the X-Wing came with a Luke Skywalker action figure and a Han Solo action figure. Potentially affected, we're looking at X-Wing, TIE Fighter, Land Speeder, Star Wars Action Display Stand, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, Remote Control R2-D2, Give a Show Projector Star Wars Box, Y-Wing, the Imperial Cruiser, the Millennium Falcon, the Twin Pod Cloud Car, Hoth Ice Planet Adventure Set, the Rebel Armored Snowspeeder, which I've just discussed, Give a Show Projector on the Empire Box, Slave One from the 1981 version and Slave One 1982, the Empire Strikes Back Action Display Stand, which is the unproduced one that we will be talking about soon in NA, uh, Darth Vader's Carry Case, Darth Vader's Carry Case with the 41 figures, MLC 3 with the 3-back, the MLC 3 with the 5-back, the MTV 7 with the 3-back, the MTV 7 with the 5-back, the PDT 8 with the 3-back, the PDT 8 with the 5-back, INT 4 on the 5-back, CAP 2 on the 5-back, X-Wing on the Micro Collection box, and the Imperial TIE Fighter on the Micro Collection box. That's a hell of a lot of items, and I didn't realise there were, there were that many different boxes that had the special offer stickers on them i was amazed at that and that's really worrying it's incredibly worrying so for those who are saying oh these repo stickers are fine you know people can tell them straight away well it's taken somebody like david to you know really analyze these and break them down and he's put on one of his posts there where he's now aware that there were two fakes it's really sad one person's had one and now discovered it's a fake and he's bought one and out out of this one as a fake He's absolutely convinced that there's no way it can be any kind of second printing or second run. Um, he's quite clear in his, his conclusion that he believes it's a difference between press printing and digital printing. Thanks very much, David, for bringing that to the community's attention and just people looking for these items, looking for the stickers. You know, please be very, very careful what you're buying. And if in doubt, take some photographs and I'm sure David will be interested in knowing more about these, perhaps where they've come from and what else is out there in the community.
Right now, I'm delighted to welcome this month's guest. You meet so many people in the hobby, and some are some are true gems, and this truly is one. He can eat the most violently hot curries. He's admin, and I think he was the one that set out the Star Wars large size action figure group on Facebook. I am delighted to welcome to the podcast for this month, Lee Bullock. Good evening, Lee. Good evening. How are you doing? You okay? Oh, we are wonderful, and it's great to have you on. Um, size with me to to chat rubbish with you for an hour. <laughs> evening, Mr. Bullock. Evening, sir. It's, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. You too, you too. Obviously, we're here to talk Star Wars. We're going to go through yeah. your Star Wars background, and obviously 12 Inch is your, is your real passion. Yeah. But um, first question, I've, I've got to ask you, like everyone we wanted to know, how British did the Royal Wedding make you feel? Um, <laughs> I didn't quite catch that last, uh, last question. Uh, kind of broke up there a little bit. Shall we move on to the next one? <laughs> yeah, of course, mate. I wondered if you'd hang up actually, but uh... <laughs> I should have go. <laughs> yeah, Lee. So let's let's go back to your your childhood when you first kind of saw Star Wars, the first kind of sighting of the toys. Yeah, what Star Wars did to you when you first that immediate impact on your childhood. I didn't see Star Wars until the 1981 Double Bell re-release, where I had the toys from about 1978-1979. Obviously, I was born in 1974, so it was one of those things where I, I have memories of my father buying me my first Star Wars toy, which was a which was a Darth Vader figure, and it was from a it was from a toy shop in Newcastle under Lyme uh, that was in this arcade, and it was absolutely rammed full of toys and. To this day, I've I've got very vivid memories of it. And um, the figure he bought me was uh, actually a Palatoy 12-back, 12A-carded Darth Vader. And that really is what started it. And at this point, at this point, I hadn't seen the movie. And it was, I would say that was actually about 79, actually. And I hadn't seen the movie at this point. And then it was, I had a couple of others. I remember having C-3PO on a 12-back and uh, Death Squad Commander. And it went from there. Obviously, it was a big thing at school, so everyone was, was playing with Star Wars toys. And then, and I went to a, a primary school called St. Saviour's. And in there, they, I remember they used to have this massive sand pit at the back. And, and I remember kids playing with the, you know, the top section of the Palatoy Death Star, the plastic dome bit with the two X-Wing guns, like, like mounds of mounds of sand, and they're there playing with that. And, they were using the um, the, co- um, the the gunner cockpit from the Millennium Falcon as some speeder bike type of thing, and um, and obviously I have very very vivid memories of this, and very vivid memories of the packaging, and I th- you know I remember having the Empire Strikes Back storybook from uh, the boot the boot club at school at the time, and. Uh, and at the same time, I also had the Patrick Moore Observer's Book of Astronomy, which I've still got, actually. And that set me on a different path into the science and physics end of things. I, I have deep memories of being at the caravan, because my parents used to own a caravan in, um, in North Wales. So they evoke an awful amount of memories, these figures do, from that. I also remember getting the 12-inch 
Darth Vader action figure. And I absolutely loved this piece. Absolutely loved it as a kid. Because I also liked Action Man as well, and I had lots and lots of Action Man toys. The Vader would have wars with the Action Men, you know. And I think later, I think I had a C-3PO. I only ever had two 12-inch figures as a, as a child. Like I say, then I saw Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back uh, at the cinema. Wow. <laughs> Thinking back, it was just absolutely incredible watching watching them. And I saw them back to back and um, and I was just blown away. I was just absolutely blown away. You know, I think from there on in, Star Wars was built into my DNA. And I think it will probably be with me for the rest of my life. Didn't see it till 1981. Yeah. And obviously you said you had stuff come in, like toys from 1979. Yeah. Obviously there was an awful lot of merchandise around with yeah, yeah. There was newspaper articles, magazines, you had books, you had yeah. records. Did you know most of the story of the first film? Pretty much. You saw it. Pretty much, because you obviously had the you had, you had the you had the storybooks, you had the comics. Because I also had the Whitman comics as well um, before I saw the movie. So I, I knew I knew the stories to Star Wars long before I'd, I'd seen the movies because obviously I had the Whitman comics. You know the oversized Whitman Treasury size right, comic, yeah. and I had them, and I absolutely loved them. And I, and I love the Marvel comic art and i love the marvel comic style so if you look at like my beyond the toys shelf there's a lot of like marvel particularly british marvel items in there you know because um to me that screams star wars that that red and yellow logo that uh, marvel used you had to scream star wars and the, and the art style so your your dad obviously bought you the figure in 79 vader uh, yeah. had he gone to see it or were you the driving force behind the purchase? My dad never saw a Star Wars movie at the cinema. My dad watched the Star Wars movies with me when we had a Betamax video. And I was then part of the video generation where I, I, I wore those tapes out. As always, your parents, you know, we, we didn't have a we didn't have a VHS and Betamax. If you remember at the time, was the was the kind of poor relation. There was really uh, it was really hard to find decent uh, decent films. Yeah, on that basis. But like I say, I got Star Wars out all the time. On that, my dad watched them with me. You see, you have to understand. My dad was born in nineteen twenty-five, so he was forty-nine when he had me. So he was kind of by the by with this. You know, as far as he was concerned, it wasn't really something he was into. But he, you know, he, he was. He did. He, you know, he took an interest for me. You, you just said that you had this Darth Vader twelve-inch and a, a C-3PO twelve-inch. Um, so th- this is now your passion. Yes. Uh, this kind of coincides with what Mark Cockley wanted to ask as well, because I put a thread up earlier about asking if there's any questions. So obviously that figure is what, what gave you the, your, your passion for the 12-inch, but what was it about that figure over the three and three-quarter inch that when you've got older, it's it was the 12-inch that that's what you wanted to focus on, that's what you wanted to go down rather than the general toy line? I mean, I do generally collect all of the style, particularly Power Toy. Power Toy is my second focus. You know, and I've got a lot of Palatoy Cardi figures and Palatoy logo toys, um, Palatoy 12 backs, 20 backs, things like that. So, I, I, you know, I do have a lot of other stuff, but the 12-inch figures is the primary focus. And where it came from was 1989, I go to a car boot sale with my, with my father and my mother, and I find a 12-inch Darth Vader uh, for a pound on the, on the boot sale. And there's no cape no sabre and it was like someone had just taken me and just transplanted me back into 1980 i remember my mum's reaction to this 
oh, you're 14 years old, what are you doing buying toys? You know, she thought I'd like regressed back to childhood or something. And it, and it was like one of these things, well, I don't know. It's, it's cool, you know, I just want it. So I had this and, and I think then I had, a, I had a friend at the time who was ahead of the curve on collecting toys generally. And he told me that, you know, these things, there's a collecting market for these, you know, and some of them are worth more than others. And some of them are rarer than others. All of a sudden, I realized that if I started collecting these things, I wouldn't be collecting in a vacuum, that there were other people who were into this as well. I saw his collection and all of a sudden I see 12 inch figures in his collection, which I never knew existed, which logically should have done. But I never I had never seen like the um, the Luke Skywalker and the C3, well, obviously I had C3PO, but the, the R2-D2 and the Han Solo and the Princess Leia and the Jawa and, and, and these figures. And, and it was one of those where it was like, oh, now I'm going to have to do this because I've always had a collecting mentality, whether it be records or anything else like that. I've always had a, a collector's mentality. And that was it then. I started collecting the 12-inch figures, anything I could get. And... About a year later, about 1990, I purchased a copy of Model and Collector's Mod. And in there was the advert of the absolute legend that is Jim Stevenson. And how many of you guys remember him? Um, and Jim had in there a boxed Chewbacca doll, boxed Chewbacca figure. And uh, I was like, right, okay. I was working at the time. I was like, I had a Saturday job at college or and I paid the princely sum of £75 for this uh, 12-inch Chewbacca. And this was 1991, I'm thinking. So when you think about that, 19, 1991, it was already £75. And I get it. And I was painfully disappointed <laughs> because the box was pretty shot. And um, it wasn't uh, in, in really all that great condition because this is pre-internet. So you'd be looking through listings. And you'd, you wouldn't really have a great idea. You'd phone up and describe it. But they wouldn't have a great idea what condition it was in. So generally, you were buying blind at the time. And anyway, I had this through. And, and that really started itself. So then I get the, um, there's a, there was a book as well called the, uh, the, the, guide, the International Guide to Star Wars and Star Trek Collectibles. And in there, they had a picture of the IG-88, which was only issued in America. And later on, we find out also issued in Australia. That was it. That became a holy grail. And it, uh, it took me 10 years to find a boxed one. Well, to even be able to afford to buy a boxed one, because at the time they were selling for huge amounts of money in the mid-90s. As the 12-inch prices come down in the, the years, it seems to me that when I read old posts in the 90s, the 12-inch was, was extremely high. And when I go back into collecting, you could pick the majority of them up. I don't mean the IG-88 and whatnot, but majority of the figures you could pick up 100, 120 quid boxed. Well, this is the thing. In the in the early 2000s, this was something I jumped on pretty quickly because nobody were, were interested. Nobody was interested in the 12-inch figures at all. They were utterly obsessed with mint-on-card, AFA-graded figures. And that's where the money was. That's where the, the brisk sales were. So I was going onto eBay, and I was just cleaning up. I took advantage of the situation. I just cleaned up on as many box 12-inch figures as I could get. And I figured, right, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to also going to research what is out there and do the legwork 
not just do this in terms of being a you know a consumer, but actually do the legwork and find out what was out there. And that was the start of, of the Matrix. You know, I mean, I was buying I was buying like sort of Dennis Fisher twelve inch figures like like C three PO for like thirty pounds. But what I've found, certainly since the Facebook generation has come in, that in the last five years, the 12-inch figures have really rocketed. And they're pretty much, I would say, they're pretty much at the same level as they were. Certainly the Ken, standard Kenner ones, as they were in the kind of late 90s. And the foreign um, the foreign to the US 12-inch figures are absolutely sky's the limit now. Yeah, the 12 inch is quite a fascinating topic and we'll get onto it shortly because yes. you, you know your stuff and there's no one better to have on for this. So, but uh, just before we get onto 12 inches, we, we've already, you've already alluded to uh, some of the 90s shows. Um, uh, Jim Stevenson who was obviously a big trader there. You're currently trading now under old school toys. Is that the name? Old school toys and collectibles. Yeah. Wonderful. We're alongside Mark Daniels. Me and Mark Daniels. Yeah. Um, now I had Mark on. Oh, it's got to be a good couple of years ago now maybe longer uh, time flies isn't it and he he was saying that you and him used to go to shows when you were young and buy yeah. up stuff if i if i remember rightly you were trading back then as well yeah well he was um he was, he, right. he was trading under the under the name of uh, sub level that is right yeah yeah and uh, i met mark ooh, about 1991 and that was on a, a an antiques market in newcastle underline we just we just joined forces and um we swapped and we, we traded information, we did a lot of trading between us, and we helped each other to get pieces that we were after. And we we worked very hard in those days, you know, to, to find stuff. We used to do the car boot sales together. And, and like I say, I've known Mark 28 years, something like that now, 27, 28 years, something like that. We're almost family, you know, I mean, we're like family now. Over the time, you know, we, we just decided a couple of years ago, well, the best way to collect is you can you can spend your time pouring your wages into this hobby and get nothing back out. I think you, I think what's clever, what the, what you have to do is you have to work the hobby. And if you talk to the US guys, they will tell you the same. You've got to work the hobby. You've got to find ways to find pieces and afford pieces. Because if you're throwing four, five, six hundred, a thousand pound out of piece. You can only go so long if you're not trading to make that back, you know, and it goes on your credit card and there's all sorts of issues with that. So we decided, well, the best way we can expand our collections and get the pieces we want is we're going to do the old school. And that's, I guess that's why we called it that, is we're going to start trading. And um, that's that's where it's uh, that's where it originated. And we've been doing that now for about um, close, close on two years now. In the current climate, you know, you go back 10 years. Yeah. Um, I remember I had Ian Sanderson on the very first episode of this for an interview, and he was saying that at that time the prices hadn't risen to this extent, and, but he would go and buy collections. Are those cle- are those kind of pickups for you to sell still out there, or is it harder to find really goods hard. to sell? It's really hard. It is. I think it's really hard. The margins are just not really there, and it, it's, it, it can be quite tough these days you know and you, you've then got to be inventive how you how you get hold of stuff the days are gone where people will come to your stall at a show with a bag of stuff and go what will you give me for this you know it does happen but it's few and far between you know and you know i i, I try and source things at work and you kind of identify somebody of the set of the right age group and you're just very careful so have you got any uh you got any of your old pros left from when you were in the kitchen you know what i mean and and then yeah. see where that goes you know but the thing is people as you know they they 
see the words Star Wars and they see the words old and they just assume that what they have is just absolute gold. And, you know, with the best will in the world, you want to give people a fair price, but it's like when they're asking like, you know, 50% over, over the actual market value, you say, well, we'll we'll leave that. I think, I think it's, it's coming almost, uh, almost a full time (laughs) preoccupation to try and uh, get stuff for the next show, get stuff for the next show. So yeah, it's, it's hard. Your your stalls at um, Father's Farm, you've always got a very, very nice, um, eclectic mix of all sorts of things, from figures yeah. to, to all the kind of the Beyond the Toys items. It's You do have a very, very good array. Has a lot of that stuff come out of your actual collections? Uh, some does. What I tend to do, I tend to do a lot of upgrading. I will look, I'll go into my collection and I'll look, I'll look at stuff that I know are place fillers, right? So if there's a place set for it there, for instance, which is... I want it in a Palatoy box. It's a Kenner box. I will actually go and write, okay, let's go and try and find the Palatoy box version so I can put the Kenner box on the store. In terms of the stuff out of my own collection, that tends to be what it is. I upgrade and I replace out the stuff with the versions that I really want for my collection. Like, for instance, a great example would be I wanted a Palatoy cloud car. I had a Kenner one in a really nice box and I happened upon a Palatoy one and I'm like, right, okay, immediate swap out, it kind of goes on the store. So that's generally a lot of how I work with, particularly with the box items and the 12 inch figures. You obviously do all the, the toys, and it's not just Star Wars. You've got some great other bits and pieces, Black Hole, Buck Rogers, etc., etc. Recently, as in the last couple of years, what upturn, if any, has there been in, in the sort of more unusual items, the, the, the non-action figures, non-ship, the Beyond the Toys stuff? What yeah. sort of demand has there been well certainly on the beyond the toys end of things i mean mark is probably more versed than that than i am but certainly the beyond the toys stuff is extremely popular particularly with old school well-established collectors uh, the kind of more completest old school collectors shall we say that's very popular in terms of the other toy lines i think i think these things tend to come full circle and in the 90s you know black hole and but rogers they were fairly popular and I think they died off for a little while, and I think they've now come back. And I think what you're seeing is maybe a touch of Star Wars fatigue. And I think maybe you're actually seeing people having little diversions into Black Hole or Buck Rogers or other nostalgic toy lines that they had as a kid. When you go to like general uh, general shows like the, um, I know you, you do a stall at a place like the NEC, yeah. do you have a fast array of other toy lines? Certainly for the NEC, yeah, we we try and cater all the way across the board in terms of TV-related and, and film-related stuff. And are they easier to source and to earn a bit more of a markup on than stores? Some aren't, and you've also, it's also been very aware as well that you've got to up your knowledge on them as well, because one of the things we are, we're vehemently anti-repro. We will not tolerate any reproduction stuff coming through our doors. Because of that, then you've got to be you've got to be at the top of your game on everything. That's right, because things like Action Man and Monster yeah. Universe, there's a lot of it, and it's yeah. it's more accepted, isn't it? In those in certain in certain cases, and for instance, uh, one area of collecting which I, I still can't get my head around why it's so accepted are diecasts, dinkies, and corgis. Um, how much reproduction stuff is out there for that is just absolutely incredible, and I'm like, oh. 
this would never be tolerated in the Star Wars hobby, and nor should it be. And I find that, that a bit of a class of cult, clash of cultures from my perspective. I'm sure our listeners can go and find you at one of these uh, conventions. You're, yeah. you're often knocking around somewhere, wherever I tend to be shopping. You really can't miss me, to be fair. So, <laughs> Yeah, if anyone's uh, at a convention, you'll, you'll tell Mark and Lee. They look like, right, I said Fred from the distance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go on to the 12 inches then, uh, yeah. Lee, because uh, this is it. Now, a moment ago, you alluded to started work on The Matrix. Now, yeah. this was something I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess here. You started it probably back in 2004, 2005, on my way out. That's really, really, really good. That I'm 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 impressed. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, about 2000, 2004, actually. So, can you tell us what what the Matrix is for people who don't know about it? Um... Um, the, the Matrix really is an attempt to catalogue every international released large size action figure in every box variant for every manufacturer in the world, and uh, to try and put some sense into into that because it's, it's one thing collecting these things or it's another thing that to know what you're collecting and to know what's out there and that's part of the fun the research and the curating of this is is, is as much part of the fun as the acquisition and you know that was that that was something i i, I decided right i'm really going to push this and now it's i, I I lose. I have actually lost count. I'd have to go into my spreadsheet. But it's something. I, I think it was something like eighty-five figures was as part of the last count I had. And I've worked quite deeply with a lot of very well-respected collectors like Bill McBride and others who've, who've helped me to identify very rare foreign variants. Uh, Todd Chamberlain has also been there on a little laddies in the past, and build it up from there. That was really the attempt. Is the matrix is there really to kind of give some order to the uh, to how how these are collected, and so people know what is out there. Lee, what was your starting point for that matrix? Did you have like a uh, did you pick up the time art guide and start from there, or what was it? When I decided to do it, I just figured that I would just go and troll. I trawled Google and found every image of every foreign 12-inch figure. And a lot of the foreign 12-inch figures I had myself anyway, so I knew they existed. And so what I did was I built a matrix for all of the manufacturers across the X-axis, all of the characters along the Y-axis, and just filled the matrix in and saw what was, and figured out what was released and what wasn't released, and, I, and basically just spent the time doing that. Like, for instance, not all the figures are released in all countries, you know. Like, for instance, in Japan, only... Uh, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia were released into car boxes in uh, Benelux in the in, in the Netherlands etc. You will only find confirmed. I might add, you will only find Luke and Leia again. And then you start to realise that when you look at places like Australia, things become more complicated. And that was when I was having help from Bill McBride filling in the uh, filling in the blanks there. And then you realise, for instance, that some countries only had eight figures, right? Dennis Fisher only released eight figures, and they split the production with Palatoy on the Luke and Leia. So you tend to find that with the Dennis Fishers, the Luke and Leia are a little harder to find. And so it becomes quite complicated. And so you're filling in this matrix, and you're, and you're slowly making sense of what was released and what wasn't released and what variants there were. If we can here, just give us how the listeners... So you're rattling off a few um, uh, Takara, Clipper... Um, yeah. 
and whatnot. So let's let's just go back to the figures and the countries because this is quite a vast area. And like yeah. you just said, few here, few there in different countries. Right. So Canada, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new word. Uh, Kenna. How many figures there were on Kenna? There are twelve individual characters that were released in the US in Kenna boxes. So the Kenna 12, okay, so we've got the figures you'd expect, FET and IG-88. Yeah. Okay, so then we come over to Palatoy. How many were available in Palatoy? Right, okay. In Palatoy logoed boxes, printed boxes, there is Luke and Wyatt. There is a talking R2, which is technically not part of the large size action figure line, but uses the same mould as the R2-D2, and that was released part of the Palatoy Talking line. You also had the, the Palatoy Talking K9 and things like that, so it was kind of allied to that sort of thing. But it's still, in collecting terms, still part of the large size action figures, really. And also, you had Kenny Boba Fett Imports that had Palatoy, plain Palatoy stickers slapped on the top lid, so mm-hmm. that's what you'll see for Palatoy. So, so the likes of Chewie, Han, Ben, Jawa, these weren't available on a Palatoy box. No. In the UK, they were available in uh, Dennis Fisher boxes, which Dennis Fisher were owned by Palatoy. So they farmed out the product. They farmed out the packaging to Dennis Fisher. Okay, so Dennis Fisher then, how many figures did they release in their packaging? They did eight. They did eight of them, so they were missing... They were missing the Ben Kenobi and Jawa. And in the UK, Ben Kenobi and Jawa were issued in Meccano import boxes. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not confusing, is it? So you've got the eight Dennis Fisher, uh, yeah. Luke and Leia were released in Palatoy boxes. Were they also available in Dennis Fisher boxes? Yes, they were. Yes, they so were. You they, can get them. They, they split the production. I've got the uh, Dennis Fisher trade catalogue from 79. And what's interesting is that they tell you what the packing ratio is of the, um, of each of the, of each of the boxes and all the other, se- and all the other six figures you could get in solid boxes of 12, except Luke and Leia that came in one box of six Lukes and six layers. And we think that the, that the reason for that is because they split the production with Palatoy, because obviously Palatoy did their own boxes as well. So that <laughs> means that, that, that in terms of hard numbers, Luke and Leia are, there are less of them around in Danny's Fisher boxes. Okay. So let's, let's stick in Europe then. So Meccano? Meccano had, didn't obviously have IG-88. There was no printed Meccano box for R2-D2 either. And if you look at the back of the square cards, the 20-back square cards, the, the French for, for doll is poupe. And it says along the, it says along them with poupe written across the top. And the R2-D2 is the remote-controlled R2-D2. Uh, and they supplanted the remote-controlled R2-D2 in France uh, in, lieu of the, uh, in, in lieu of the standard R2-D2. Um, no IG-88. I bought Boba Fett was released in France, though. Also interesting was Stormtrooper had no printed French box either, and they were Dennis Fisher imports with uh, stickers attached to them. They're not space dollies in France. They're poo-poos. They're not space dollies, no. They're That's, poo-poos. I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not even... Poopies? Poo-poo-pe. It's poo-pe. Uh, yeah, it's uh, P-O-U-P-E-E. Stu, we need to get rich saying this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you've already covered Clipper, just Luke and Leia, yeah? Yeah. I, I take it Italy, Spain, anything? Um, 
no no 12 inch figures known to be released in Italy or Spain in their own boxes. No harbor or park. Over to Asia, you said Japan had Luke and Leia on a Takara card. And Australia? Australia's really complicated um, because you have three that are in Toll Toys boxes, but then you have a series of released figures in what appear to be Kenner boxes, but are re-blocked uh, text to get rid of the uh, the, the inch designation, like 12-inch, 15-inch, 8-inch, because obviously they don't use the imperial system, they use metric. And some of them are uh, are, are overprinted. So some of them, like the, the Vader, are completely re-blocked. And they're tough to spot, but when you do spot them, they're, they're very tough finds. And I've just bought one. I've just bought the, the, the Vader. The, there is also an Empire-boxed Vader that was released in Australia, too. And that is, like, like as I mentioned before about Grails, that's, that is probably one of my Grails. It, it, I can see what you mean. It's uh, confusing stuff, isn't it? It is, um, yeah. So then we come we come back over to North and South America. So yeah. there's, there's two lines that I want to look at in a minute individually, but uh, Canada, Canada, God, I'm really doing well with this tonight, aren't I? Canada, Canada. Yeah. They also had their own boxes? Yes, they did. And they released all of them except IG-88, uh, Jawa and Ben Kenobi. Was IG-88 purely available in Kenner? It was purely available in Kenner and the modified Kenner boxes for Australia. Right, okay. So then I, I'm not sure there's any other lines. I'm going I'm to come on to Basser and Leddy. Is there any other uh, lines, first of all, that um, did these figures, or have we covered them all there? Just uh, just thinking now, is there any others to spring to mind? Probably is, but I, 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 off the top of my head, I can't think of any. I think that's, that's probably close to covering it. Okay, then. So let, let's go over to Leddy. The Leddy line, we have the only other figure outside of that Kenner lot that was made in a 12-inch, the Tuscan. The Tuscan Raider, yeah, the Hombre de las Junas. Oh, oh I like it. Tra- translated as sand people. Now, he's, he's a, an amazing-looking figure. Can you can you give us a bit of background on this and why Leddy ran with this figure that no one else had? Well, the figures um, were, I think, released around 79, and they... Are, uh, they generally are remakes of figures that Lily Leddy were already using. The body system for all the male uh, humanoid figures was made from a, a Ricardo 12-inch figure from the Senior, Senorita Lili line. And um, the Leia was obviously a Senorita Lili. The, the Jawa was the Lily Leddy version of the 6-inch the uh, Charlie's Angels figures. Uh, that was the body system for the Jawa. And obviously they sculpted, they did custom sculpts of the heads. What you would find is that odd bits of accessories were borrowed from different lines. Like, for instance, the um, the flare gun, the, like Luke, Luke, uh, sorry, Han Solo has a flare gun instead of his blaster. And obviously that's um, taken from the uh, Lily Leddy version of the action of G.I. Joe. What's also interesting as well is that they borrowed the design of boot from the Iron Man Mego figure and cast them in brown and uh, in black for the figures as well. So they were they were really thrown together and aesthetically not very accurate and not very well designed and they're quite they're quite uh, flimsy. The R two D two is is probably next to the Tuscan Raider the most infamous because it is literally a pantographed expansion of the three and three quarter inch one with a paper label 
And along with the Tuscan Raider, that's probably the most sought after one. Which was the easiest to get of the Leddies? Because wasn't one of them, wasn't there a, a find of yeah, one of the Leddies yeah. figures? 1994, if I remember correctly, by a mock time toys. Again, not a huge amount were found. I mean, you, you, you're looking at um, something like, like I say, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but you're looking at something like maximum of about 57 were found for, for a particular character, which, if I remember correctly, is the layer. So there were more layers and R2-D2s found than any other character. Uh, the rarest uh, was, if I remember correctly, was the Darth Vader. And are these, I take it, these are near on impossible to find boxed? Anything? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very expensive. I mean, if they cut, I mean, they're, they're in the thousands now. Is there an example of every figure that Leddy made boxed? Yeah, to exist out there. Yeah, there, there are there are a fair few sets out there. There are a fair few sets out there, but when you consider that, you know, some of some in the find go down to in the twenties. Like for instance, Jawa. There's only the number of the Jawa, the number of Jawas in that find, according to numbers given to me by Todd Chamberlain. And this this is years ago, by the way. It was 27 uh, Jawas. So if you think that maybe there are a couple of other Jawas out there in childhood collection box, you're looking at full sets. You you know you're looking at probably less than 40, 30 or 40 full sets in the world. And these have seen a, an incredible price. Right, I remember we started the podcast. I was actually four years this month, and I can remember Rich saying he was looking for a, a Tuscan Leddy loose. Yeah. For about 200 quid, which he'd seen one go on eBay and just missed out on it. But it's well over four figures now, isn't it? Yeah. To find that figure list. Yeah, I mean, if you want, yeah, I mean, I'll really lament this, but, um, yeah, the, a loose, complete Tuscan Raider now is, you know, thousands. You know, it's a couple of grand. Amazing stuff, really. How many of the figures were released on Leddy? So you've got Vader, you've got R2-D2, Ombre de las Junas, you've got Luke, you've got Han, and Leia, and Jawa. So, like I just said, now this this is a, a range where I know very, very little. All I've seen is a couple of posts from you um, when it comes to Bassa figures. Now, uh, you put a post on Rebel Scum many years ago saying that the Bassa Vader, there was no boxed known and very t- few loose. Is that still the case? At the time, there was one boxed, one known, um, and one sold at auction for about $5,000 a couple of years back of thereabouts. And um, there are two boxed Chewbacca's known. Um, and the boxes are very different. They look like the world's greatest superhero, Mego type of boxes. So these are completely different because mainly the Bassa uh, carded on cards that they were around well, it looks yeah. like a normal kenner card with a bassa sticker doesn't it so yeah, yeah. these were actual these completely different designs design. um bassa for the most part imported toys these are the only two bassa action figures that were actually manufactured in peru and how different are they as a figure i think i think i've seen a vader i think you have one on your stall at yeah i did farthest from yeah. for a while and um yeah. it really is kind of different isn't it it's so, a, yeah i mean it's um it's about an inch shorter than the original Vader. It's blow molded in a very lighter plastic than the uh, original. The cape is uh, got a drawstring around the neck and has a completely different cut and completely different material. And um, the saber, which is probably the rarest bit of that figure, is um, is extremely different, like lacking completely in um, in detail on the handle. Um, it's uh, and obviously the Chewbacca is also extremely, uh, extremely different as well. I mean, I mean that's again that's very light, very blow molded type of type of uh, type of figure, much lighter than the original, slightly shorter. And the bandolier on that has no has no uh, bullets in it. 
it has no cartridges on it and no and no place for the cartridges to go it's just a solid piece of plastic is it purely the two figures purely the vader and the chewy they did yeah conventional wisdom says so well-respected collectors i know us uh, who live in that region have said only two figures vader and chewbacca what i am after and any listeners out there this is throwing this out there i'm after advertising material any advertising material at all from bassett from that era for their star wars lights i mean i have i've actually seen a photograph of a bassett trade catalog but i've not seen inside the trade catalog i know it exists and i think it's from that era as well any advertising material for me basically that confirms it but yeah the conventional wisdom is that only two figures were released that's great information and why is, have you ever come across any information on why that this company imported all these toys but then just decided to make these just two random figures for star wars because i don't believe they made any other star wars items well i mean they certainly didn't have hard copies of the 12 inch figures to cut their molds from they had cut the molds from pantographing off the actual production toys which is why they're shorter because you get mold reduction why they've done this no no one really knows as far as i know um, but what was interesting though is the fact that they had definitely pantographed off the production toys and retooled and retooled them retooled molds to make them sharper by hand for uh, for the darth vader so the darth vader appears very different is, is there any thought that they're not even official licensed products because they are so magnificently different and the quality is so inferior in terms of build quality and production techniques to kenner Mm. is there just not a possibility that these are bootlegs the likelihood is that they're probably not bootlegs batter had license to distribute star wars toys in uh, peru and remember that um quality of product doesn't tell you whether or not it's a bootleg or not you've only got to look at the little laddie 12 inch line to know that the quality doesn't actually have any bearing on whether or not it's licensed and also the same with the top toys in argentina you know much in the same way with them you know that the figure quality the scope quality is much lower and smaller as well. If I remember correctly, they were also uh, taken from production figures. Well, there was the rumour that the Topps toys were, in the end, meant to be bootlegs. I don't know how much traction that got, got in the end, but I do remember about 12 months ago. Well, somewhat, some, there were some fake top toys that were put out uh-huh. uh, fake by pa- Paolo Artesi, but there, there's commercials available to show the top toys. I, I, know, where you, I know where you're saying this from, and I know the person who said it, and I don't know if it was, I, I heard it, I heard it in a podcast once, and I don't know if it was a joke or if, or if this person actually thought, <laughs> actually, they actually, actually might be, might be, uh, fakes on the top toys, on the top toys. So my understanding is that the top toy figures like the Vader, the, Chew, uh, Vader, the, uh, Chewbacca, Stormtrooper, the Luke, and the Yoda, and the Low Grey, are okay that they are, that they were released figures, and I also know people as well with silicon mold uh, with the with the plaster molds for the hard copies and an actual top toys hard copies, you know. So my understanding is that 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 they're fine. If you've got different information, then I would love to hear what that actually is. Absolutely not, mate. No, I go on rumor and conjecture. Those are my two main information sources. <laughs> Moving this on slightly, um, yeah. talking about uh, bootlegs and stuff there. I'm not going to go into that today, but um, one of the questions from one of the people on one of the 
pages. Uh, Craig Dezidis, I think that's how you say your name, I don't want to butcher it. Um, he asked, unfortunately some produ- reproductions have slowly worked their way into the vintage 12-inch line, but overall, is the 12-inch line still pretty safe from reproduction accessories? You Again, you've got to know what you're looking at. You, you've got the advantage with the fact that the pieces are larger, and so because they're larger and they're easier on the eye to, to look at, you can pretty much tell. I mean, a, a big advantage is, is the fact that a lot of the reproductions for the 12-inch line are made of resin. I wrote, a, I wrote an article for um, JP on the Imperial Gunnery about uh, reproductions and about the different plastics used in reproductions. And, and resin has, uh, have very, has very different properties than polyethylene, which is what uh, the actual weapons are generally made from. Um, in the sense that they are denser, so they they will sink in water. You know, so I, I, in effect, as long as you've as long as you've had enough original weapons in your hands, you can pretty much spot the twelve inch fakes fairly well. The Imperial Gunnery have actually got them all listed with yeah. Th- yeah. photographic evidence, anyway, isn't it? So it's a good place to go to check your lines. Just a couple of things before I start wrapping up, Lee. Now, yeah. we've already we've already touched on the IG-88. Um, he came out, I believe, the only figure that came out in an Empire box? Um, no. Um, no. You can also find Boba Fett in an Empire box, too. Of course, yeah. Um, in the French Empire box and in the Kenna Empire box and also Palatoy Stickered and the Australian. Uh, isn't, isn't Chewy available in an Empire box uber rare? Uh, yes, and they it's 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 not Australian, by the way. That's actually most likely going to be an American version. And really? from what I've seen, there are ones with American price stickers on them, so they're not made up box flats either. From what I can see, they are they are actually store released. Super. Now this this line uh, started in, I believe, seventy nine, um, seventy eight, seventy eight, and was cancelled. I, I take it eighty or eighty one. 1980, yeah. 1980. So, IG88, the last figure. Um, we've yeah. we've seen some unproduced stuff. We've covered it on the podcast. Like the, there's another Luke, another Leia, a Lando. Why do you think, as out of all the characters in Empire, the one figure they run with was IG88 because there was a lack of screen time. He doesn't have a line in the movie. Yet they went for this character over the likes of a of a Yoda um, or maybe one of the Hoff app things or Lando being released straight away. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the guy who sculpted IG-88 was a guy called Bill Lemon. Bill Lemon worked in a material called acetate. So maybe maybe there was a reason because of that, because of the medium he actually worked in, um, which it's essentially it's machined. It's a, it's a reductive process rather than an additive process of sculpting. So maybe there was a there was a reason because of that. Maybe they could get this done quickly and snuck into the line. Maybe another reason is the fact that they wanted more bounty hunters. You know, we had Boba Fett. Maybe Boba Fett needs a, needs a bounty hunter companion. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons that they could have run with this. It's a very good choice, actually. It's a very cool character. It looks great. Um, it's it's by far my favourite character of the 12-inch figures. He and, doesn't... I've, I've never had one, but uh, struggles to hold his weapons, doesn't he? Because of the hand Yeah, down. yeah. But you don't have a problem if it's boxed. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a very, very good point. <laughs> now, the reason I wanted to say, uh, talk about the... Um, actually, before I move on to that bit, IG-88, uh, it's quite renowned for having plastic damage where he has his yeah. um, things going across his chest. What is your, your... You're obviously... We've had you on discussing plastic degradation and stuff yeah. in the hobby before. What would you recommend to collectors who have got these on there? But How, how can they right. get this figure safe? Take the belts off. 
separately bag the belts up and take the bullets out of the belt and separately bag them up. I can pretty much guarantee that the bullets will have some belt marks on them. 98% of them do. You just want to you just want to basically stop any further degradation of that. And if you're lucky, the figure itself will be fine. You know, there'll be no belt marks on the figure, hopefully. But again, it's a common thing to see. And know? does that go for the same for the Chewbacca? No, no. Uh, Jawa? Uh, Jawa, special. Jawa's a real bad case, actually. Uh, always take the belts off the Jawa. There you go. So they need to be separated. There's nothing else you can really do to... They do. There are some problems as well with Stormtrooper wrists and Boba Fett wrists. The best thing you can do, obviously, you can't take the hands out. You don't want to take the hands out. The best thing you can do is take talcum powder and just work talcum powder into the joint. So it creates a barrier to stop the plasticizer migrating from the soft PVC into the ABS plastic. That's a great tip. Yeah, brilliant. Talking about the line getting cancelled. Yeah. So we then go to the mid-90s, 95, 96. You've got the power of the force comes out and the rebirth of the 12-inch figure. Why do you think when something failed so miserably 15 years previous that they would then bring out a new range of figures and say, hey, we're going to run with these 12-inch figures again? Because I think Kenneth, uh, as it was at the time before Asbro brought them out, I think Kenneth had an eye on the collector's market from day one. And I think they knew that it wasn't going to be so much children buying these because you, action figures are dying on their feet when it comes to sales to children. You know, it's video games, it's Lego. These, these are the things that kids are buying these days. They had an eye definitely on the collector. And I think they were certainly aiming them at the collector's market i think probably more than more than the more than the toys more than the more than as toys for the children i think they're even called collector series weren't they in the flat indeed. boxes yeah they were indeed yeah did they um they use the molds from the vintage they use the molds for a lot of the vehicles and stuff was there anything similar it, it, accessories or anything it didn't use anything from um from the from the original line everything was fresh yeah. everything was fresh and perhaps i'm biased inferior in my opinion um i think some of those early figures were the sculpts were nowhere near as good as the original tarmage figures the vader was missized the chewbacca was pretty horrendous yeah i was never a particular fan of that era tarmage figures to be honest i always thought they were a bit thrown together what do you think about the current 12 inch figures they bring out well i mean you add companies like marmot in the in the kind of mid 2000s which produced amazing amazing items um and obviously now you've got a collector's collector's market now for high accuracy um models articulating models because they're not really toys anymore you know these are a high accuracy articulating models like people at hot toys and etc and, and obviously i mean they're beautiful they're really nice and i can certainly appreciate artistically and aesthetically what these look like but from my perspective i like that 70s kitsch feeling of the of the original 12 inch figures i've got three questions they're all quite quick i want to i want to finish off with first of all where would you have liked to have seen the line go if it hadn't been cancelled well i mean certainly well into the empire line i mean i think a full set of the, the bounty hunters would have been really nice obviously we would have had the luke layer and uh, han figures done that were released and we would have had the uh, lando i think some of the some of the droids would have been nice as well i think a death star droid would have been excellent and it would have been relatively easy for kenner to do as well because the tooling was already there certainly in the arms and legs 
from the C-3PO. Alex Pardy was another one that sent us, sent us a question now. He asks, uh, bootlegs and foreign licenses included, what are your top five large figures that, you, that you're still chasing? Your, your top five? Ooh, should, should I even mention these? Um, <laughs> <laughs> making a rod for my own back, maybe that. As it, as it stands these days, I'm fairly happy with my collection as it is. If I never add another piece to my collection, I will be extremely happy with what I have. But I think... In terms of things I'd probably actively chase if, you know, I was, I could financially justify it, would probably be finishing off my Lily Leddy boxed figures, of which I have three. So I'd, I'd want the rest really. The, the Empire Vader from, uh, from Australia, um, the Empire Chewbacca from the US, and maybe the, one of, one of the French Empire stickered figures that came on Dennis Fisher import boxes, which was something that I didn't quite mention earlier, uh, that there was also re-releases, late re-releases, 1980 re-releases of, uh, of some of the figures that were uh, released late in France, and they had Empire Strikes Back stickers over, over the Star Wars logo. Yeah, They're really nice. So I wanted to put together just a, a general boxed 12-inch Kenner line, all figures, yeah. generally easy still to achieve. Easy, but expensive. Yeah. Um, if you want them in, if you want them nice, unused, with original inserts, you're going to you're going to pay quite a hefty chunk of change. I think these days, not particularly difficult. Um, and a can of a can of set isn't particularly difficult. IG88 might you might wait a while for a decent IG88 to come along. You should be able to do a set, but again, you're not going to do it on a budget, frankly. For box set, it's, it's these days it's going to cost you money. But the loose figures, if you want to put together a set of loose figures complete with original weapons, that's still relatively relatively inexpensive and probably within the realms of most people to do. Do the accessories still pop up quite readily if you've put a figure without like hands, metal, or? Well, I've long since learned, particularly these days, is uh, it's a false economy. If you're buying for yourself. It's a false economy to uh, try and piecemeal these things together because yeah. that's really big money for some of the tougher accessories now. I'm complete. I'm right, finally, Lee. Yeah. Uh, we're all being transferred to another planet. This one's about to die. Um, <laughs> the shuttle was limited. So there's there's no monetary value up there. And there's only room for one piece of your collection. What are you taking and why? I'm taking my Kenner Darth Vader uh, in the standard Kenner box or maybe the Dennis Fisher. But my Kenner box is better better nick so <laughs> and that would be that'd be my keepsake from that era oh, that's great it's nice to see that it's not the not the most valuable it's no. something that means something that means that much to you because of takes you back to that uh, at the end, that at the end of the day star wars vintage collecting isn't about value to me this is nostalgia um and it and it fills um it fills a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a need to have that bridge to an earlier time, which I don't think is unhealthy. I think I think we all do that to a certain extent. So this isn't about value. It is about sentimentality, I guess. Yeah. Lee, I've, I've really enjoyed that, you know. Um, I have yeah. to do these interviews, but I've learned something, which I when I learn something from an interview, I, uh, I really appreciate what we've got. And I didn't realise just how much of a, a minefield and a all over the place the 12-inch line is. Can people still check out your Matrix? Is it? Uh, it's down at... The, the Matrix is down at the moment for um, me rejigging it around and um, and editing it and basically... But it will be back up in the next couple of weeks. 
well, I recommend the listeners then to maybe join your large size action figure group if, if that's what they want. And I'm sure you'll put it up there when the Matrix is back up and running. And it's also it's um, it's it's it is it is kind of the best place really for any advice on the 12 inch figures to see collections. And there's a lot of knowledgeable people on that on that site. You know, who were you know really cool guys. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Lee, thank you ever so much, mate. Um, Bubble. Next time we're together, buy you a couple of beers. A pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Been a pleasure, mate. Yeah. Thank you ever so much, mate. Always. Now let's go over to Jez for this month's newest acquisitions. Hello, what have we here? Ah, new acquisitions. Lads, right, I've had a word myself and I'm now going to be on form. After my disappointing quiz performance, I, um, I will be fine and everything's all right. Um, so, yeah. Straight over to Star Wars Forum UK. It's only been about two weeks since we did the last recording, but there's still been so many great things. First of all, on page 2243 of the new acquisitions, Bruce W's Leah Organa on a 12B. Now he's delighted with this. He said, oh, yeah, I've got this to go with my 12A and my 12C. And as we know, and maybe most of our listeners do, Bruce is a huge Leah fan, massive Leah focus, and um, we're all delighted for him. But let's just have a little look at this. I mean, he said he's got the A, the B, the C. I mean, Simon, how many card options are there, mate? Now, I did think about contacting you earlier, and then I thought, I'll just get a torrent abuse from you. So I won't. I just I just ran with it. I didn't know whether you meant on the 12 back or across the board or for Kenner or what. So I've got two answers for you, mate. On the 12 back, there's three options, A, B and C. Lovely. And the second answer is on Kenner. <laughs> According to Kellerman, there are 18 card back variations for Lair or Garner. And then according to Jason's Matrix for Palatoys, there are another 12 Palatoy card back variations. So there you go. And then plus all the non-Kenner. Plus all the Meccano, Harbour, Toll Toys, you name it. You you know, where do you draw the line? But, hey, that was the easy accessible one. At that point, I thought, you know what? He probably meant the 12 bags. I thought there would have been more than 18 across the whole um, range. You know, I did have a look at, and this is an interesting point you raised there, Stu, because I had a look at the Kellerman Index, which I didn't realise, someone who doesn't own the book, you can get it online. I think Rebel Scum had a sort of tie up with him uh, ages ago and it's still online you can download the whole matrix and kellerman has got listed 12a through 12e and actually in the matrix the first flag that it wasn't very up to date at all obviously the book was written some years ago is there was no 12b shown 
as available to to be obtained. Obviously, Bruce has got himself a 12B, so they are possible. But what Kellerman did have was showing 12A, 12C, and 12D back, which is all about an offer sticker and all the rest of it. So there's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. My best shout would be there are three versions of the 12 back. Kenner, there are at least 18 versions of Leia Organa available. Mm. Nice one. Well, I looked at the post which Bruce put on on May the 27th. After months of not buying much at all, I finally pulled the trigger on a Princess Leia Organa Kenner 12B back. I've had the 12A and 12C for a while, but I've been dragging my feet on this one. It's not that noticeable a variation except for the text on the back. But being a focus collector, that never stopped me before, so I guess I had to buy it sooner or later. A rich... He's mentioned there the text on the back. Now, just can you just refresh us, mate, the difference then between the 12A, the B and the C? Yeah, well, do, Stu. Um, I'm also surprised about the 18 because I think for R5, there's 19. And obviously, because R5 came out later, you thought there'd be more. Yes, but no, that's interesting, that. So on the 12A, on the back, it has instructions on how to operate the DT lightsaber, which is a no had the inner filament that pulled out separately from the outer. And the display stand, the action display stand, could be purchased for $2 and two pops. So on the back of it, it's, if it says $2 and two pops, it's a 12A. The 12B changed the offer but kept the DT lightsaber instructions. And it had changed to 12 pops, which is quite a jump from the $2 and two pops. Yeah. So for saving yourself $2, you need to buy 10 extra Action figures, or I don't know if back then, did they have more pops for the vehicles that you cut out? I don't know if that was available back then. I'm not too uh, good with the box vehicles from way back when. And the 12C, that's when the changes in instructions because of the single telescoping lightsaber. So it actually tells you how to operate the single. I'll cover the D and the E as well quickly as well, in case they're all wondering about them. So the 12D is the 1232 back transitional cord, which had a large sticker on the back covering about the bottom third which basically showed off the next wave of figures that were ready to be released the next 20 and on the 12e it had a sticker on the bottom advertising the secret figure offer so those are your five 12 bucks brilliant thanks very much rich and did anyone else catch him calling me stew just now i, I thought that i did have a little chuckle and also obviously the kellerman matrix must be a little bit out of date because in the last three years there's 20 different kenner showing on the tracker so obviously there's been a few fines or whether the cards have been re rejigged cool nice one well cheers for that lads pete this is something which is potentially of interest now over 18 months since her passing how is Lear organa compared in appreciation price wise in comparison to the other main characters i mean what's the market like for Lear organa now buddy well, on, on carded figures, there's not tons and tons of data. But again, it, it is, this is a surprise to you, Jeremy. But in loose figures, it's coming down in price, which is staggering me. There's still, don't get me wrong, people are paying, like, there's quite a few examples of over £200 payments for some obviously minty and the mint upon mint versions. But in general, the, the average over the, like, the last 18 months was about £80. But this year, it's currently averaging £72 per figure. So there is definitely a noticeable drop there. Wow. But if you look at the, the prices and you look at you know, across the board, 
It's, ooh, I mean, normally you see a little gradual climb, but I would say it's a gradual easing. I'm not going to say decline, easing. There is definitely an easing off, whether that's the new film, whether that's just the fact that people got exhausted by, you know, I mean, I mean, I think about the last time I did a big sort of market report using the tracker, I think I said that, that Princess Leia was, well, was a figure that you would, Average, average over £100 would be the prediction over the next year or so. That has definitely gone now. That seems to be under £100. So it's, it's, it's falling in those terms on averages. People are still playing for mint figures. Though. I mean, that, that's, you know, you this year £250 was the upper ceiling. Last year it was only like 170 or something. So Is, is that because of the black blaster, though? Are the ones with the dark blue blasters the ones that are under 100 well, yeah, it doesn't it didn't differentiate between blue blasters and black blasters, unfortunately. But uh, I would say that the ones that are going for the two fifty are mint on mint with a black blaster. And I'd say, um, I, I guess it depends how how Jared puts the data in. I mean, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't even well, some people who are buying it in terms of being carry fans, for example, probably wouldn't give a monkeys whether it was a blue or black blaster. But I think Jared is pretty good on you know he, he tries to get the the exact figure, but um. I've seen there just been an easing off. I mean, it, it, it does look that way. I mean, the figures are, are stating that. Frequency-wise, seems to be normal. It's just the price is dropping a little bit. Only tiny dropping a little bit. Obviously, you know, maybe the, the new film took a bit of a dampener. You just don't know. But yeah, not a significant increase for that one. Sorry, in average terms. I wonder if it may well be that the figures, the price in 2018 is still significantly more than it was in 2016. It was just post her passing, there was such a steep rise, and now it's just become a little bit more realistic. I mean, I still think it's an expensive, loose figure. I really do, for the amount there are on the market. I definitely think it's a very expensive, loose figure, but there we go. Yeah, I think I think there's, I think there's plenty around, but obviously people will judge it on condition of cloak and the blaster, you know, and obviously, you know, you've got nice minty figures, but when it comes to those two, two items, those, I think those two really do affect the price. Some people want absolutely no damage at all to the Cape, you know, nothing around the arms, anything. Some people will go, "Mm." I mean, I I put off Jamie a couple of years, two, three years ago before it started going really bonkers in the, in the the loose side for about 38 pounds. And it's absolutely mint. It's like the one with a slightly brownish hair. Um, and now that'll probably worth you know double, maybe three times the amount because it is really mint with a black gun. So, you know, I mean, I, I expect if you got the gun. Uh, I mean, what's that doing the rounds now? Thirty, forty quid on its own, maybe more. Fifty-five, sixty. Fifty-five, sixty. So, you know, I, I think that's another important point on with the layer O, Pete, as well. In terms of condition, you've got so much to go wrong with it. You've got to have the right weapon. You've got to have the cape in nice condition. The hair is notorious for getting rubs on it. And the figure is, it's, what, one of the worst ones after a Stormtrooper for discolouring. She tends to go a bit pink, doesn't she? So you've got all those factors ganging up against poor old Leia. So it's no wonder really nice ones go for silly money. We have kind of drifted away slightly from the Mint on Card 12B, which Bruce has just bought and shown off on Stores Forum UK. Very interesting to talk about the loose figure. Well, you know, loose figures, loose figures. Let me just have a look what, what the figures were just for last year on its own. That's what I'll... So 62 this year, 148, £84, 24 average, 250 highest. So it's quite it's quite a big volume of figures. That's a lot for just this year. There's a, there's not a massive lot of data on the, the card backs because 
that you know, especially on the 12Bs, they don't come up that often, you know, not ma- millions of them. So it's very hard to kind of get a real kind of feeling whether things have gone up and down or people just kind of pursued that particular car back. So it's not, you know, flurried full of data, but, you know, you ask Princess Leia. There we go. Awesome. Brilliant. Excellent stuff. Let's move on. It was on page 2245. I've spotted this. And also, Simon, you've made a note of it as well. Ed Grant, Ed Jedi, owner of Star Wars from UK, completed his Trilogo 70B, 70C run with the purchase of a really lovely Tusken Raider on a 70C. So I, you spotted this. I mean, Ed's going for the 70B and 70C. First of all, what's the difference and why is he going for this, mate? I mean, Ed's got several focuses with his Luke X-Wing run for one. But why on earth is he doing this? Mate, what's going on? Ed's got some great focuses because what I really like about it is not just, oh, I know, I'm going to collect Luke Bespin or Luke X-Wing, which, yeah, he does that as well. But the two best focuses I think he's got are the 70B, 70C run and the 65 back with Trilogo Bubbles. Because they're brilliant. They're just so out there and different that they're they're such fun runs to do. And he's he's been having a great time putting them together. Right, quick recap. Trilogo, 70B back. That is where you've got in the bottom left-hand corner, you've got the white text that says copyright 1983 Lucasfilm Limited against the black background of the litho of the card. The 70C has got a slightly enlarged lozenge around the coloured figure area of the bubble. So that, that silver racetrack there is bigger. And as such, you they've put the copyright information in black ink against that silver background. So that's where you've got the difference in it, in it sort of like nutshell kind of thing. There are other things. The cards are flimsier and the back is a slightly different yellow. But anyway, so he's gone down this route and there are 23, he was telling me, 23 characters that appear on both 70B and 70C card backs. So he's going down that route. He's now got number 22 with the Tuscan, which is brilliant. So he's only after a Nikto. So try logo collectors or anyone with a Nikto try logo in their collection. Could you please just have a little look at it? And if you've got black text saying copyright 1983 Lucasfilm limited against the silver racetrack, bottom left-hand corner, get in touch just so Ed knows there's one out there. You would not asking you to sell it. You don't have to. I mean, obviously Ed would be delighted if you sold it to him, but just so he knows they're out there because only cardbacks have turned up so far. So there we go. The other thing I want to just very briefly, and I know that for me is quite hard mention is the brilliant price sticker that's on this. And I believe we're discussing price stickers at some point somewhere in the show. I don't know. We've not recorded it yet, but it's got a galaxy bookshop price sticker and something ridiculous. I, I can't remember what it was now. Was it $2.50 on it? Something like that. Did a little bit of digging on that, and Galaxy Bookshop was a, or sorry, is a bookshop still in Sydney, I think it is, Australia, and it was established in the mid-70s. They do sell books, and pretty much books only, but in the 80s, they used to buy Star Wars collections and other sci-fi collections, and they used to sell those. So this little fella has gone all the way from Europe down to Australia sometime in the 80s and has been sold to the bookshop. They've slapped one of their price stickers on, and this isn't the first one I've seen. And it's now it's all the way back to Europe. But there you go. Just a, it's a well-travelled Tuscan. Nice one, mate. That's brilliant. Best of luck. Best of luck, Ed. And so I, all the information you've got, I reckon 
there's one place in particular you've got it with regards to your Trilogo info. Yeah, indeed. I, I well, actually, I've got hands up. Most of that is from Ed in terms of the 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 twenty three that are on seventy C and on seventy B. And then he also said just to add on that on the seventy C there are two more because you have got the two Ewoks that came out, haven't you? So old Paplu and Lumap that came out that make our last 17, but not the Americans because they came on made in Mexico, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they are also available on 70C. So there's a total of 25 figures available on 70C card backs. But yes, I believe Ed would have almost certainly sourced most of his information from the excellent group and website from Joe O'Brien, trilogo.info. Perfect. Thank you very much indeed. So we go over to Rebel Scum. I think we might be waiting there for a while because, yep, the last post in their latest acquisitions thread is still the 31st of March. 2018, but still the 31st of March. So come on, rebel scum, sort it out, get posting. You rebel scum. Go over to Tantive, and I even checked Tantive just now. So many great things being posted on there. And, And I have to give a shout out to Commander Clint based on last month's podcast uh, he's actually posted the tie fighter flying model rocket which he had as a, as a watch in ebay for ages and as soon as he heard it in the podcast episode he clicked buy it now because he thought someone else was going to just take it from underneath him so yep thanks to the podcast he's got that and it does look great so nice one commander clint loads of glass leap figures all over the place on tantive and that, that's just awesome to see but I want to take you back to the notes, lads, and, and to see what else there is. It was on page 39. We've already spoken tonight about some card backs and the variants of differences. But Dr. Dengar shows two Spanish 88 card backs. Just with such, it's just a great post. Just get straight over there now, page 39, and have a little look at the differences between these Spanish card backs. But it's whilst you're there on page 39 that we see the 89th Chris putting post after post after post and actually i don't want to go into it in too much detail because i really think we need to get the 89th chris on you know we've mentioned a lot of his purchases in the past and and i really do think we should so let's do it let's get him on to talk about his stuff however what we will just say right now is that i just wanted to bring your attention to one of these latest pickups which he's had whilst he's been out and about it was a book it was a computer's book. I'm sure people have seen it before. The Star Wars Questions and Answers book about computers. And it's got C-3PO at a computer terminal, an R2-D2. And he's been kind enough to take an excerpt from inside. And he's just taken a photograph, rather, of one of the pages. And it says, what will future computers look like? Computer circuits, brackets, transistors and pathways are shrinking fast. Back in the 1950s, a computer with the same number of functions as the human brain would have filled the Empire State Building, and it would have taken Niagara Falls to power it. Today, that computer could fit inside a TV set. By 1990, the computer will be smaller than the human brain and powered by a pen-like battery. If computer circuits keep shrinking as scientists predict, by the 1990s we'll have computers the size of notebooks and baseballs, yet they will remember more information and be faster than today's supercomputers. Well, there you go. There's a look into the future from the past. That's impossible, even for a computer. But yep, let's get the 89th Chris on board. Move over to page 41. I saw the loose sand skimmer. Now, Stu... 
Lots of people might not recognise this as a Star Wars line because pretty much by the time these came out, the interest had gone before this release. Now, Sand Skimmer, what are the others in that line, mate, and what do you know about them? Right, well, these were released on the Power of the Force, weren't they? You've got the one man yes. Sand Skimmer, which to me is probably the, the best of the three. Um, one's an Imperial Sniper, and the other was a Security Scout. Uh, don't know too much about them. 1985 release. I suppose they kind of fit in with the mini rig, mini rigs. But um, to me, they're they're not as nice as the mini rigs. But yeah, it, it's the security scout in particular, which to me just doesn't look like Star Wars line whatsoever. I think you're right. The one man sand skimmer is the closest thing. You know, it, it goes in line with the with the other skiff which we've had, as well as the uh, the power of the force skiff. Sniper vehicle. The, hmm. Go on. Sorry, what was that? So I was going to say that the security scout. Sign might be able to help here. It's very similar. I'm pretty sure to something that came with a hand solo in a Power of the Force two line. Sorry, is that? <laughs> it looks alarmingly like it, doesn't it? It's yeah. uh, it. It's one of those real just. It's it's not my least favourite, but it's no, it is actually my least favourite. I think it's yeah. the worst of the three. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that, that sand skimmer thing, though. I think I con- commented on Chris's post um i mean it's great item trying packaging all the rest of it fantastic but it to me it's a it's an indoor forest ranger on its side with one of the sail barges <laughs> sail fins stuck yeah. on the top of it it's just i mean it's the worst kind of crap it, it, it's utter utter <laughs> rubbish utter rubbish i i hate that line with a vengeance but i would buy them if they were the right price because they've got nice that's the only way to get the uh, power of the force tri logo packaging is it those and the brilliant little battle packs that they did um but yeah what a load of junk but chris great item mate no i'm really pleased you got it but junk what a piece of junk mate the whole end or forest ranger on its side yeah i've just seen that i quite like that is to me, there's a little bit of a Back to the Future 2 vibe on this. I, I'm not sure whether or not it's because it's like the hoverboard almost, the sand skimmer. I can kind of believe that, that it that it is a sand skimmer. I've got an issue with a sniper vehicle. I mean, so this is in Kenner's line of single-body transport vehicles, a.k.a. the body rigs for short. So as we said, we, we've got the three here. The sniper vehicle, though, the image which I can see in the catalogue entry... Uh, which is showed in the Star Wars Collector's Archive, is uh, from the Kenner Toy Fair catalogue. It's got an attack commander in the sniper vehicle, and he and you can imagine the scene. He's flying it along, and both of his hands are on the controls, very much like a, a rotary wing aircraft or helicopter, as it's known in the, in the field. And so he's got one hand on the right hand, let's call that the cyclic control, and one hand on the left, that could be the collective. So how's he going to snipe? How's he going to snipe, Kenner? I put that out to you. All right. It could be, you know, uh, he, he could have a mini gun, or he could have some sort of aerial suppression weapon. But come on, you can't, you, you can't kid the kids. Sniper vehicle. Where is that sniper system, lads? What do you think? This is just Kenner taking the mic, yeah. Well, I just want to say one thing, Jess. I think, I think, um, not just in certain circles, but everyone calls it a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, fair one, fair one. I mean, you know, I, I think <laughs> yeah, we we say that we are the rotary wing guys versus the fast jet guys versus the wide body or transport um, eating command. But there we go. Yeah, so all right then. So it, it's still very much like a helicopter. <clears throat> it's still very much like a helicopter. Where's the sniping thing then, Stu? Come on, Billy Big Balls. Where's the sniper? 
Um, well, he's obviously got an autopilot mode that he can set it in to free his hands up. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. O- okay. obvious, Jez. Come on. Yeah. No, I just, I just don't believe that. I believe in all sorts of things like the Force and, you know, in Jedi's and, and electricity bolts and stuff like that, but I just don't believe this is a sniper vehicle, can I? I'm sorry. Oh, Jez, oh, Jez. Why do they call a Star Destroyer a Star Destroyer when it doesn't destroy stars? Day's not over yet, mate. You don't know what she's got in that tank. And uh, just because we didn't see it, doesn't mean it can happen. Maybe a, it carries a sniper. Ah. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe a tiny little sniper, maybe a nano sniper. Why isn't it called the nano sniper vehicle? NSV. Let's not get on height now, shorty. <laughs> Yeah, we don't call Stu In... Nano Stew, do we? Yeah. We call him Stew. Yeah, that was lamp post. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Um, I will defend this one a little bit, though. It does have that that hook thing, which can be lowered down the bottom, can't it, to pick up droids and things. That's what every sniper it's wants. Got a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jez, you need to. Uh join the military or something and learn about sniping because <laughs> I, th- I think your uh, information's a bit wrong. Right. Okay. No call for it on submarines. <laughs> <laughs> right, so going back to it though, let's stay on target. The one man sand skimmer. Yeah, I think we've all agreed then of the three, it's our favourite. It's our favourite of the line. But check them out Star Starter Collector's Archive. But check out, obviously, Ponchos on page 41. Lovely. Nice one, mate. And obviously you can uh, get it in the two different versions because you had the blisters, the blister cards for the states, which sometimes, you know, don't fare particularly well. And you can see them yellowing, cracking and whatnot. So it's obviously the the trilingual power of the force um, or the uh, European versions, which are uh, a bit more your bag, I would suggest. Yeah, really. I I like the boxes, the trilingual power of the force box. I no recollection at all of them as a kid, but I think they look. Pretty cool. So we'll go over to Facebook, and it was the Beyond the Toys group. Phil Heeks with his Darth Vader snap-together action model. Pete, you put on the show notes. I want to understand the sounds. What's going on, mate? Beyond the Toys group. Yeah, Jess, this is a really amazing, amazing piece. As in, I've not seen it before, and when I look at it, you know what I'm like with box art and stuff. I love... You know, I'd love to look at how it's been composed. Um, this is actually a Star Wars snap-together Darth Vader action model featuring, and I love this bit, sinister special effects. Not evil, but sinister. And it came with, so it's, this, it's a Darth Vader head and sort of shoulders. I would, I would say you would probably say it's a bust. Uh, it has a rasping breathing sound, so a bit like me, and illuminated eyes, which really intrigued me. I thought, wow, that is actually a pretty old kit. According to SWCA, this is one of the only ones that didn't re-release. They just kind of did it and went, eh, maybe we'll leave that. So it's quite a reasonable size thing. Some parts of the box that are intriguing me is that the, it actually says on the box, and this was actually left on, that's not just what was on the SWCA, um, the, the picture of Darth Vader itself actually says a photo of the painted prototype model itself, which is quite interesting. And also, ages 10 to adult. 10! Bit of a strange thing, I, I guess, because it has slightly, because it does actually have uh, a battery compartment and movable parts. They probably thought, "Why well, we won't aim it at kids?" So, um, what is effectively a toy, uh, not aimed at young children. So, I thought well, that's quite a, an, an oddity. 
Um, does anyone actually know, guys? Do you, do you actually, you've actually seen this in action at all? No, I've not seen. I'm intrigued by the illuminated eyes because looking at that, it's blue. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. It is. If you look at the um, on SDBC itself, there's actually a blog post that actually reviews this. And uh, yes, the the overall shape of the head is a bit odd. You, you can see in the left hand picture that you do notice that there's a little, there's a nice bit of trimming around his kind of helmet. It's nicely balanced. It's not kind of like down his neck like some of the Darth Vader statues are. Uh, but yeah, the eyes are blue. They do look very, very blue in other pictures. But what, what I, was, I was just intrigued by, that's why I asked if you any of you seen this, is how does the, the noise, you know, how do you make the noise? Because uh, from all I can see is there's, there's a string that pulls a light on and off. But apparently if you, if you motion the head, you pull it back and forward, that's what actually makes the kind of sinister special effects. Now, there's not too much of the information on whether it's trying to be breathing or not. But it does make a sinister effect, so we're going to have to just go with sinister effects. But this was actually on the Beyond the Toys group, found by Phil Heeks, uh, end of May. He actually um, actually picked it up with a couple of little badges as well. But um, I just thought it was a, just a, an amazing sort of oddity that that this had this. You, know, you, you had an item that which was aimed at not at, well, not technically at young children, but. You know, people, but back in 1977. So this is this is a really old piece. This is an early MPC kit. Also in the there's a catalogue that SWCA actually referred to, and it actually says turn the lights off and watch his eyes glow, which is a bit strange. Uh, it's ten and a half inches when assembled, so mm, very odd, and it weighs two point ten pounds. For anyone very interested, guys, what do you think of this item? Love it. Yeah. Would you, would you hunt, would you hunt this down? Nope. I, I would enjoy that in my collection. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think, Stu, I was thinking of you when I saw this. I thought this would look really good next to your Gimcrack Vader lamp you bought. It yeah. would be like an official one and a Gimcracky one. I would, um, I really, really like the Snap Together models. Full stop. I think they're a great little set and you don't see many people focusing on them, do you? And this, this would just be, Stunning! I think you'd have to build it. No, you don't. Though. The box is beautiful. Build it. Don't build it. You know. Um, do both. Get two. So I wouldn't build it. You wouldn't know how. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's. I mean, the start together thing always intrigues me because, you know, I, I remember doing airfix kits and making a right mess of it. Probably because I had big hands even when I was a kid. But I mean, a snap together. Well, you know, it's dead easy, isn't it? And <laughs> snap it together. No messing around. Click, click, click. Done. Job done. Mm. And you said I had a trimmed helmet? Well, no, no, no. But if, if you look at the, the way it's been designed, uh. and the, when it actually looks, if you see, if, if you, well, to put the, the Shonet's picture on there. But um, yeah, the, the helmet does look a little, little bit odd because obviously you've got no panel so yeah. on, on Vader's chest. So it looks a little bit like he's just wearing like a shawl or something. But um, did anyone notice the, the, um, the interesting motif on the box? The Hildebrand logo. Yeah, well, it's, it's technically not, is it? That's something else. That's the yeah. uh, she's, the, she young, she? the young inspired uh-huh. Luke and Leia logo. Mm. So yeah, it's not quite there. It's, that is rather beautiful. I don't. I, is that out on anything else? I've, I've never seen that before, personally. But then I've probably never looked. But I was looking at like the cars and stuff they do, the kits. There's no Star Wars. There's not that on any of those. I was looking down on the on the other on the R two D two kits and stuff that you do have a slightly bigger version of that it seems to be something that they used early on and then were probably probably told off 
<laughs> no, you need to use this. It seems to be that with a double race trick on everything. Yeah, I think most of those early kit boxes, the really early ones, they've got that, that same logo on it. Actually, I'd like to see a bigger version of that. That looks really cool. Slight cartoony, isn't it? Just, just sorry, Pete, just jumping back in. Um, jumping there's, back. Another, there's another NPC model of Darth Vader, um, which glows in the dark, I think the lightsaber, but it was of him standing up. Yeah. And that has also that same image, as does the Darth Vader TIE Fighter NPC kit. Mm. Have that same image of Luke and Leia on it. Um, so it has popped up. Oh, and on the C-3PO figure. Yeah. They it, did it, use it a lot. It's on the R2-D2, the early one. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think I just said that. <laughs> I, just I went through said them. it wasn't on anything. No, no, no. I haven't seen it on, on anything after the early ones, on the 77, 78 kits. So it seemed to be because I didn't know. Then I went through and went, yeah, it's on all the, also because on the R2-D2, C-3PO. On the X-Wing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but not after that. So so when they start releasing the later kits, like the uh, the big sets, they obviously, they obviously change the uh, design. But uh, but yeah, it's just that uh, so that is very lovely. Mm-hmm. I really like those. I, I think those those early ones. I actually prefer the design of those, even though they're slightly more bonkers. Um, I actually prefer the artwork. I, I really like it. It's kind of groovy. So then, Rich. Moving over to the Empire Strikes Back group, mate. One of our faves, John Lenhart. Empire Strikes Back display stand. Now, you said to me, we need to cover this. Go for it, dude. Yeah, Jez, I did put this down for last episode because this is going back, I think it's about five weeks now, but unfortunately I missed it out when we put the show notes together. So I spotted this on the Empire Strikes Back timeline group and it was a photograph from John Lenhart and... It's something that I was aware of, but I didn't really look at it and, and fully appreciate exactly what it was. And it's an action flicker display stand. So, guys, you, you all know what the action flicker display stand is, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? So, I looked at them and I thought, what's special about this one? So, so how did we, how did we get them? Can, for the foul listeners who don't know what the action flicker display stand is, what is it and how do you get a hold of one? It was uh, it was on the, an offer on the back of the twelve backs, wasn't it? Yes. You mailed away, and you enclosed some ridiculously small amounts of money, like two dollars forty-five, and and they send you one in the post. It was one way to get it because it did appear briefly in the shops, didn't it? Well done, because I thought you'd miss that. I'm surprised you don't know how many pops in that have just been through the twelve A, B, and C car box and told you exactly how many pops are bloody needed. But it shows how much you listen. What does the action figure display stand look like? Uh, it looks like a grey slab of plastic with 12 little wheels on it with figure pegs. And it's got how many rockers is it? Three rockers on the front that each rotate four of the discs, the action figure stand areas. And it's got a backdrop of uh, X-Wing and a TIE Fighter, pew, 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 like that, yes. and it says Star Wars. And then you get a little sticker that runs along the front. It was usually in one part, but again, later they changed it, didn't they? They, they made it in individual stickers or something for the ESP one or something weird like that. I can't remember. Right, it's, it's important what you've said there. There's something that you've said that's really important. I'm going to come back to that in a second. So this one is special because it's the Empire Strikes Back one. And the ins- Empire Strikes Back one came, well, was intended to come with six figures. Now, there is a photograph on the SWCA of it from the 1980 Toy Fair catalogue. And the six figures that that came with was Luke Bespin, Leia Bespin, Bosk, Lando, 
Hoth Trooper and FX7. Now, based on what size just told you about the functionality of the display stand, what immediately leaps out there as being odd? FX7, because it's got no thing to put it on. Exactly. Oh. FX7, how's that going to work on a rotated peg stand? It's just such a bizarre figure to include in there. If anybody knows why those six figures, I would love to know. Now, this... So, just to describe the difference, not only did it come with these six figures, but it also had the sticker across the front with the names of those characters on the front on the stickers. They didn't have Luke Bespin, it was just simply Luke, Leia, Lando. So, it didn't break it down. And I think instead of the Hoff Trooper, it said Stormtrooper. But obviously, they printed the label out and they've stuck it on there. And FX7 was you know, clearly intended to be on there. Now, the box that it came with was no bigger than the original box for the first 12 stand. So where were the figures packed? How did they fit them in the box? Any ideas? Probably gaffer taped the underside of the stand, probably. <laughs> they were on, yep, yeah, they were in the hollow, in the hollow space underneath the stand. So that's, that's where they shoved the six figures so that they didn't need a different size box. And I, I've been looking on the SWCA. There's a photograph of a toy fair mock-up with a white sticker instead of the black one. This one had nine figures names printed on it even though the box clearly said it was only going to come with six now this time the figures were rebel commander dengar at a driver leah organa han bespin yoda imperial commander lobot in the 21b so a completely different batch of figures than the ones that were seen with the other uh the other six now there's there's possibly some new information that I'm not aware of or, or something that's more recent. But in everything that I looked at on Rebel Scum and on the SWCA, there's there's no proof that these were actually sold in stores. And I believe, or the, there was known to believe, only three of them have been actually around in existence. And all three of them were traced back to former Kenner employees. So if there's been any update on that, if anybody has found one with a price sticker, or indeed if there's more than three, would, look, would happily be corrected on that, on that one because it's a really nice item. And I would like to have one in the collection. I think it's an, I think it's nice. And I would, I would have to put my FX7 on there just to see how it worked. I, I just can't, I can't visualise how it would sit there and allow itself to be rotated round without, without sliding off. Yeah, so really nice item, John. Absolutely cracking find, and uh, it's, it's certainly not something that I've seen in that level of detail. And I really enjoyed researching that. So we go to page two two four four. Now I know I've already said we need to get the eight and a half Chris on, but Darth Daddius is definitely someone who we need to get on because I've been doing some snooping at some of Darth Daddius's stuff and my word this guy's got a stunning collection primarily focused on Darth Vader funny old thing however on page 2244 Darth Daddius has got the Vader carry case which is absolutely stunning with the sleeve around the base Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and it comes with figures ig88 bosk and boba fett more on that later on this looks absolutely stunning he's got some baggies with it as well and the sheet it is an absolutely superb condition but let's just go back to the beginning the darth vader's carry case lads come on then pop quiz when did this come out and what was the first iteration 1980 boom straight on there for stew go on tell me more mate what do you know what do you know and it would have been the mail away offer, I'm guessing. 
Yeah. No need to guess, mate. You sound so knowledgeable. You know what? I think you're overtaking Rich now, mate. I really do. You know? So, um, yeah. The 1980 mailbox without packaging. All right. So, tell me about this. We're, we're talking we're talking carry cases. But this is 1980. What had there been prior to that? What What else? What else had Star Wars junkies had at that point? Or let's call them children of collecting age. What else did they have? Just the rectangular vinyl ones at that point, wasn't it? Or as Rich or Pete would have, would be a um, a lion's made pot. Tub. Tub. Unless you were really poor, and then all you could afford was one of those little ice cream pots, and you could keep your Yoda in there, which is all you had. <laughs> yeah nice well you know hopefully hopefully people would have been able to get maybe the vinyl one which started out in 79 and then it had additional iterations in 81 82 and 83 starting off with 24 figures which was perfect cause back in the day with the vinyl ones when they first came out there were only 20 figures available this then obviously changed to 21 when boba fett came out but it was still great for you to have a couple of spares so then when this came out in 1980 with 31 figures now 31 is a bit of a uh, bit of an odd number there what's going on with the fact that there are 31 figures peter eh? or anyone <laughs> we've got 31 <laughs> figures and it's a fairly it's a fairly symmetrical nice. case once you open up the case now i've got my battered one here because let's first of all then put that back to the entire crew hands up no this is a podcast that won't work who doesn't have one of these Vader carry cases in their possession, and why not? I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, by my... It's mainly because Stu has the entire stock for the country in his garage still. <laughs> right. I was going to say, by my powers of deduction, Richard and Stuart probably do have at least one of these, if Peter and Simon don't. So um, I'm yep. going to be looking at Stu and Rich, and I know that Stu's possibly bought one or two and it's just been hoyed straight in to the garage. So let's go over to Rich. Mate, tell me about these Vader carry cases and what do you know about them? How do you feel about them on a personal level? Uh, I love them. I loved it as a kid. I, d- I did, obviously, so far, like everybody else did, that as soon as you picked the thing up, everything fell out or it was nigh on impossible to get the two halves shut together. At least one of the clasps snapped on mine as a kid, and I'm sure most of the ones that are out there have got at least one clasp broken. But as a piece, a visual piece to look at, I think they were absolutely brilliant. And I loved the compartment as well to put the weapons in. I thought that was a really nice touch. And I loved the I loved the stickers as well, and being able to put the stickers on where you wanted to put the stickers and have your figures, you know, positioned in there. And it's a dust collector, though. They badly attract dust. But uh, no, it's a fa- fantastic item. I think it's great. I love it. What parts of it do you love? I love the moulding. I love the mould. I love the size of it. I love the fact it's got the handle on the back. I love the fact that if, as a kid, if you were walking out with it, everybody knew what it was. You know, it's not just a, you know, a briefcase shaped thing. It's not just a vinyl box with a handle on the top. It was a it was a innovative de- uh, design, and I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Richard, let me introduce you a second now, because I'm, I'm abs. Did I say let me introduce you? I'm not sure. You what did, I yeah. Said. Yeah. 
Hmm. Let me interrupt you, uh, because it sounds to me like you really need the rebel transport in your life. Because when Stu said what you love about this, you said, oh, it's, it's great. You know, it, it, it holds everything. It's got a handle. And when you carry it outside and all your friends can see, they know exactly what you're doing and everything. So, yeah, I mean, when when you look at it, Rebel Transport, mate, that's got your name all over it because that seems to fulfil your every desire. Well, we used to be in a club called the Rebel Transport Kicking Brigade. And anybody who was outside with one of them, it was, you know, just automatic lynching. Rich was the only part of this gang, um, chip cards, but no one else ever turned up to meetings. They were just <laughs> Star Wars figures. That, that was that was if you were in the club. To tell the truth, nobody had one as a kid. Not a single person I know had the Rebel Transport. Well, but you needed a good friend like Jez. Every every single person had the carry case, and and I think a lot of that had to do with the way you know you you collect the tokens and send them in. I think that was that was the big way. You know, for it. I don't think my parents would have bought it if it had been on the shelf. In a, in a toy store they wouldn't have bought it they would have went carry case nah you can have a tub you know to put the to put the figures in ah so i mean i was going to come back with some sort of witty retort about what you mean you know all your friends and stuff because come on even your imaginary friends didn't play with you richard but when you talk about the sending off for these and so the, the mail away what, what do you know about sending them off for mate how many did you need oh um I'm going to clear, I'm going to, off the top of my head, I'm going to say it's going to be probably double figures of pops. I would say 10 or 12. No, it was six. No. Just six. Well, that, that's a bargain. That's Plus a bargain. five pounds. And the reason I know this, because this comes back to the item that I was going to mention, but it's the uh, the flyer for these things that they gave to oh, yes. traders to yes. introduce the bounty hunter log collector log, scheme. Logs, yep. Yeah, and and on there it's got uh, it details them, and the third one is the biggest one you can get, which is the case, and it says collect any six figures and get the Darth Vader collector's case. And this one's been annotated plus five pounds, so they obviously forgot to mention that on the leaflet. But yeah, so six name tags. How was this? How did this arrive as a mailer? Because you see, obviously, a lot of box. figures. Yeah, just you don't see them, do you? Yeah, you, one, yeah, there is one about. Uh, I've only seen one. Have you seen more, Rich? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them. I, I, I must admit, I thought mine came in a white box as a kid. I don't remember coming in a brown box. I, I'm oh. trying to think, like like a cereal box, but just plain white. That, that, was, that was the standard, yeah. All, all the all the Palatoy mailers were yeah, white, might, plain yeah, packaging, weren't they? Make him like that. I'm pretty sure, sure I did. You say they're everywhere. They're, they're not everywhere, are they? Because no. they're not like a, an emperor mailer or something. They're not. No. They're not rife. No, because we used them. You know, we, we, everybody had one. They were so popular. No, the cases. Yeah, sure, the cases are everywhere, but not the mailers. Well, the mailers would have been destroyed, wouldn't they? I don't think. I yeah, but one. that's what we were talking about. Well, what a surprise, Mister! I had nothing as a kid other than shit that nobody else wanted. Didn't have a <laughs> didn't have a Darth Vader carry case. Yeah, I didn't have a Darth Vader. These these are never on my radar ever. Never, no. never no. came across this. Never saw it in a shop. I probably wouldn't have had one because, let's face it, as you said, you know, I've got I still got my old white box. My my kept my figures in. I still got it. Cardboard box. I just didn't need it. I don't know. I just didn't need to put it in a fancy case. I wouldn't have had one if I'd seen one. I, I, I love the thing now. I mean, it'd be a great sort of display piece. But as a kid, I just wouldn't have. I would have rather had a ship. Yeah, or well, a rebel transport. Definitely. 
I mean, and back in the day, five pound. So you know, you've got to send off these figures, and and at the same time, whilst you send off the proof of purchase, you could also get other um, Star Wars figures as well. So it's a case of, oh, do I want to save up the six and get the carry case? No, no, I want more figures, more figures. Five pound, five pound could buy you loads. Five pound could have got you another speeder bike. Five pound could have easily got you a Hoth Wumper. Five pound, if you imagine the amount of five p mix-ups you could get for five pound. You know, so so back in the day, not everyone could have just dropped five pound like it's you know, ten p. See what I mean? I think you're struggling, you're struggling yeah. in 1980 to get um, a speeder bike for five pound. No, no, definitely. I not. think you're struggling in 1980 to get a speeder bike for fifty pound. Yeah, and I'm also mm. thinking you're struggling in 1980 to get a Wampa. So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but who's to say I would have wanted one of these in 1980? That was when the first edition came out. I hadn't necessarily started. Using the mailer, the mailer wouldn't have didn't run that late, did it? How late did the mailer run until? Mm. Bounty Hunter collection scheme. Ooh, I reckon it was up until Jedi. Really? Yeah, you no, you could get Nine Numb and Akbar and the Emperor, but in terms of these things, the cases and stuff, I don't know. I don't. Did they run late? Oh, wait, they changed it, didn't they? It wasn't the Bounty Hunter collection scheme then. It was just some other mail off because there's big Jedi leaflets. Yeah, yeah, all. I sorts think you could get stuff. the cases later on, definitely. Yeah, yeah. but the, yeah, it wasn't the Bounty Hunters log. I, no. I know what you mean. Now I've seen a, I've seen a, a leaflet, a leaflet that had like mini wigs and that's right, loads of things. It's probably about yeah. fifteen different things in it, and I'm sure they've had a carry case. So had plushie box in it as well, didn't it? I don't know. You could well be right. I think it, right. it, it, I think it had a plushie box. So that so that means that it is quite late. Yeah, I think I, th- I, th- I think Jez, as much uh, as much as we pick on him, I think I'm going to defend him on that one. Ooh, don't go that far, Rich. Let me defend him. I don't think anyone was accusing him of anything. I think we were having a discussion. No, <laughs> you, 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 you had him. You had him in your you had him in your sight. You, you know, you were you were narrowing. You, you had the target, the crosshairs were on his eyes. That's all. Yeah, you you're on oh. your sniper scout vehicle, and you both hands yeah. were busy. Oh, yeah. you're going to grab now, him with your grappling hook. Now you've got me. See, now you've got me interested in something else. Because when you think about it, what other type of carry case was? So we said there's the Vader one, there's the vinyl ones. You've got them in your sights. Oh, Rich, you just flicked my switch there, mate. What else was available later on in the line? Yeah. Laser rifle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excited about that. See, I think that looks pretty good. But then you read the descriptions on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Horses for courses, they thought it was a bit lame, but actually I quite like that one. However, the lame thing about the... Uh, what was the worst thing about the laser carry case, would you say, lads, that you know of? It was... It, it, it held a lot less figures than the other two cases. The 3PO and Vader held between 30 and 40. Well, I've got a feeling the laser rifle only held half of that. Oh, he's done his own work, hasn't he? Which would be irritating. Tense. You may, as well just got, you may as well have just got the Chewbacca bandolier strap and stuck some on there rather than carrying that rifle. See, I like that. You could have gone Rambo, though, with one in each hand. Oh, oh, yeah. You couldn't have done that on your scout sniper vehicle, could you? However, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. The Vader one, as we've said, has got 31 figures. The C-3PO carry case, which came later, had 40, but it was the laser rifle which only had 19, so even less than the 1979 vinyl one. Personally, though, I think it I think it does look the business. However, does it mean Star Wars? As you say, Vader is iconic. 3PO, 
yeah, still iconic, whereas this just looked like a rifle. This was just a rifle, so maybe not so good. But yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Richard said Stu had me in my sights, in his sights. There we go. So lads, when I look at this and think, right, so this helmet served several iterations. As we've said, it came out in 1979 and continued on and on and on. And then we said that, yes, it was... Also, we had the C-3PO carry case. So t two very distinctive helmets. But I'm going to put you on the spot now. What other helmets or heads would you have liked to have seen which you thought would look brilliant? Let's go straight over to... Hmm, let's go straight over to Richard. What would you go for? Oh, oh, um, possibly something that's R2 dome-shaped. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I can see I that. Get the... You would get room in there for more than figures. You could probably get, you know, perhaps a couple of mini rigs in there. Mm, okay, a little bit more of a three D. Yeah, fine. Okay, so yeah, yeah. R two mm. one for Rich Stewart. Helmet or mm, head? I think, what are we thinking? I think obviously it's ones and things like Stormers, but I would like to have seen Yoda because you could have kept little figures in his ears. <laughs> Maybe the weapons. <laughs> I did not predict anyone would say Yoda, so yeah, very, very nice. Very nice. I'm going to get a Simon now, for good reasons, in a second. Uh, it's obvious, but I, I would have liked to have seen Boba Fett, because that could have been really nice and colourful and really cool. Mm, yeah, like that. Liking the Fett's one. And Peter, I would say you are clearly the most artistic of the entire podcast crew, so I've saved you for the last with... High hopes, mate. High hopes, Peter. Well, it, it's pretty obvious, Jess, to be honest with you. I think, obviously, everyone would come up with this, but the uh, the Space Slug carry case would have been absolutely <laughs> epic because you know, it would have been so massive. You could put your little Falcon in there and your die cast at the end. Uh, so it looks like it's actually sitting in there. Then loads of figures down that big, long, sort of arm body thing it had. Uh, it would have been epic. And uh, it would also, you could also use it in play as well and spit out figures from its. Big mouth. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, it very sounds sounds very similar to the Rebel Transport, uh, which is kind of slug-like in appearance, <laughs> uh, and also yes. has the added effect of, of having the guns, the cockpit, uh, and the hatch, and all sorts of other stuff as well. So we're we're all loving. We love. We, none of us realised this, but we're all loving the Rebel Transport this evening. Uh, I didn't see this coming. I really didn't see this coming. Sorry, yes, Sorry, Mute, Definitely. mute, Sorry, We were getting some breakthrough. <laughs> Forget it. You're not talking me into Rebel Transport, love. No, no. no. It's suitably shaped for you to shove it somewhere, mate. You keep it. <laughs> okay. Jess, if you, think, if you think, if you hollowed out to transports, you could put them on Simon's feet as shoes. <laughs> uh, that I like. Yeah. That looked really cool. Rebel transport. Put little cool. wheels through the escaped escape hatch at the bottom. Little I reckon we could all get some broken ones and do this celebration. Skate around the place. Oh. Oh. Amazing. Talking about celebrations. So, who went to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim? I did, Jeremy. Now, from your recollection, mate, you must have seen some special Darth Vader carry cases there, yeah? Yeah, they were for the they were for a charity fundraiser, weren't they? And some of them were just ridiculously good because people artists had basically painted them up in a variety of ways. Uh, 
I think Bruce White's went for the most money. Uh, went for ridiculous amounts of money, thousands and thousands of dollars. But he did the Hildebrandt uh, image over the top of the. It must take them years because <laughs> it was so intricately detailed. But there was some core because I got loads of pictures. If you look at our, I think if you look at um, our pictures over the years, you should uh, better find some glorious versions of these things. They they were brilliant, like, absolutely brilliant. They were really great. So um, it was the uh, Star Wars Celebration at Anaheim, and the collecting track have put a great blog on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Uh, and just go in and having a look at all of these. So as you say, lots of um, Darth Vader carry cases just turned into some phenomenal pieces uh, for charity. There, there's the early bird Vader done by Gus Lopez. There's ones with cutouts, ones with Anakin's face underneath, Luke's face from Dagobah. They're, they're incredible. They've done them really well. There's a May the Frost Be With You and Jenkins, one which is made to look like a snowman with a hat and a scarf and a carrot for a nose. There, there's ones which have been done to look like a, a stone tablet. It, it's been just really, really well made. The imagination here, I thought, Pete, would be right up your street, buddy. But um, I, I really, really encourage everyone to go and check this out. So, yeah, it, it's the blog. But as you say, the Bruce White Hildenbrandt one is, is just absolutely stunning. But these, they are classic. They are really good. Was it Amy Amy Soberg's? Was was that the one with all the lights? I know that there was one which had um, lots of optics added to it as well. It's uh, I must must go and check out that. Awesome. Really I can remember someone had done uh, Anakin's face revealed yes. underneath. Yeah. Uh, there was a Skeletor one, which was hilarious. Well, it looked like Skeletor. I think I'm assuming it was Skeletor. And kind of like a green face. It, there was just so, there was people who had done uh, inside, there were customs of figures. So, like an entire custom display of figures inside the carry case. Come oh, on. Beautiful. You need to put some um, fresh pictures up of them because people might have forgotten about them three years ago now, haven't they? <laughs> I think. The fact is, you know, we've recently discussed, or we have discussed with regards to uh, customs and people altering things and, you know, whether or not they'd be allowed on Facebook pages even. No customs, no customs. How are these? You know, these were completely changed vintage carry cases, but for a good purpose. Yeah, they were for charity. And when you look at Star Wars Collector's Archive, they say that these carry cases are everywhere. In fact, you know, the, uh, who was it who wrote this one? Um, but people are just saying that they, they've it's pretty much mandated that you are to own one of these by law in some areas of West Virginia. Uh, and people are just saying that everyone had one of these. So maybe it's because there's so, so many out there that people felt that it was absolutely the right thing to do to, to change these and to modify them, but to turn them into such a charity, charity event at Anaheim was brilliant. But whilst we're talking about modifying or improvements, lads, so here we go. We've got the Darth Vader carry case and, um, You've discussed what you'd like to do to them. But with regards to the the Vader one, what improvements could you do if you went back to the Kenner drawing board now, saying, right, okay, so we've got these catches here, these catches break a little bit, but plain black, 31 figures. The reason, obviously, which we haven't said yet, the 31 is because one of the compartments is closed for accessories. But what improvements would you make? And let's go for reverse order. So, Pete, I'm going to put you straight on the spot now, son. What improvements would you give to this Vader one? I well, it depends if you want vintage improvements or modern vintage improvements. But um, I think as cheese is if you have all the fig- if you have all the figure spots complete, so you've got figs in there, then 
Its eyes could light up and you can make a Darth Vader breathing sound when you close the case. That'd be quite cool. Let me look on you with my own eyes. Oh, a couple of improvements there. You might have stolen someone else's sandwiches. But So, illuminating eyes, light-up eyes and Darth Vader sound. Right, so... Only when the case is complete and it's shut. Oh, so some sort of artificial intelligence. Um, so it recognises... Oh, no. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be difficult as long as a bit of weight in each one would be fantastic. So some built built in scales then, um with a, a computer chip yeah. that recognises weights given for figures and stuff like that. Excellent. You know, as long as something, something touching it, it'd be fine, it'd be easy. Okay, something touches easy it. Easy Right, okay, brilliant. Okay, so I, I am on the Kenner Kenner board and I'm I'm liking your ideas, so we need some sort of touching going on. And we need uh, weights, and we need some sort of primitive uh, artificial intelligence. Right, okay, brilliant. Still five pounds with six uh, vouchers. Right, okay, let's go over to Simon now. Thank you very much for that. Um, Peter. Uh, I wouldn't aim quite as high as Pete. What I'd probably go with is moving the hinge from the bottom to a really strong hinge on the side. So, as Rich says... All your figures don't fly out when you try and close the bloody thing. It closes like a book rather than a, you know, Darth Vader carry case. Excellent. You sound like a very practical man. And a practical man <laughs> needs the rebel transport in his life. So, no, I like that practicality. <laughs> I like the practicality. So we're going to go straight over to... Oh, who went first last time? Was it Rich or was it Stu? It was so long ago. I'm going to go to Stu because I think it was Stu is, is next in the list. I'll tell you what would be quite good. I don't know whether they could work some sort of mechanism, but when it's full and it closes, his eyes light up and maybe there's some breathing sound. Well, Stu is on form tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. Um, I'd probably, I don't really know. I think that's really, as far as it goes, maybe some at-at legs. Um, <laughs> failing that. Okay. What would pop out when you put the figures in? It's all full of it. <laughs> yeah. at legs. legs. Interesting. Free light side. Right, okay. So, Richard, come on, mate, you can hold this together. What improvements would you make to this carry case? Or can you improve perfection? Because you love it so much. A couple of simple improvements that they could have made. Instead of having that thin strip of plastic so the figures fell out from the bottom, they could have made that just a wider piece of plastic so that the figures couldn't physically fall out from the bottom at all. So that that would have been a very, very simple design that would have uh, saved that. A couple of things I remember as a kid... When you had the Jedi figures, and especially some of the longer weapons, they didn't fit in the little weapon accessory pack, which was a shame. And I, I'm not sure if some of the taller figures, like IG-88, fit in, them, fit in there too well either. And perhaps, I know you had some smaller areas where you could put a Yoda or a Snaggletooth or a Jawa, but perhaps having you know more areas that were different sizes so that you could fit the figures in. Or something a bit like, you know, the trays that came on the on the Jedi card backs, perhaps some of the trays that the figures could fit into. There are lots of diff- different things that they could have done. But the, the most obvious one is just a, th- a thicker strip of plastic just to hold the figures in place. Yeah, fair points, mate. I'm, now I'm looking at mine. I'm looking at the one which I've got out. What I do like about this is it tells a story almost of collecting from a child's point of view because, yep, they come with a whole sheet of different 
figures, don't they? So you, you actually then put on the stickers related to the figures which you've got. So they've each got a home. So I can see, all right, so this kid was a real Luke Skywalker fan because, he, you know, he had pretty much every Luke which is available. He liked some droids. But you can see what figures they were after and, and what figures that they were going for. Mine is very much an Empire Strikes Back era. There's not much Jedi on this at all. Uh, however, you're absolutely right with regards to the strip holding them in. But maybe that's from an aesthetic point of view. If you had a thicker strip, you wouldn't be able to see as much of the figure. But after all, it's a carry case, it's not a display case. So, uh, no, I am inclined to completely agree with you on that, Rich. And, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one about the weapons, because I think it was only, as you say, as the line developed that they started getting the much, much longer ones. I mean, certainly you wouldn't get the uh, Leah Bush weapon in there, would you? Um, so, um, yeah, OK, nice one. From my point of view, though, it's just a bit bland on the outside, it's just, it is very dark. You might say, well, Jez, come on, Darth Vader is dark. But yes, the eyes, there's no colour in it whatsoever. And there could be something else. But could there? I'm quite a tactile person, guys. I like to touch. And maybe there could be some sort of cape. A little bit of a cape just over the shoulders or what have you. Who knows? But I think all round, it's not too bad. It's not a rebel transport. but But it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back action figures, each sold separately. Here's Imperial TIE Fighter pilots, AT-AT commanders, and Zuckus, all new. And this is the Darth Vader collector's case. It holds up to 31. There's room for new C-3PO, Cloud Car Pilot, and R2-D2 with sensor scopes. You can collect them, display them, and carry them with you. Darth Vader collector's case. Action figures each sold separately. From Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Um, does anybody remember seeing on Facebook about a year ago, maybe 18 months ago, I think it was a store exclusive as in to one store because the manager in the dying days of Star Wars had decided to, right, let's start bundling stuff together. And it was a Darth Vader carry case. And I think they'd been taped onto it, but there were at least two Power of the Force last 17 figures strapped with it. Ooh. Was there some kind of notice on it, Rich, or was it literally they'd been taped onto the thing and it was just a price to sell kind of thing? Can you remember? I think they were just taped on, but you know what? This is going to be another one of those Canadian things, isn't it? We're not checking on the Canadian website. It wasn't Canadian. No, no, no. It, it wasn't, was it? Not? I'm pretty sure it was one of the big stores. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't KB, but it was Walmart or something like that. Uh, so it was, it was stateside rather than... Uh, Canada. Um, so I uh, I can't remember the details exactly. I think the conclusion was it had been done by an enterprising store manager to shift stock, but it did look pretty cool. And was it was it only two or was it more? I've got a feeling it may have even been more figures. It was it was the kind of bundle that you just go wow if only. Oh, nice one. So are you going to see if you can find find some images of that? I don't know if you'll be able to. Mate. Facebook is impossible, isn't it? Yeah. It's impossible. I, you're a member of 47,000 different groups and no way of searching across them. I will have a little Google as we chat, but I, I am not even going to bother looking on Facebook. Or we could but just ask our me. listeners as well. Who's, who's going to be the yes. first to the prize? Come on, put a post on there. You've heard what Sai said. Is it out there? Show us some images. Anything else you want to... Um, Anything else you've seen with regards to uh, Darth Vader's carry case, which takes you fancy? 
Well, yeah, I think we talked about the C-3PO a long time ago when there was that shot, and I think it was Gus Lopez's photograph, where there were seven or eight different colours as a C-3PO carry case. But there were also some Darth Vader carry case um, pre-production or prototype items as well. And the one that really intrigues me is the one that's cast in white marble. And I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's a really, really nice one. I'd love to have that. There's probably only a handful of them exist, but there's a cracking photo of that on the Star Wars Collectors Archive. And there were also two gold versions, but one of the gold versions, I think, is on the SWCA as being more so the C-3PO prototype because it's where they were testing the VAC metal on the Darth Vader carry case ready for the C-3PO. But the other one is a dull gold metal, and that one's also a nice image as well, but it's not as nice as that white marble one. I don't know much about the dull gold metal one, and perhaps it's just whatever plastic that they had in the day, they were just pumping it out. I don't know if the dull gold one was actually a pre-test for the C-3PO or, or whether it was actually designed as being something that they were just painting to get the, the Darth Vader one out. But that white marble one is fantastic. It's really nice. It's a shame that they didn't run some of those off. It could be C-3PO pre-oil bath, because as you know, yeah. C-3PO yeah, beginning be. of New Hope, very dull. C-3PO after the X-Wings of blown up the death star really really shiny buffed up like a trooper so um yeah cheers rich nice one peter did you have any market stuff on this mate i know i didn't ask you any specific questions i didn't want to cut you off as quick there mate well yeah there's not anything on tracker but uh, if you look on ebay and if you look around the forums and stuff these things do tend to come up reasonably regularly but um um, i assume the worst point not on tracker is the fact that you don't really know what you're kind of getting with quality because it's all you know the, the, the labels can be missing, the could be little nicks and knacks and all sorts of bits falling off and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems to sort of average around about, I mean, I mean, I just, I just saw one that went re- recently for like a tenner. And then you see ones in good condition for around about the 40 to 60 pound mark. And then of course, if it's with the packaging, you're talking, you know, 100, you know, 100, 150, 200, depending what, which version it is, which one it is. So, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be particularly, you know, no one can really put the thumb on a price, but um, you can certainly get a loose one quite easily. It doesn't seem to be a, a tremendous lot at the moment on eBay UK. It seems to be sitting there, loose ones for for silly money, really, you know, £75, £50, and they don't look in that great condition. So um, I think just by the time they're, they're always going to come up, you'll see them at shows, you'll see them all over the place if you want to buy one. I might pick one up if I see one for like, you know, 15 quid in a reasonable condition but the uh, the packaging doesn't really bother me personally well the packaging on the uh cheers for that mate the uh packaging on the darth Darius is one which he's shown on star wars forum uk it is mint is absolutely stunning but yeah you're right i'm pretty sure if we were to go to the next farthest from you could probably pick up one of these for between yeah 10 15 quid easy i would have thought the one i've got is battered the uh the actual hinges are working great but it is really scratched and gouged to hell but it's uh, I would say it needs to be in everyone's collector. And if you don't have one of these, then um, you really, really got to question whether or not you are a true Star Wars fan. That nearly wraps up our uh, look at the Star Wars Darth Vader carry case. We're going to go over to the Vintage Rebellion Alliance to see what they've got to say. Because there's so many fantastic things on the Star Wars collector's archives. Who knows what we're now going to learn? And you are part of the Rebel Alliance. Hello everyone, this is Chris Jorgulius with another Vintage Alliance segment. 
Today I'm going to talk about the Darth Vader carrying case. Uh, I don't think anybody needs an introduction to that. They seem to be at every show, uh, online, you see them all over the place. And it's just a testament to how popular it was back in the day when it was made. The first time it was released was in 1980, and the big claim to fame was that it held 31 figures, which is the debut number of figures at that point. So their original carrying case only held 24 figures. So they definitely needed something at the time to market to carry your complete collection, and the Vader case was it. Now, unfortunately, the design to actually carry the figures was pretty lousy. I think everybody knows as soon as you closed it up and held it vertically, you'd hear figures drop down through the inside. So I think it was a good idea. Uh, it wasn't executed well enough. It definitely kept all your figures and weapons inside. It's just when you open it up, you didn't really know exactly where everything might be. The uh, Probably the, most, the biggest claim to fame on that one is that there was two versions of it that came with special figures included. These were figures in little baggies, and they added those in to, to promote sales. The first one that they did like that was uh, a version that had Darth Vader, Yoda, and Luke Bespin as the figures. And a lot of times these people call them, uh, collectors refer to them as a special offer cases. And I don't think it was technically part of the special offer program. I don't, because it wasn't in the department store programs, I don't believe. Anyway, quite popular with collectors. Harder to find than the normal case, obviously. After that first version they released a second version of the case with a bounty hunter theme. So the figures included there were Boba Fett, IG-88, and Bosk. And that one's especially popular with collectors. Uh, the group of figures is you know, probably a, a better grouping in terms of uh, coolness factor. And the fact that it comes in the Vader case uh, is a pretty sweet combination. The graphics on the sleeve look great. And overall, it's probably the most difficult one to find. Um, certainly the sleeve is the main attractor. Um, if you can find one with the, with the baggies in it, even better. Sometimes people will, re, will reassemble them. Uh, they'll buy the bagged figures separately and uh, bundle it together. Um, but either way, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool grouping. And as I mentioned before, the, the case was incredibly popular with kids. It was sold from 1980 up, up through 1984, and it seems like every other kid must have had these things because you see these Vader cases all the time. And I think one reason it was popular is because it held a lot of figures, and it was a lower price point than, than the um, traditional little suitcase style case. Uh, that's because you know it's just one big piece of plastic with a, a few plastic straps in it. And uh, it was quite quite a bit easier to produce than the than the vinyl carrying case. Just like the vinyl carrying case, the Darth Vader case also had a cardboard insert inside, uh, showing showing the uh, collection of figures. And uh, as I mentioned, there's a cardboard sleeve around it. These cases were not shrink wrapped; uh, they were just had the cardboard sleeve on uh, plain plastic. And that sort of led into. The next case that Kenner released after the Vader case, which was a C-3PO case, and that created its own set of challenges, 
And those challenges were really highlighted for the first time, I think, for all collectors was back in 1992 when Steve Sansweet released his book from Star Wars from Concept to Screen to Collectible. Because on the cover, you saw a gold Darth Vader. And most people at the time, even including myself, uh, did not know what that was. And, and after reading inside, they, Steve goes on to explain that the gold case was a prototype for the C-3PO case. Now what Kenner did was, since they had the, the Vader case tooled up, they wanted to experiment and see what they could do to create a gold version because the C-3PO case would be almost identical. So one of the things they tried was just making the, ga- the, the case out of gold plastic, um, which is pretty dull. And there are prototypes around that are just plain dull gold plastic. Um, probably more exciting is when you find the gold metalized versions. Uh, those cases have been found over black plastic, over like a white plastic and a marbly white plastic as well as gold so i say that probably one of the coolest combinations is the gold metallization over the gold plastic also it was rumored in the 1990s that there were actually fake gold cases um, that apparently were gold metallized over the black vader case i never saw anything like that uh, it'd be interesting to see one that's touted as fake. I'm not sure if that was just collector lore. Um, I don't think if if it was made, it wasn't rampant. And I don't know a lot of people with gold Vader cases anyway. So I'm not sure how much truth there is to that story. Uh, but I can say the reason they did make those gold cases uh, was probably it was multifold. Uh, one of the ways was one of the reasons they did it was to see how well the metallization stuck to the plastic and they needed to see how well it adhered uh, so they could do some tests they, they did uh, shipping tests where they'd make those gold cases and then they'd ship them around to distribution centers and, and bring them back to Kenner and see how much they got dinged around and uh, as most collectors know they ultimately shrink wrap those cases which added a layer of protection for shipping uh, it was pretty pretty tough in terms of Kid usage, but that's that's one reason that they they made those things just to test that gold. I think um, most of those were done at a facility in Ohio. Most of the gold carrying case, most of the gold Vader cases, I think pretty much all of them, they'll have broken hinges, and that's not damage. It's they actually separated them at the hinges so they could use a smaller um, sort of tabletop to do their metallization, so it fit in their tooling. So. If you see one of those and the hinges are broken at the bottom, it, it's on purpose. It's not actual damage. The The design of, of the head was popular enough that Just Toys created a Vader carrying case for their Bendham's toy line in 1993. Uh, upon first glance, it seems like it's the Kenner case, but you know it's, it's their own design. And it is different when you compare them side to side. But when you see a loose one... It's not always immediately apparent that it's the, the Bendham's case, but they were proud enough of that case that they had it as a centerpiece on their card back. So that was, a, I don't know how well it held Bendham's actually. Maybe Dave Tree could help us out with that one. I'll leave it to him to, 
to let us know that. Um, I can say that Hasbro seemed to release the case in 2005. It came with a couple of figures. Um, not quite as coveted as you know the special offer of figures in 1981. But they re-released that case. So, And I guess it was their prerogative. They sort of owned the uh, intellectual property on that. An interesting... Uh, a couple of prototypes that I've seen uh, Vader case that are much less known. There is uh, exists a like a two inch thick or inch and a half thick piece of wood that's cut out to the shape of the Vader case. It's like a mahogany wood, and uh, all the detail is sketched on with pencil as sort of uh, like a quick version to refer you know so you could show it to somebody. It's got a little bit of weight to it, just so that they could show off the the scale and sort of the general idea and how much detail that we're going to show on that. Um, so that's an interesting piece, pretty much completely handmade. And But probably one of the coolest ones that I've seen is a red Darth Vader carrying case. And why they chose red is because this case was made as a sample down in the Kenner basement. And at the time, they were doing prototyping for strawberry shortcake at the same time so they had a lot of red plastic so they shot that red plastic and they made a red Darth Vader case and it's incredibly striking uh, there's a little bit of black swirled into it I'm not sure that there's even photos online of that case uh, but it exists it's real and it's it's really interesting you know it's I guess you know it, the only way it could be, could be cooler is if somehow they had mixed in the strawberry uh, shortcake fragrance into it but um, anyway I digress and going backwards a little bit in time uh, in 2007 at Celebration 4 in Los Angeles there was an art exhibit debut at the convention it was called the Vader Project and uh, artists were giving were given uh, replica Darth Vader helmets to you know, reinterpret and and to expand on the look of Vader and to do whatever they wanted and it was an incredibly popular uh, project. It 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 lived on for many years after that, and sort of as a as a nod to that, in 2015 for Celebration Anaheim, the collecting track uh, had their own similar project. They called it was called the Vader Case Project, and it was a, a charity fundraiser. Uh, around two dozen cases were distributed to fans and artists and people you know who who volunteered and there were some really incredible designs made they were on display at the collecting track area and on the final day the uh all the cases were auctioned off for charity so i encourage you to look online there are photos of that if you search Vader case project there's some real interesting creative um, work shown there. Anyway, I think that about does it. I think talking for some 12 minutes now about the Darth Vader case is probably about 10 minutes too long. So I hope you learned a lot, and I will catch you next time on the next Vintage Alliance segment. Take care. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. Chris, that is unbelievable. A strawberry shortcake, red one. Mate, that, that, 
can we get images? Oh, to get an image of that strawberry shortcake, red Darth Vader helmet. That, that's just blown my mind. Mate, thank you so much. Every month, you guys, you, Ron, the, the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance, you guys help us out so much. We really appreciate it. You, you guys are the best. Thank you. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. So there we go, lads. Star Wars Collector's Carry Case. Now after this, are we all going to get one? Or is Simon going to go in and say, right, no, I don't want the carry case. Jez is right. I'm off to get the Rebel Transport. Simon, over to you, mate. How's it going to go for you? Give me the Vader carry case any day of the week. Okay, so that just wraps about that one. <laughs> Thanks so much for your involvement. It seems, wow, that was such a quick new acquisitions because it's only been about two weeks, three weeks since we recorded our last one. But let's just see if we can go for a Facebook heavy one next month. Come on, let's get out there and let's see people start tagging if there's something which you really love us to look at in next month new acquisitions until then thanks very much lads Welcome to Beyond the Newest Acquisitions. The Darth Vader carry case is what we've just had a very interesting discussion on. So, that kind of leaves me a bit of a problem, because if we talk about other carry cases, it'll be reasonably interesting. So, I thought, if you talk about Darth Vader items, that could go on for the rest of our lives, because there's so much of it. So I gave the guys a bit of a, a, bit of a task. So I have asked them to get out there, find me a bizarre or what I've said is off-kilter Darth Vader item. Um, it can be an official item. It should be a licensed version. But if it's really, really cool, I'll let you off. Now, I'm going to compare this against an item I have asked the leading expert and collector of Darth Vader items, Bill McBride. I asked him for his most obscure item in his vintage collection of Darth Vader items. So I'm going to compare it to that. So it's got a, it's, in my mind, it's got a better that. So who shall I start with? Can I just say, first of all, Pete, there's no way we're going to better someone who collects Darth Vader, <laughs> who's got tens of thousands of items of Darth Vader, by finding anything. Stu, there is a caveat to this. It's my opinion that matters here. And you don't know what he's picked either. See, what his obscurity could be may not be what I enjoyed. So I've asked for his, and I'm going to ask for yours. See how creative you could get, because... I have seen Richards, and it's damn good. So, Richard, we might as well start with you then. What on earth have you just shown me? Yeah, Pete, so I've sent a video from Saya Revzi, who has recently been on Stephen Danley's Star Wars at the Movies podcast, and that was an interesting listen. If anybody wants to go and check that out, on Star Wars in Belgium. But it was a, a 10 to 15 minute video of <laughs> two Mexican guys who talked about this absolutely insane Darth Vader uh, focus collector who lives in Mexico. The video is in Spanish, but there are subtitles in there. 
and the first three or four minutes will just blow your mind. This guy's got Harbard Vedas, he's got Meccano Vedas, he's got Leddy Vedas, he's got Sakura Vedas, Palatoy Vedas. <laughs> I was just watching it, I can't believe it. This is a stunning focus collection. And they spend, they spend three or four minutes going through the action figures, and then they move to other licensed products, and they, they go eventually they go right the way through to bootlegs and and modern items and all that kind of stuff. But the vintage items are clearly where his passion is. And as I was watching that video, the the guy who was interviewing asked him a question, and he said, "Show me something that's you know really fascinating." And he picked up this item, which I've just put in our um, text chat there which was described as a Darth Vader egg. <laughs> and it's just, it's just absolutely bonkers. It's Darth Vader, which looks like it's got a grin like the Cheshire Cat um, from Alice in Wonderland. And he has a blue vest on with the silver boots. And I, I'm not sure if the Vader itself is silver or whether that's just faded or it's bad lighting. What's really intriguing, though, is actually what's missing. Because in his right hand, he looks as though he's got a lightsaber across his chest. But in the left hand, where his hand's clenched, there's a hole in the top. And what was supposed to go in that hole is a small flag that had a message on that said, I love you. <laughs> and <laughs> this product <laughs> found absolutely nothing on it or the company. And the guy himself doesn't know a lot about it. This product was made in 1977 from a company called Mylon Creations. And I spent quite a bit of time trying to find out about Mylon Creations, and I found absolutely zilch. I think it's possible that Mylon is some kind of PVC plastic. Uh, so perhaps it's just creations made from this kind of plastic. But it's it's actually, it, it is a vintage item. It's inscribed 1977 on the bottom of it. And it's 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 wonderful. It's absolutely brilliant. It reminds us of something like uh, a computer game. Is it like Dizzy Egg or something like that? Is it, what's it called? Dizzy Egg or Dizzy? It, it does remind me of some kind of character from a computer game, but I haven't quite put me, me finger to it. So, so that's my item for submission. Wacky. To, to be yeah. fair, Rich, that, that, that would be a really good Gimcrack entry. <laughs> but, it's, it's better than me Gimcrack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know what, I think, I hope if Bill listens to this, <laughs> I wonder if he's got that, because that is ridiculous. I'm sure he has, but it's just bizarre. Let's go on to the next one. I like it, Rich, it's good. It's very Darth Vader, sort of. I think, um, well, Stu's been chomping at the bit, so we'll go with Simon next. It's one of the very many Darth Vader phones that you can get, because they've done them for, well, as long as Darth Vader's been about, haven't they? And this was a 1983 one, and there's various things that I like about it. It's the, is this ATC? Okay, you seen one of these before? Yeah, we, we discussed this at quite a while back in newest acquisitions. But yeah, it's a corking piece, like. It's cool. great. It's got the um, the red Vader image in the background, which you see on some of the Revenge posters, the sort of teasers that came out, and then the changes to Return. And it's it's a pretty good sculpted Darth at the end of the day. And I just love the way that even though it's eighty three, it's almost Back to the Future type buttons on the on the phone itself. They're just they're so retro it hurts. But yeah, just a bit of a fun piece. It is, it is, it is a really nice piece. I said we we discuss it in quite well, there's not much depth to it to be fair. It's, it's kind of like a, a bit of a weird one off because the company made them had a sort of like a short license for a variety of models of various films and T V series and and then now they just kinda of make Disney ones. But uh, yeah, it's I mean the fact that we yeah, we, we don't use phones anymore or we hardly use phones anymore, it just goes to show that how quickly those sort of things look so so ancient when it's actually it's actually a really nice piece. 
Right, Stu, I've been waiting for this because I know you have gone through that book. You've gone through the Tomark Guide and you've got to find us some beauties. Do you know what? We, we, we say about obscure things, Vader is on everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's be honest about it. He is on everything. He is. But things that really stand out to me that are a bit, bit odd, well, not a lot. He's, there's a lot of lovely things with him on, but oddities. I can't get near someone like Richards, but I don't believe that's licensed. <laughs> and the Vader telephone, which which size brought up, is a, is a great item, and it has a great, great box. I think the box really yeah. sets that thing off. Um, I went through it, and I was a bit, oh, I like that, I like that, but nothing that really blew my mind. I love the cake tin. Uh-huh. I love to bake a cake in the shape of Darth Vader's head. Um, but the only two things that I thought, oh, I really like that, and I can't put an image up for this because I cannot find an image online, but in the Tomark Guide oh. is the, um, the coat hooks, the individual coat hooks. What page is that? Um, it's on 98. So you've got Darth Vader. He's standing up, and he's just got his fist out in front of him. Um, oh, yeah. You know, with his arm, arm at a right angle, and that is a coat hook. So it hangs things on. They've also got three PO with his fist out, an Emperor's Royal Guard with his fist out, and Boba <laughs> Fett holding his gun and the gun being the coat hook. I love that. That's brilliant. I cannot find it anywhere on the net. Can't find it on the archive. I can't find it anywhere. And how are you going to share that? I have no idea. But so that is a great, great item. Japanese. Adam Joseph, though, the maker, which is obviously quite a big US company when it comes to Star Wars. The only other thing that really jumped out to me. Again, in the, in the time I've got, Pete, if you've got it open, go to I page have. 150. I'm going there now. And that, these are from China. <laughs> these rubber figures, which I've never oh seen before. Oh, my word. What are those? You see to myself, the left, so you've got Wicket, R2, Chewbacca, a Stormtrooper in Yoda, and Darth Vader. <laughs> um, and they, it just says they are D-rubber figures from China with different paint wow. jobs. But Vader looks very shiny. I'd like to try to bring that up and get a picture of that, but We've got the same problem here. I can't find an image of it online. Are they licensed? Yeah, well, they're in the Tomarts Guide. So yeah, it looks no... like it, yeah. They are corkers. Licensed Chinese products. Perhaps, actually, me saying that they're from China, perhaps these... Made in China. ...fall just outside of the... Because it does follow on from the Star Tours items, so possibly maybe outside of the vintage line. Still, but, still, um, there's, um, that is... They are bizarre. It's almost like pre-Bendems, proto-Bendems. I wonder if they yeah, bend. they do like a dodgy Bendem, don't they? <laughs> a Bendem that doesn't bend. <laughs> it, is, it is hard. Darth Vader items are so... It, there was so much of it. What Bill sent me... Now, I was a bit surprised. I was a little bit surprised at what he sent me. This is actually a Darth Vader beer. <laughs> it's a premium beer. He doesn't know which license. In fact, there's very little information about it. But the fact that it was a beer and it's labelled probably suggests that somewhere someone had a <laughs> someone had a thought about licensing something because um, you'd probably be hard pressed to get away with that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a massive can of beer either. Um, it's quite a small can of beer. Obviously, Americans don't like drinking much. But um, yeah, have you all seen that, guys? Yeah, I've never seen it. Before. Yeah, no, I've never seen it before. But it's what an item. Really nice. So just to just describe what this can looks like, it's got Darth Vader in one font, then lives in another font underneath. It's quite a narrow can. It's about half the size of what it looks like. A double A AA or triple A battery. It's not massive. Um, it says premium beer on it, 12 fluid ounces, and it's got uh, Darth Vader with a very sort of a sparkly reflection in his eyes. 
So I don't know whether he's watching the Death Star being blown up or um, he's watching something being blown up. I don't know, but um, it's kind of like a, a black and white image. It's not um, not particularly high art, but hey, someone made some beer and that's a good thing with me. I mean, so Bill really doesn't have a great deal of information about it. In fact, he doesn't have anything about it. He just knows that it got made. But you know what? Stu, I really like your coat hanger more. <laughs> me too, Nick, me too. And um, Skinner doesn't rhyme with winner for no reason. And now the top five priced Darth Vader mocks with Darth Vader carry case images on the back, according to StarWarsTracker.com. At five, Darth Vader's original costume was supposed to be pink with polka dots, but they ran out of time, so it remained black. It's a Kenner ESB31B for £136. In a four, why did Darth Vader cross the road? To get to the dark side, of course. It's a Kenner ESB41B for £260. Holding at three, George Lucas wisely cut out a musical number between Tarkin and Darth when they found Peter Cushing had a non-singing clause in his contract. It's a Kenner ESB41D for £269. At two, if you lined up all the Darth Vader vintage action figures ever produced head to feet, you'd have enough maybe to cover the distance from Swansea to Carlisle. It's a Kenner ESB32B for £275. In at one, nobody questioned the Emperor's love of putting his number one into a leather outfit in a sweaty dungeon. What aren't you telling us, Palpy? It's a clipper, Return of the Jedi 78, for £807. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. I've got to say, guys, for Gimcrack this month, I've already pre-seen Simon's. It's going to be very hard to beat. The challenge is there because I tagged you, didn't I, mate? You did, did it? I couldn't stop I laughing about half an hour. Spoiled the fun of it, really, because <laughs> I, I think it's the best thing I've ever seen. But anyway, just see. just a caveat on it, though. I'm mm. laughing because I love it. I'm not laughing because I'm taking the Mickey out of it. No, because, absolutely not. Yeah. No, no, no. It's too good for that. So it's, it's for the person, good. the person who put it out there, because it's a very personal item to somebody. I yeah. think it's it's just wonderful. Did anyone else see David Howard's post in the Imperial <laughs> Commissary? I got in touch with them and just said, look, can you tell me a little bit more about them? Because I think they are absolutely... And what do you see? Look at that. Oh, it was posted beautiful. one week ago today. 218 people are like in love with them. He was telling me he grew up in... Uh, was it Texas? I've got... Yeah, a small town in Texas he grew up in. And they were very slow at getting the original release of figures in the shops, because he said he was mostly surrounded by five and dimes, and they just weren't shops that were stocking them. So to fill the gap, he made his own. And these figures are just <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. He told me he used scrap pieces of wood, a hacksaw, and five paint colours, and it would take him a couple of days, so not constantly working, but a couple of days on and off, to make each figure. And the the very best part is when they did eventually get the figures in stock in store and he went out and he was allowed to buy the odd one here and there. He didn't, he didn't just get rid of these. These were involved in the play still with the official license stuff. So he still used them 
to uh, to mess about with. And he said they never ended up in the closet. Basically, they they from after that they lived on his shelf because he liked them. And I think that's brilliant. They are they're, they're just awesome. I mean, I mean, who is the guy on the right hand side of the green trousers? That's he is confusing me slightly. I think I think three PO is my favourite. I mean, he's done. Yeah, the level of detail in the drawing of the the body is excellent. Especially at the time, you didn't. You wouldn't have had a lot of reference material. Remember, I remember not hardly having anything. I think I had a book, one book, and it was trying to get that sort of detail. That's brilliant. Ben Kenobi, he's looking a bit green. What happened to him? He is a bit, but you know, uh, maybe it sun bleached his robes on. <laughs> or maybe uh, he. Because I mean, there's not a lot of brown. I mean, you'd have thought Luke's trousers would have probably gone brown, but maybe use a bit of his brown and red on. Well, and so exactly. his jacket. Maybe he didn't have brown. He said he yeah. had like five colours. But these these are awesome. I mean, just just to go over people who can't see this picture straight off. There's a there's a beautiful Darth. There's a with so he's all black and he's got you know to to distinguish between his bits and bobs. And you've got a white outline inside. You've got someone we think might be Tarkin. Not quite sure, but it, it looks good. R two D two C T P O. Ben Kenobi in a green cloak. A really good Luke. Fantastic Luke. Big hair as well. And uh, Ham looking really mean. He's got his he's got his arm out. And he's got a massive gun. <laughs> it's enormous. <laughs> it's like a gun off the Falcon. He's just he's just taken it off and he's going around shooting people with it. It is just a wonderful, wonderful evocation of childhood. But let me just read you what he's written. Hi Simon, thanks for reaching out. No one helped me with them. I just really wanted figures, and at the time there weren't any in our stores. We weren't well off, so any toys were a luxury at the time. I had these quite a while until actual figures showed up in store. I continued to play with these alongside the other ones, and they always had a place on my shelf in my room. I could never part with these, so I guess that's why I still have them. I'm an artist and have been since I was a child. I made all sorts of toys and things when I was a kid. I'm still that way. I'm currently building a Star Wars-themed Space City playset for me and my nine-year-old daughter to play with our newer figures. She's a big fan and actually has gotten me back into Star Wars. I've always collected old toys and have a lot of mine since childhood. Sadly, I sold my Star Wars figures but kept these. So look at that. He's even sold his proper toys, but he's kept these all the way along. You'll never get these, but I wish I'd kept some of the stuff I made and... You know, but it's all, I mean, it all fell apart. But uh, I'd have loved to have kept some of the drawings and stuff that I did as a kid. Um, I would have just cherished them now. You're thinking, oh my goodness, but, you know, they get tossed away. And David, oh, we should get him on. This is brilliant. I love it. I, I, it'd be great, wouldn't it, just to hear more about uh, growing up in small town Texas whilst yeah. whilst uh, the films were out. And, yeah, what else? What other creations? I want to hear about the space station. Yeah. Sorry, the space city playset set oh. now creating. I wonder if it's from that... Woman's, uh, that woman's magazine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. if it is, it'd be awesome. David, get in touch. Well, we'll be in touch with you. I'm going to stalk you. That has a very strong item, Sam. Very, very strong indeed. That's going to be very hard to beat. <laughs> so, let's go to Richard. See what happens. He's moaning already. Richard, what have you got for my game crack this month? Yeah, so I've sent you the front and back of mm-hmm. an image of a document that Bruce White's recently purchased Ooh. and I put on Stars Volume UK in the latest acquisitions thread on page, I better check this, 2246. He's put on there, one of the first items I had as a kid with the, the free premiums in food products, for example, the cards and the Wonder Bread, and the free posters in the General Mill cereals. This is probably my favourite of those posters. It's not so much of a poster, and this is why I put a forward as a game crack. It's in 
it's really more of an ad for Kenna products and he's put sneaky sneaky GM I think it's outrageously cheeky of what GM have done so to describe it on one side of the poster you have Darth Vader looking there in their standard Hildebrand pose with R2 and C3PO um, in the background and then on the, the left hand side of that same side you've got Lots and lots of adverts, things like the Death Star Space Station, um, the three and three quarter injection figures, some dolls and toys from other ranges. And then on the other side of it, you've got a scene where Vader is dueling with Ben and Luke Leia Han, R2, C3PO, and Chewbacca are rushing to get onto the Falcon as the stormtroopers are, you know, firing at them and leaving Ben to deal with Vader. And you've got yet more adverts for Kenner products. There's a there's a treehouse in there. There's other Star Wars plush toys and toys from other ranges as well. And I, I just think it's the sheer cheek and the audacity of General Mills to do this on a poster or something that's designed for children to colour in, designed for children to pin up on the wall. Uh, that's why I put it forward. That picture you, you, you described on the other side, I mean, that, that is, that's for colouring in. And it's, it's what is that? Is that a... What's that, about A1 in size each bit? I mean, that's huge. It, it is big. I, 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 I'm not sure if it's that size, but yes, it, it is a big, big thing. I mean, it looks enormous. might be bigger. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd have been colouring that, that thing on the on the reverse side in, Rich. I'd have been sitting there all day colouring that in. That is asking <laughs> yeah. to be colouring, but you'd have probably ruined the post on the other side, though, sadly. Yeah, with, with your felt tips, that would run out of the, <laughs> you know, three lanes. If it's if, the kind of felt tips you had back then. If I, barrels, barrel pen, pen tips mm-hmm. and felt tips. Like it, Rich. Really like that. I mean, I mean, it's probably a better latest acquisition because it is it's a corking at that post. I love that Hildebrand post. I really do like that so much. It's such a great, great image. Like it, Rich. Ooh, I like it. It's it's strongish. Simon's is very strong though. And so let's go over to Stuart because he's got three items for me this month. Well, I'm not giving you all three in one month. Okay. I'm going to completely open up to you here. I am devastated right now. I feel really at a loss because <laughs> I don't think I can beat Simon's item. Oh. And I, I, it really upsets me that he's <laughs> going to win his gimcrack. crack. You I wouldn't actually, actually feel... want to beat that item, though, would you? You'd feel guilty no, if you beat you know that what? item. Do you know what? Right, so this, this is exactly what's just happened while Richard was talking. I changed my mind what I'm putting forward this month because I do have a really good item Ooh. which I'm going to put for next month, but I've also just purchased it. So next <laughs> month, not only will I have the winning, I will also own the little bugger. Let's see what you boys can do. Um, so this month, I'm just going to go with my least favourite of the three, but I still like it. It's licensed. Oh, licensed. From the 1970s. Um, it's a Japanese item. And it is a complete set of Menko cards. So these Menko cards are, um, it's, it's 12 inches tall and it has lots of images going down it. Now, most of them aren't Star Wars. Um, if I don't really know what's going on in any of them, but the bottom right image has a very strange looking Chewbacca. He looks more like cross between, um, cross between Bungle and, uh, and I don't know, and my dog, I suppose. Um, 3PO's half orange, <laughs> with red eyes, and, and R2 is just like, 
His dome's not the size of his body. But um, I thought it was a great image when I came across that, and I was like, oh, tempted to buy that. Um, but then I saw the price of it. As with the other items, does anyone know what's going on? <laughs> My dear. There's a bloke holding a baseball. It says Japanese, yeah, because the Japanese are crazy for baseball. It's You've like got a... Godzilla on there. Is that Godzilla? Yeah. On the very top left. Yeah. And, and in the middle left as well. You've got those robots, which I can't remember the name of the Japanese robots now. Um, it's, it's like their version of the Iron Giant. The, the Chewbacca is immense. The artist got a little bit of the whole droid thing going. Yeah, it used to bend around a little bit, you know, kind of be a bit bendy. So that, but uh, C-3PO is very kind of metropolis looking almost. In that vein with the big shoulder pads and the kind of like detailed neck and stuff. But yeah, I'm not, that's, that's good, it, Stu. That's a... That's a Alright, Jez. Sorry, let's go to you last, Jez. Come on, you got to... Let's see if you can end with a bang this month. So, Jez, bring forth your gimcrack and put it under my nose. Well, Pete, here you go. This is my gimcrack. Because gimcrack could kind of be like gimcrack. I discovered this on eBay. Odd Darth Vader type mask. Star Wars scary rubber mask. Gimp creepy. And this has been sold. And to me, it's... Uh, it's very much something Zed might own uh, in, um, what was that movie with John Travolta? Hopefully yeah, so. you know the one. It's very Hannibal Lecter-ish as well. It, it's just a very, very odd, creepy mask which has been uh, purchased and sold on eBay. And it looks like it's gone for 99p. And it's, um, yeah, that, that's my entry. Short but sweet from Jez this month. But it's, uh, it's a special one for sure. Jez, in, in, the, in the description, um, the guy states in fact i would go as far to say this is scarier than lord vader and i have to agree with him because if vader was wearing that it's a little bit too human which makes it it's a well, let's, let's just describe it Jez. let's really give it some energy there describe what it really looks like it looks like a leather mask which if it could tell tales would open up and scare the bejesus out of you you know that this thing it is witnessed horrors. Now, when I actually look at the description here, really bizarre mask for sale, resembles Darth Vader. Uh, I'm unsure of the material, although it smells rubbery, uh, and he actually means rubbery, fastened by elastic, which is in good condition with no signs of wear. No idea how old this is. I think it's intended to be child size, although it fits me too. But then again, I have a small head. So the seller is telling us lots about this. Um, I have seen many masks that are supposed to be based on Vader, but cannot find this one anywhere online. From a pet and smoke-free home. So you can understand why it went for 99p, but this, this it, it's definitely like a furnace face. <laughs> Randomly Hannibal Lecter, bring out the gimp, gimp's asleep, better go wake him up then kind of vibe to it. Gimp crack. It's definitely gimp crack. It does appear that it's more humanoid from the helmet downwards. Yeah, the eyes are sort of human-shaped almost, obviously punched out so you can see through them. The nose is, you know, it's flat and nose-shaped. And then the cheeks are kind of slightly chubby. And in fact, the chubby chubbiness of the neck and cheeks make it look disturbingly human with the weird, grating mouth area. Jez, it may not be a winner, but that is certainly something that terrifies me. And it would definitely terrify me more. But if I saw human eyes coming out of that, I mean, some people might find it quite attractive. I reckon, I reckon Stu would 
would probably buy this if you had a second chance. Well, I would have bought it for an time pay, you're right. But what are the rules here? Because this isn't vintage, is it? I, I thought... I don't know. You know. I don't know. I, that, that's, no, that's, that's, not vintage. Vintage. that's not vintage. No, we don't. No. I don't know. What I'm not going to do is... I'm, I'm not going to do... If I had this... I wouldn't do any carbon dating. I wouldn't do any DNA swab analysis or anything like that to try and get to the age of this. In fact, I'd want to touch it with rubber gloves. I'd be more careful than I would do with my lead um, model trem, in all honesty. This is wrong. I'm delighted that I've come second uh, tonight. Thanks very much for that, Pete. Uh, I'm glad this won because this is wrong in so many respects. I think it wins in terms of, like I said, disturbing nightmares uh, but i mean you know we, we don't know whether it's vintage we have no idea what that's the, that's the beauty of it that's why it fits in if you don't know and no one calls you out then i mean look at it look at the state of it it's hideous i mean only jez could come up with something that bad that's oh. true let me sum up Stuart, your cards tempting because the cars oh, i mean it was it was the chewbacca wasn't it that was so wonderfully... At least you could prove mine was vintage. Yeah, yeah, definitely could prove it was vintage. So and licensed. Oh, Richards, that was that big poster book thing. A cracking find. Don't know whether amazingly falls in the game, but I liked it, and it was a beautiful poster, sort of book thing with a colouring in section. I was, I was attracts my, my love, but oh, I can't. Simon wins. Simon wins. Jez last. Uh, everyone else second, but Simon with <laughs> Simon, well done. Another one this year. You're on a roll, mate. Mate, I'm going to retire now. What am I? Who am I? What will I be? Where am I going? And what will I Welcome back to the market section. Let's have a little rattle straight through the five items, the five picks, if you will, from eBay. They're not all highest priced by any means because, frankly, the highest priced ones are just a little bit dull and a little bit samey. And it doesn't have to be expensive to be cool in Star Wars, so let's have a look at it. Having said that, let's start with a £12,000 item because everybody loves a little bit of the original Death Star. This, if you want to look it up, is titled Original Film Used and Screenshot Sectional Piece of Death Star, Star Wars 1977. We've all seen, I think, for years now, the tiny little turrets that you can get that are anything up to about two and a half centimetres tall that were turrets from the Death Star scene, the sort of live action shooting when they did the, the models for that and the little pyrotechnics and explosions. And they're brilliant, but even those little things can cost up to a thousand odd dollars and always struck me as a bit expensive. But check this one out. This isn't any five or fifty mil turret. This is an absolutely whopping piece of the Death Star. It's two foot long by a foot wide, 
So for our European counterparts, it's about 60 centimetres long, 30 centimetres wide, and about 7 inches or about 17, 18 centimetres high. It's absolutely fantastic. Yes, it is $16,000, but how cool is that? Did you have a look at this, guys? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I've, I've never seen anything like that. I didn't even know this sort of stuff came onto the general market. It's so nice to see something so large and so iconic. And I'm sure, as soon as I saw it, I thought, I'm sure I recognise that from one of the shots. And the detail on it, I mean, you can see why it was used for the close-up and the minutiae detail, because the detail is phenomenal. It was listed on a 10-day auction at a $1,000 start and ended up at $16,200. Comes with, an well, two letters of provenance from the guys that were involved in the actual making of it and some photographs with, uh, of them with it. And it's just, it's brilliant. I, I couldn't get enough of that. I would actually be tempted to sell most of my Star Wars collection to try and get anywhere near that because what an iconic piece. So, guys, props. Not everybody's cup of tea have any of you guys, and I know a little bit of the answer to this, have any of you guys got any props or pieces or anything like that at all? I've just got the Create Dragon Bones that are purchased in the latest acquisition session at the start, and I did have a piece of the foam that was used on the was it Jalas Seal Barge, the, the explosion when it blew up. I did have a piece of foam of that, but I gave it away to a kid at Father's Farm. Did, did he know what it was? Or did yes, I, to, I told him what it was. Uh, yeah, I think we're all in the Crate Dragon Bone Club, thanks to Andy. Stu, I know you're in the Crate Dragon Bone Club. Have you got anything else as well? Crate Dragon, and I've got Pierce Brosnan's trousers from one of the Bond films. But apart from that, that's as good as it gets for me, prop-wise. Pete, have you got anything? No, I don't have anything. And I, I think I've said before, it's not. I do love this stuff, but... I don't think I am deserving of it. I think uh, I don't have anywhere to put it. It wouldn't fit into any sort of collecting stuff that I want. And I'd, I'd prefer someone who could do a better job at, you know, making it look right lovely to uh, do a better job making it look right lovely. So I purposely wouldn't be interested in anything. What if you could choose one, though? I mean, let's say there were plenty of props to go around everybody. If you could choose a scale model prop. I, I, there's only one thing I'd, I'd ever, ever have, and that would be a hand solo carbonite prop. Because <laughs> I could turn it into a door. <laughs> On to number two. Now this was, wow, bargains galore. I think we're yet to see the end story on this one. I don't even know how I came across this because it had sold for 150 Canadian dollars. So it was nowhere near even remotely expensive. But what had sold for 150 Canadian dollars was a Luke Skywalker in Hoth outfit on the Sears vacuum-formed card back. You yeah, guys not buying it. Them. Not buying it at all. You're not buying it, Rich? No. I've, well, I've looked at all, yeah, all the items in that auction. Not buying it. Why? What, what, what's ringing alarm bells for you? Well, the fact you've got to sell it with a feedback of zero. Yep, okay. And he clearly, knows, he clearly knows enough about what he had. You because say it, that because... Well, because the description wasn't exactly random piece of Star Wars item that I've got lying around the house. There were, there were, there were words in there that were enough to trigger the searches that people would use. In fairness, just so that everybody knows what the description was, the, the entire listing title was Star Wars action figures, Luke Skywalker, brackets Hoth outfit, year 1980. That is not exactly there's no mention of kenner there's no mention of vintage there's no mention there's certainly no mention of sears 
And in the description, it just reads, Star Wars action figures, Luke Skywalker, Hoth outfit, year 1980. Condition is new. The left and right corner of the backside is ripped off. So he's not even said pop removal or anything like that. I really, really don't think this guy knew what he had. I had a look at his other listings, and they were rammed full of really nice Canadian cards. I think in the end he had something like 25, about that maybe 30, mainly Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back Canadian carded figures. All but one of them had pops rather savagely cut out. They weren't nice peeled, they were hacked off. But other than that, the cards were actually in really nice condition. There were three, I think it was, R5s, Rich. Three. I'm going to give you an update now, actually, because I'm checking his feedback now. Yes, he's, now he's got, had he's, some feedback. He's had three, yes. But there were all sorts there. But they were pretty much all Star Wars Empire. There were a handful of Jedis, a few later Ewoks and all the rest of it. But there was some smashing stuff there. Really, really nice. And I contacted him and said, A, what else have you got? And B, what's the story behind these? And he said, I run my own business and I'm helping my dad sell up his collection. He's had these put away for donkey's years. And I'm now just helping him get rid of them. So he had absolutely no idea what he was selling. We all know how desirable Luke Jedi with a blue saber is on a card. He's desirable on a Kenner card. He's almost unheard of on a Tri-Logo. How hard must he be on a Kenner Canada card? Well, guess what? This guy had one. And he sold it for £106. The pop was intact. The card's not the greatest, it's got some creases, the bubble's been dented, which is obviously unusual for for Kenners, because they're quite strong bubbles. But there, in all its glory, down the right-hand side, is a blue lightsaber on a Kenner Canada card. That's got to be rare. I don't know. Some some uh, Canadian focus collector, please get in touch and let us know just how rare it is. Probably going to say, it's not rare at all. He only came with the blue one. I really don't know anything about them, but that just struck me as, wow, incredible. So, bear in mind that the Luke Jedi sold... 11 days ago, and the, I don't know when the Hoth sold, probably around about the same time, the first or the second, there's no feedback for those yet. There's no feedback. Now, this was outed probably on about the 4th of June on, was it the Empire Group? I really can't, I think it might have been the Empire Group. Someone posted up a link saying, okay, tell me one of you guys got this, and they posted up a picture of the Hoth one. So it was outed relatively soon after the auction. Hopefully, whoever won it has got it. We will wait and see. I'm just, I keep on checking the guy's feedback, but he's certainly not relisted it. If you're after a, a quirky Canadian piece with a bit of history, he's still got a few for sale. The seller is Nasina 8, N-A-S-I-N-A number 8. Have a look at what else they've got for sale. But wow, what an incredible piece, Luke Hoth. I don't know a great deal. Scratch that. Let's put this a different way. I don't know anything at all about the Sears vacuum form figures other than the fact that it's the only way to get the attack commander with his name as general veers and he is the absolute pinnacle of them all and i also believe i found out that luke hoth is pretty much the second hardest to find so yes it's got a great big chunk out the card but you know what for 150 dollars i very much doubt you could buy the card back with a chunk missing from it for 150 dollars the emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation Moving on, number three, I've got down as Vintage Star Wars Tri-Logo Boba Fett Mock. You can't get much more exact than that. I don't know how I'd miss this originally. Not that I would have bought it, because I don't buy a lot these days. Do I, Stu? But, wow. A, one turned up on eBay. 
that doesn't happen terribly often. B, it's in pretty good condition. C, the photographs were terrible. The reason I, I missed it first time round was because you couldn't actually see anything other than the top of Bobber's head and the French part of the Tri logo. That was it. That was the entire photograph. So I probably just scrolled straight past it, ignoring it altogether, not bothering to read the all lowercase title. But yeah, a Tri logo Boba Fett actually on eBay. Listed for 3,000 by it now, which, let's face it, for a Boba Fett Tri logo is pretty reasonable anyway. Some cheeky scamp stuck in an offer of 2,750 Great British Pounds and got it accepted. So someone did really rather well on that. I'm very jealous because the card back, it's got some edge wear to it, just a little bit around the bottom left-hand corner, but on the whole looks fantastic. And the bubble for a tri-logo one as well is really, really good. So kudos to whoever managed to snaffle that one. That's, that's brilliant. What a great purchase. You want this, don't you? Okay, in at number four is something that used to have been a staple of the top ten priced items that would pop up on eBay, but now you don't see them so much. It's the classic early bird set. It's a non-DT version, but it was a, a nice enough one. It's got slight wear to the box and tray, a little bit of crushing on the box. The tray's got a little crack in it. All the baggies were sealed. Leia was going a bit pink, as she tends to do. But overall, it looks really good. It started at two and a half thousand US dollars and it ended at what I think is probably a pretty darn reasonable three thousand one hundred and fifty dollars, which is about two thousand three hundred and forty pounds. Now, caveat here: I know about as much about early bird kits as I do about Sears vacuum form figures, so I don't know if those baggies are right for that tray or that early bird kit or if there's anything missing from the kit, but there were lots of the vouchers and the pegs were all bagged up. Anyone else have a look at this one? Yeah, did. Yeah, it was, it was a nice item. Yeah, I'm seeing with you, I, I don't know which bags come with which figures. I would hazard a guess it would be the Star Wars earbags. It looks good. I'm sure the experts knew better than me. It's only described as Star Wars Complete Rare Early Bird Kit. Again, it can't be much more descriptive than that, but really good. And then I was thinking about it. I thought, yeah, I'd like one. Would I drop two and a half grand on one? Probably not. I thought, well, why not? It's iconic. It is the very first wave of Star Wars figures. It's the famous early bird kit offer, the genius marketing ploy by Kenner to cash in on Christmas sales when they weren't going to have any toys ready. So I was wondering whether it's a cultural thing. We'll just go round, start with Pete, just to catch him off guard. Early bird kits, what are your thoughts on them, and would you have one? Uh, someone wants to give me one, I'll have one. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just one of those items that's too expensive, I wouldn't even... Uh, I mean, I, I don't even remember it happening, so they mean nothing to me. Okay, Stu? I would love one. I certainly wouldn't drop the money that they're looking at at the moment. They were a lot cheaper when I got back in, but no chance. They're, they're out of my range at the moment. Do they hold any particular... Nothing nostalgic. Value? No, no. no. Just, just a historical piece within the hobby, which I would quite like, but no, no. As it comes to nostalgia, absolutely not. Rich? I do have an early bird certificate set, but the tray and the kit I don't have. I've had an opportunity to buy the tray a couple of times because I, I think I may quite like the tray, I think I've probably got the pegs. I'd have to double check, but I think I've got enough pegs anyway. And obviously, I love the figures loose, so it would just be the tray, and I, I would probably put the four loose figures in there. But for the prices that they're going for, sealed or even complete and opened, 
it, it's just ridiculous, and there's no nostalgia whatsoever. It, it, it's the it's just a historical piece. Yeah, quite so, and I think that's what I like about it. It is the famous early bird kit. Looked like a really nice set, really nice from a historical point of view, but UK-wise, it's just not got that nostalgic feel. Hey, Jedi craves not these things. Anyway, moving on to our very last item, and what I've avoided this month. Because I, on listening back last month, it all sounded just a little bit negative. Oh my gosh, have you seen the price of this? This is ridiculous, this is stupid. Who would pay that sort of money for that? That's not what the section's meant to be about. It's meant to be about finding interesting things. And sometimes they become interesting through the price that they've achieved. Other times they're just interesting. And last month was rather price-focused. So, however, in at number five, we have an Oh my word, why would you go and do that kind of piece? It's simply titled Star Wars Vintage Luke Stormtrooper. POTF AFA 85. Mock. Oh my life. I've got to say, I love the Power of the Force cards. I know they don't have much love, particularly in the UK again, because they never were available here. And probably because the bubbles tend to go, like, toffee brittle after about 1990. But I really, really do like the design of them. I thought the coin idea was great, and as a kid, I'm sure I would have loved them. I would have absolutely loved them, but we never got the chance over here. However, it's it's Kenner, which I don't collect. The bubbles are notoriously hopeless, and prices have been going silly. Well, they've really gone silly here, because it's it's a Luke Stormtrooper. Yes, it's popular. Yes, everybody loves it. But because this has got a clear bubble, this has achieved £1,900. Just over $2,500. And that was on a seven-day auction, 99-cent start. It's... it's... Uh... That's all, I, that's all I can say about it, really. It's nuts. So, my question to you. What has somebody actually bought here? The Great Jason. But this is yellow, isn't it? No. It's, no, it's... It is crystal clear. Crystal clear, the Great Jason. It's it's going to send it in to AFA, hopefully go a 90. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll, they'll go for a resubmission okay. on it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Hadn't even considered that aspect. It is grey chasing, but I think I think they've bought themselves just a time bomb, haven't they? Because it's a power of the force card. Uh, you could say, well, it's not gone yellow in 33 years. No, it hasn't gone yellow in 33 years. It's got the rest of time to go yellow. There's no rush. It doesn't have to meet a deadline. At some point it will go yellow. It just is what happens to them. So they've lashed out £1,900 on this thing. When it does go yellow in a few years' time, whenever, what's it worth then? Well, in today's market, probably what, about 400 quid something like that Mm -hmm. so they've spent all this money on that now i know i berate as most guys on the podcast do great chases and there's 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 absolutely no need for it we all all collect different things and we can buy what we darn well choose and i'd like to turn this round for a second yet they are great chasing on this one without a doubt but with that in mind they know that don't they they know that they've bought what is today a clear bubble and may already be turning. I mean, okay, in a freak situation, it may never turn brown, but let's just assume it is going to turn brown, yellow and then brown in time. Isn't this the purest form of Star Wars collecting? Do you not think? Because knowing that, they spent all this money because today they can look at it and they can own it and they can think that's one of the best Star Wars figures that they did in the final years. Luke Stormtrooper. We'd been kept waiting it 
waiting for it for seven or eight years and finally they've brought it out and I can sit here and it's it's right in front of me and it's beautiful and it's clear and it's wonderful and they've spent that money knowing that in time that's going to change so even though yes it's grade chasing and even though it's a silly amount of money do you not feel some kind of love for the person that's done this because they've bought with their heart and not with their head or, or surely for a sense of investment and isn't that what Star Wars meant to be all about I would love to think that, and I would love to think that what you're seeing is true. But the evidence of a lot of auctions is that investors and people who act on behalf of other, you know, people, wealthy, you know, dot-com people are buying these items at auction and then relisting them at a different auction a few months later, such as what's happened at Vectis when you had people buying items from one of the big American auctions and it wasn't here because I can't remember the name of the auction before that. Uh, whether a lot of those items end up with vectors and were just, you know, relisted and a lot of them went for far lower than what was purchased at vectors. So I, I think there are a lot of speculators out there, but I, I really hope that what you're saying is true with somebody who's bought this, just, uh, you know, praying even that it's not going to turn yellow for 20 years or so. Well, we'll see. I mean, you may well be right, Rich. It may well turn up at auction. It may well get sent off for regrading. I'm out of it for a little while everybody gets delusions of grandeur before we move on to auction roundup I did just want to cover a little bit of feedback now you may recall last month I was flabbergasted at how a 65 back tri-logo bubbled Boba Fett regular Boba Fett not some weird tri-logo PBV whatever variant had apparently sold for two and a half thousand dollars and I was, uh, what's going on? The world's gone mad. <laughs> what kind of fool would pay that? Well, they contacted me. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's my good friend, Ed. And he said, actually, I did. And I didn't pay that for it. I only paid this for it. And he did pay, I can't remember. It was a fair bit less. And that led to a discussion on Star Forum UK about prices of 65 back fets and the reasons and all the rest of it. Ed's been looking for one because, as I mentioned earlier, in new acquisitions, Ed's got some great focuses, which includes... Jedi cards, Palatoy Jedi cards with Tri-Logo bubbles. And it's it, it's such a quirky but cool focus. I love it. It's almost like a, a transition. I point it in the direction of a General Medin Palatoy 65 back Tri-Logo bubble. I think it cost him about 100 quid, something like that. And the great thing is, he's got 66% of a Tri-Logo Medin there for £100. Alright, it's not the Tri-Logo card back, but he's got the Tri-Logo figure and he's got the Tri-Logo bubble. I thought, what a great way of a space filler until you get the real thing. But anyway, Ed Conte said, yes, I bought that. It's for my 65-back Palatoy bubble. Anyway, Ed said he bought it for his 65-back Trilogo bubble run, and he needed it, and he'd been looking for one for ages, and there weren't any coming up, and this was a really nice one. So he thought, what the hell, $1,600 for it, and it got accepted. Although, even at first, $1,600 was wow. If you think about it, for the prices of Fets, it's actually not that bad. And then someone else on the forum says... They managed to sell a Palatoy Jedi Fett for £2,300. £2,300. That's just... uh Anyway, enough. So that was feedback about that. So yes, it didn't sell for $2,500. It was $1,600. Reasons why. It's still not massively rare, but they are just super, super collected. Hence the desirability. So I just wanted to cover that. Thanks for getting in touch, Ed. And thanks for setting me straight. <laughs> Right, in terms of auctions, what happened in the last two weeks? Because it's been two weeks since we recorded. Come on, guys, give me a break. I can't find that much in two weeks. Pretty much nothing interesting has happened in the last two weeks, other than 
yesterday, and even that wasn't massively interesting. I'm not really selling the section here. Uh, East Sussex in Lewis, there was a little regional auction house that had a massive five lots of Star Wars, clearly pulled out of a loft, but there were nice little bits in there. There was a droid factory described hopelessly, and a whole box of mini rigs and a taunt on 11 items, and some chap in the room scooped up the whole lot Four out of the five lots, I think the loose figures went to someone else for some ridiculous amount of money. But they were all very, very reasonable. He got the droid factory that was bundled with, I think it was a Rancor or something bizarre, both boxed for about £110 plus fees. But really not very, I mean, that's just a loft find. That's really not very exciting at all. So there's not really been much to talk about. (laughs) Coming up next month... Now, later this month, there is a general toy sale at Vectis, but there doesn't appear to be any Star Wars in it, so it is a general toy sale. However, been reliably informed, well, Rich said, so I've been informed, that July there's going to be a decent Star Wars sale coming up in Vectis, so keep checking back on their website. However, is it the third, Rich, did we say? The third part of the... That's correct, yeah, the third part of the Russell Brand auction. The Russell Branson sale at Hakes in the States. So this, as you know, if you've been following it, has been home to the $29,500 Princess Lair on a 12A card. And also the rocket firing FET, which ended up $86,384. So there's been some amazing things going through there, and there's been some amazing prices achieved. Anyway, what you are guaranteed is a lot more quality Star Wars items. So the Hakes sale, the next part of the Russell Branton collection, will be going online on June the 19th, probably after this, before this show's come out. So get online now, check it out, see what's there. It's timed auctions that are ending between the 10th of July and the 12th of July. So get on there and see what they've got, if only for a good browse. In the next couple of weeks, if you're in the Essex area, check out Stacey's Auctioneers in Rayleigh, Essex. There's some nice bits in there. An absolutely battered, loose vinyl cape Jawa. I mean, it looks like the dog's got hold of this poor thing. At first, I thought it was a fake. The cape colour appears to be quite different to the Jawa. But when they do the back shot of it, you can see that the pattern is on the outside on this one. The cape's obviously been reversed around. And it has got the it's got that little zippy pattern on it. So it looks like the real deal. It is the cape is shredded, in fairness. But hey, it's the VCJ at auction. <laughs> They've bundled a few things together which are quite nice. There's a Power of the Force hand carbon pop up R two, and then another lot's got a Power of the Force skiff, which the box appears to be really quite nice. However, They've done quite a few photos, and one of the legs appears to be missing from the skiff, but still, nice to see it there. And then they've got bundles of mocks. They've got a Lair Bush Chai logo, which has got an interesting price sticker on it in an odd location. As we are just discussing, only three stores, I think, in the States have got hold of the Chai logo stock at the end, and this price sticker isn't one that I recognise. So if you are going down and you are looking to bid on that lot, do check out the price sticker, because if it's not one of the KB family alarm bell should be ringing anyway so check out stacy's in rayleigh and then there is a sale up in cambridge next week which is round about the 18th 19th so this show would have probably already gone out that's got about seven out of the last 17 figures in a loose lot of 40 figures and they don't even mention them just loose star wars figures including fx7 who cares although it won't go below the radar it's just nice to see another auction house not knowing what they're up to so have a look there as well or have a look on the sales room and see what you've just missed now not what's come up 
at auction. But what has come up recently from Toy Planet in Wantage, and you heard Jez mention it when discussing his latest acquisitions, his three-pack, and indeed my 41-back Yoda and Vader came from there. Steve Taylor of Toy Planet got in a fantastic dealer stock from the 1990s. He told me that he used to trade with a guy and rather me jibber on about it let's go and hear from steve taylor himself i went up just over a week ago to see steve to have a look at the collection hopefully before it got split up into into four corners of the planet and to see what steve had to say about it in his shop so here's steve which we've had on before but let's hear what he's got to say again see what's changed and talk about this wonderful collection Okay, I'm with Steve Taylor from Toy Planet in Wantage to talk about his shop and a rather interesting collection he's just had in. So, I've never been to your shop before and I have now been here for nearly four hours now, uh, which is, a, I think, probably quite a reasonable amount of time to spend in your shop, uh, yes. if I'm honest. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. So, Steve, who are you and what have you got here? You've, you've obviously no strangers to the podcast, you've been on before, but yeah. give us a quick Yeah, recap. very much so. Well, I'm a big Star Wars collector myself. I developed the shops three years ago now. This is the third shop I've got now, which is now on a high street basis. We specialise in a lot of things, from retro gaming to modern gaming, but my big passion is the Star Wars side, which we do. And we've been very fortunate in getting some really, really nice finds in over the last two years, which has increased a great big collector's following. And with the new collection that's just come in, with the PR work I've done on through Facebook and everything, We've got probably in reason of 200 people coming tomorrow just to come and look at the collection and purchase items. It's been inundated. I cannot cope with the amount of texts and phone calls from Sweden, America, Germany, France. got one of my regular customers that's coming over from San Diego tomorrow uh, who's actually flown over tonight in his project, so he's coming over to look at stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have 50 people queuing out the door at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And this is particularly in relation to your latest purchase isn't it yes so yeah. tell us a bit about that oh the latest purchase is a uh, uh, about £60,000 vintage Star Wars collection there's over 180 carded figures due to space we've taken on half of it but we've got loose figures from the last 17 but not just one but multiples of we've got good quality carded stuff in we've got good quality box stuff play sets with bagged figures in and it's just amazing that you get it's an old friend of mine that I used to trade with 25 years ago at the NEC and MCMs before I had the shops. And he approached me two weeks ago and said, well, would you like to purchase my old stock? I haven't touched it for 20 years. And seriously, it's a lot, a lot of stock. And it's not just vintage. It's got a lot of MR replicas, uh, sorry, MR um, props, that he's development pieces. He's got lots of stuff. So it's going to keep us busy for at least another month. But it is hot, hot stuff. It is. I've had a look through it. You've got everything from Resealed Palatoid 12 and 20 backs to more of the harder-to-find Power of the Force coins carded figures. So there's a great variety there, and it doesn't fit any particular theme. You've got droids in there, I saw. Yeah, yeah, you've got quite a few of the last 17s in there, um, which is really, really nice because they're hard to find now. But we support the collector. You know, we, we, we do have our dealers that come in and we, we've done some deals with just because it's a, a big amount of money to pay out. But we have got a lot of lot of collectors. And we do look after collectors, like we did with um, Jez in the past. You know, he came and bought two Jack faces. We looked after it, you know. And, and these cus- these collectors keep coming back and back and back. As soon as I get a load of stuff in, 
they're all over it and it don't last long. The two, the two, I've got one half of it today. I'll be surprised that's all gone by Sunday. And the next lot's in on Sunday. It'll be gone by Tuesday. And well, I don't open on Monday. <laughs> I can't believe you take time off. It's so lazy. <laughs> well, I think half the half that you've already got in has already gone out again, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, we've already taken about £7,000 already before it's even gone on release. I've got a few collectors that like to come in and, you know, just to help them out a little bit. Um, but we've got some 12 inches going to Sweden. Uh, we've got a couple of Carly going over to uh, America. So, yeah, it's very, very busy. Very yeah, busy, I, I, I walked in and straight away clocked the... Because uh, it was Denny Fisher, C-3PO, Stormtrooper. And Darth Vader. And Darth Vader. Just sat there in their boxes. Yeah. No, they're sold. You can't have those. They're going to Sweden. Oh. <laughs> what about, that... Steve, what about all these loose 12 inches, including the ID-88 in the box? No, you can't have those. They're sold. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been uh, a really crazy week. Yeah. You know, I saw it on Wednesday, Wednesday evening. He um, sent me some details over. He saw me two weeks ago, and sent some details over on Tuesday uh, with some pictures. So he set it up in an office in his uh, business, and then I we arranged me and my business partner Tom to go and see it on the Wednesday night, and then I worked till half two in the morning trying to work out an actual price for it because uh, he'd done a nice spreadsheet with it all on. And then uh, we sort of agreed a price as of Thursday. And then I've had to raise the, the capital to buy it all in, which we've done. Did that in 24 hours. And we're talking £25,000. So we've raised all the capital. We've been very lucky. A couple of my dealers have forwarded the money that they wanted. So it's been really helpful to us. Because uh, it's a lot of cash flow for a small business to find £25,000. Pretty much overnight. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is a, a lot of cash flow. Back onto the collection briefly. What I think's been so exciting and has stirred up so much interest is this is effectively appreciated as dealer stock, but it's been a black hole collection for twenty years. Correct. Yeah. So it's not seen the light of day. Not seen the light of day. Ninety-seven. Ninety-eight. Uh, yeah, ninety-eight. It's been three lofts. Okay, so it's been split up between three lofts for the last twenty years. Now you've been dealing and, and collecting a lot longer than I have. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been dealing since uh, 1988. Okay, so you'll know that from back in that day, the dark times, 98, uh, sort of 85 through to 95, Yeah, what was collected then is different to what's collected. Or, oh, correction, it's collected differently. Oh, so yes, definitely. The difference between a Palatoy and a Kenner cars necessarily wasn't appreciated as it is now. The difference no. between a blonde-haired Luke and a... And an uh, orange haired brown haired yeah, yeah. quite so so I uh, you showed me the spreadsheet that you'd got in earlier and it had Empire Strikes Back cards and a list of figures. It yeah. didn't even say Palatoy or Kenner. Yes. <laughs> this has been a challenge, hasn't it? Uh, it has very much been a challenge because how do you price it? You know, I want to be fair to everybody. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the escalation of figures at the moment I think is getting out of control. Quite agree. Uh, which makes it very difficult for collectors. You know, I was very lucky when I did my collection. I bought a lot of mine in the late 80s, early 90s. What has come in today, I was filling my boot up on a regular basis once a month. <laughs> I did that sound and sad. And not paying 25 and, grand And paying for. a fraction of what I've been paying for this. But yeah, it's, it's, the market has demanded it. I feel there's a lot more out there. Since we've been here in October, we've probably sold in the region of 2,000 loose figures in good quality condition. Since October. Since October. And that's the loose ones. That's loose. We tend to do between 50 and 60 card in a year. We tend to do five 
about 5,000 loose a year. So we do cover quite a lot of these things. And what we find is we have two types of customers. We have ones that are fanatic collectors that just want to complete a collection. And we also have the collectors that reminisce and said, well, my dad couldn't afford a Millennium Falcon. Now I'm working, I can afford to buy a Millennium And that's the two categories we sort of fit in. You know, I've got customers that will come in and buy because they like. Yeah. They won't buy to complete, but they'll buy because they like. So that's how we work, basically, a lot. Yeah. Well, they get the advice, they get the help. You know, I get a lot of wives coming in and go, oh, my husband's a big Star Wars collector. Um, He's looking for such and such. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And that's where we come in and step in. We're more of a a hands-on experience shop rather than you come in, you take it off the shelf, you walk out the door. Ah, very much so. and that is evident all around you. You've got you've got some great innovations here. I I love the way you've got things split up into separate zones. Yeah. I love the way you've got some I was admiring your logo, it's a Toy Planet vintage Lego bags earlier. The great old stuff in it is absolutely superb. Look at one pound thirty four. I know. <laughs> one pound thirty four for Lego space stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you've got you've obviously built up quite the following, the fan base, if you yeah, like. We've yeah, got we've a... got over 3,000 people now on our Facebook group, which has taken three years to build. And what's that called, the Facebook group? The Toy Planet, uh, the Toy Planet, um, which is at Wantage. There we post everything that comes in. So we post the game and we post Star Wars stuff. We post whatever comes in every day. Um, it is quite on a demand here mm-hmm. because we do say to people, we will hold things for five days if we post it on there. That's the maximum we'll do. But it is a first-come, first basis. I love to find rare, unusual items that you ain't going to find anywhere else. And that gives us an edge on your eBay's, your online and everything else. Well, speaking of rare and unusual items, certainly to see in the UK, certainly from a mid-90s, I'll call it collection because it is until it's sold, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a Creature 3-pack that yes. came in, which is... Yeah. It's done the rounds. Yes. But yes, it is but intact. intact. It is sealed. sealed. Yeah. No cracks. They're all holding their weapons. Yeah. You don't get you don't see many of those. Have you had many of those in over the time? No, I haven't seen one for ages. I've got three in my collection, but I haven't seen any through the shop. Very rare item. I remember back in the eighties I was buying quite a lot, but I haven't seen any for ten, fifteen years. They don't turn up over this obviously. No. no. This is exclusive. If they do, they're damaged and the figures are everywhere and all that sort of thing cars ripped on the foot. And just for the record, Jez, I have asked him to hold that for you until <laughs> Yeah, don't okay. worry, Jez. Jez We've got safe. it put by for you. Yeah. <laughs> vehicles. How about that? Oh, uh, yes, vehicles. Yeah, we're talking about all the figures. We've got a lot of vehicles. So we've got um, a sealed skiff mm-hmm. in mint condition, which is coming on Sunday, but we've got an unsealed one in the shop at the moment. There is a beautiful Jabba set two. Yes. With sealed baggies. So you've got, I noticed already here, you've got Jabba's Dungeon with... Version 1. With the, the regular non-Last yeah, 17. but they're all baggied. All baggied up. Never been opened. But more interestingly, what you've got coming in on Sunday is the, the Last 17, EB99, Verada, and Man of Man. Yes. And they're all baggied. All baggied. All in the box. All in the box. And the box is probably slightly better condition than this one. And that's not a bad condition, what? No, and the droid factory is all bagged and everything as well, which is in the window. And we've got the um, Match Reva band. Yes, I saw that. Set. Yeah, the, the Kenner the version. Card the card version. and the bubble. Yeah. A very nice land speeder, Star Wars. Very nice Very indeed. nice box. Non-collector series, yeah. Um, and we've got the A-Wing will be here on Sunday as well, which is quite a rare bit, and the Ewok wagon. 
The Battle Wagon. You've battle got that wagon. wagon. Yeah. yeah, that's coming in. We've also got a Millennium Falcon coming on a Sunday. So we've got a variety of stuff of uh, more vehicles. What we've had today is just half. Most of this is all duplicated. And you've got, which I thought was quite nice and unusual, a Canadian ESB box remote control sand crawler. Yes, we've got a loose one at the moment in the window. And we've got a box one coming in on Sunday. Yeah, which is quite a nice piece, actually. Mm-hmm. It is a nice piece. It's probably a well sought after piece. Don't see a lot of them. You don't. Definitely yeah. not. No, no. Nice. The Canadian stuff, I think, is quite underrated anyway. I think but you so. you don't yeah. see a lot of them over here, for sure. Yeah. I love their boxes because you turn it one side, it's French. You turn it the other side, it's English. Yeah. Because of the, the different regions in Canada. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've uh, you've already let slip that not all the collections make it into the shop. What have you retained for yourself? Well, I've looked for probably retaining the prototype skiff, which has to be authenticated, whether it is original mm-hmm. rather than a, um, a, a 90s version. Um, but that will be something I will be looking to put into my own personal collection. I don't ever take anything out of the shop. I'm really religious. Strictly speaking, this never made it to the shop, Steve. No, no. <laughs> I never take anything out of the shop. I've seen stuff coming in and I go, oh, I really love that. I'd love to have that. I'd love to have this. But no, it's purely, it's, I like to have it here on the shelf. If I start taking the cream out of the stock, I don't have anything special to show people. Now, you were telling me earlier about how you know David Prowse. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> Dave. Dave. Yeah, he used to live in Bath. My auntie used to live next door to him. And um, when I was about eight, nine, he used to live next door. And I used to talk to him over the garden fence. Brilliant. And that's how we associated with each other. Then I met him again when I was nine at Bristol at the Woolies and got a signed Cardiff figure off of him and all that sort of stuff. When did you first become aware of who he was in terms of... Well, I always thought he was a green grass coat man. Oh, is that who you yeah, knew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you saw man. his face. Yeah, yeah. And then because he said, well, I am in the stars. Oh, I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't see your face in the film. Well, being six when the first film came out, you don't really sort of associate actors. You just associate with characters. Do you see what I mean? He's a very nice guy. Met him a few times since then. But yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. I know he's suffered with a lot of health issues, and of course that's what he doesn't do Comic Cons. Trying to go over and see him in October, to get a, uh, in August, to get a load of autographs done. For, take to America with me in September. And do you organise any events, any local Comic Cons? Or yeah, yeah, we do Comic Con every first Sunday of every December. We've grown from four fifty the first year to seven fifty eight hundred last year. We're up to twelve hundred, so we have to change venues. So we're now at the Legend Centre this year. We've got all the um, bounty hunters coming this year. So we've got IG88, Greedo, Zuckus, Forlong, Forlong, Bosch and Boba Fett. What a pack this year. And they'll be doing signings at your event. Signings at the event. We're hoping to get a Ghostbusters car outside. We have a retro gaming van outside full of retro gaming arcades. Uh, we have a gaming zone for the kids. We've got Virginia Hay from Mad Max and Blue Fastgate coming this year. We've got a guy who's done 1,007 films since he was seven. And he was a stormtrooper in New Hope. He was a, a commander in Empire Strike Back and he was a lieutenant in Return of Jedi. So he's done a lot of films. Mark Hockley, take notes. You've got quite some catching up to do. So in terms of 1,200, that's the number of attendees? Yeah, that's what we'll have over a day. Okay. Um, Is it just the one day? It's just the one day. We've kept it to one day. We don't want to over-push ourselves. Uh, but we look after all our guests. We put them up in a hotel locally. 
I'd take them all out for dinner on a Saturday night. Brilliant. So that's the first weekend in December. First Sunday in December first every Sunday. year. Right, At the Leisure Centre in Wantage. And you promote that? Where will people see notices? And on my it? Facebook group, the Toy Planet Wantage. Through our website now, so it's thetoyplanet.co.uk. Twitter, Instagram, so it'll be everywhere. We've got the whole of the social media sorted down on our online services. You have been down to the cellar, so let's go down to the cellar and look what's in the cellar. Yeah, sounds like a plan. It's a very old staircase from 1650. They made them smaller back then, didn't they? Yes, and they're a bit low. <laughs> So here we are, down in the cellar. We've got our arcade machines, we've got all our box Legos. Sorry, did you say arcade machines? Yes, we do arcade machines, we do plug-in oh, arcade the machines. Oh, the retro Pandora 5S brilliant. boxes. Yeah. So do those, watch your behind. I will. And then in the other side, we keep a big stock of Lego. And this is all our gaming, so we probably sell five to six retro consoles every day on... Amazon. You got PS2s, PS1s, PS2. Xboxes, GameCubes, Dreamcasts, Mega Drives, Mega Drives, and then in here are all the cables. We've got games upon games upon games. Board games, retro board games. I can see. Yeah, retro board games, Lego. Um, this is all our sorting area. You got the lot. Yeah, yeah, so really we try to cover all that genres for people, do you know what I mean? You can't just be one thing, one trip pony anymore. So here we are in your retro games section of the shop. Yeah, retro, new gaming, arcade machines. Lovely. And then of course we've got our common room. Yep. We have our online office in here as well. And then this is our processing room and our kitchen. As you see again, this is all our, where we process our Lego. That's a lot of Lego. But the plan is in the future we have options on this place. That is a 1200 square feet offices. So the plan is to undercut over cover all this up yes. and set up arcade machines in there, tabletop games, variety of other stuff. Brilliant. So we can span the business. Brilliant. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Don't forget the coffee and cake. Everyone's doing coffee. Oh and yeah, cake yeah we'll have vending machines in there and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Let's sit at your Lego table. Yes. Because no, 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 not at all. It only looks like it was designed for three-year-olds. That's super. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing shop, Steve. You've got all the things that I walk into a shop and go, yes. You've got the second-hand. You've got the vintage. You've got, got the, the new. new. You've got Marvel. You've got DC. You've got comics. You've got games from every system. Yes. Yeah. We do a lot of rare lot. gaming as well. Excellent. Steve, it's been absolutely brilliant. I have spent over four hours in your shop. And thank you very much for the uh, yeah. your time and the figures that I've, I've taken off here. I look forward to hearing what comes in on Sunday. Yeah. I know you've got some great bits still to turn up. We were discussing earlier the, the Spanish Yak face with yeah. his Palace Blaster. And looking down the list, there were some other great Star Wars and Empire Strikes yeah. Back cars yeah, still yeah, to yeah. come in. Yeah. There's still yeah, so much bunch. to come. <laughs> Marvellous, thanks very much Steve. So if you're in the Wantage area, it's it's positively surreal because it's a beautiful old historic market town and as you come, depending on the direction you come in, it's almost in a valley and it looks picture perfect, a bit like out of hot fuzz 
and then right there in the centre of town is this incredibly cool shop. I've got to say, I love how he's got it set up. It is absolutely brilliant. He's got one room for retro games. He's got one room with all the Star Wars figures and vintage and modern stuff. He's got another room for Lego, including vintage Lego. It's It's got the lot. It's well worth a trip down if you're anywhere near. So go and pay Steve a visit and see what he's got. Slightly weird opening times. It's Tuesday through to Sunday. On to market trends. Well, I've given up. There aren't any. It's two weeks. I've mentioned this before since the last show. Market trends in two weeks. People are buying Star Wars stuff. There's your market trends. Hopefully, I'll have something more conclusive for you next month. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. Right, so on to this month's What's New, Pussycat, and I'm welcoming back a a popular guest of ours, actually, at the time. Uh, went down an absolute storm. Uh, joining me tonight is Bruce White. Good evening, Bruce. Oh, good evening. How are you? All the better for hearing your chirpy little voice, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, this new section... It's only the second one we've rolled out of it. So, what's new, Pussycat? Tom Jones song. Do you, do you know it? I do know it. Yes. Oh, do you mind singing the chorus? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do we really want to do this? Well, I'm just determined to find a guest that will sing it to me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa! There you go. There's your there's your sound bite. <laughs> That's gonna. Do you know what? That'll probably be my intro to this section forevermore. I like that. (laughs) Now, Bruce, we had you on back on episode 11. I've got a feeling we were still the Star Wars Forum UK back in those days, but episode 11, March 2015. I couldn't believe it's over three years ago. Oh, my God. That has been a while. Doesn't seem possible. And obviously, in that time, anyone that doesn't know you, you're you're, um, a focus collector of Princess Leia. Um, Right. Across all the figures, isn't it? It's not just one in particular. You collect all... Well, I've kind of settled into the um, the, the first figure focus. I still have um, my tri logos of, of all the rest of the Bosch and Bestman and Haas and, and all that, but I've mostly uh, mostly it's the first original. Just mainly the Archon. We spoke in the last interview. You'd met Carrie Fisher a couple of times. You'd been on stage with her at one of her, her tours and. I know, I know what she meant to you, and sadly, since I spoke to you, we've lost Carrie. How how was that yeah. for you? Uh, it well, I mean, obviously it was unexpected and heartbreaking. It was, and it was right before Christmas as yeah. well. It was when she first went in hospital, so she uh, there was a you know, it was just another one of those things where you know she put you. You think that she'd been through so much, and that she would this would be another thing to pull that she would pull through and have some some crazy stories to tell later. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But I'm I'm glad we got to see her again in the Last Jedi. I thought she was awesome. I mean, her the scene with her and Mark towards the end was amazing, and it just nearly breaks my heart every time. But it's wonderful to see she was she was great in it. Um, I think it was a wonderful tribute. It was great to see her get some proper proper screen time as well, wasn't it? She got a fair amount in Last Jedi, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It seems like she got more than she did in 
Force Awakens, and yeah, but um, but yeah, she's it's, in many ways it feels like she's still here because I mean, we had that, and then she had just shot a book right before she passed, and uh, but uh, but yeah, it's still it's sad occasionally, but it's again, it's still there's a lot of happy memories involved, and she'll live on forever. Or you know, people have never heard far longer than they will us, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, so, yeah, awesome. she's, she's still she's still here. With with regards to the movies, I've heard different rumours. So out of those three from the OT, um, she's the only one that's actually passed away, but she's the only one that's actually alive in the movies now. I've heard all sorts of rumours, Mel Streep replacing her. How how do you want to see her in episode nine? I don't. Oh God, I don't know. It's such a it's such a tough position for them to be in. Um, as far as um, continuing her story. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like, as far as the narrative, it feels like in nine there sh- there should be some sort of confrontation between you know uh, Kylo Ren and his mother. But now that Carrie's gone, if they try to recast it, I think people will lose their mind. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I I would not want to be Lucasfilm Story Group right now trying to figure this out. I'll, in, in a way, I don't want to see anybody, you know, take her place. But in a way, I feel like there should be some sort of confrontation between those characters. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. But we'll see. We shall see. I'm, we will I'm see. looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> now, uh, we've just alluded that you're collecting Princess Leia. Something I was going to get you on for in a, when we cover our acquisitions on this thing is the crazy sleepwear you bought recently. Um, the night dress. Oh, yeah. What a yeah. great item. Uh, that, that must be pretty tough to come by. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I I look for it occasionally. It's not, you know, in, on the top of my, my want list. And uh, every once in a while, I'll, somebody will, will put, you know, Leia in the description as one of those oddball things. And I'll look at it and... I think, you know, that's pretty fun. I think I'll, I think I'll get one of those. Uh, I've been recently looking at, you know, 70s, um, like, bath towel sets and stuff. I keep looking at those on eBay and thinking, I'd like to have a Star Wars towel that I never use. So uh, maybe I won't get that. <laughs> I'll just have it in the cupboard. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's the sleepwear thing. It's, it's one of those things that I posted, when I posted it on the, on the Eastern Acquisitions page in the forum, I put a, I put a link or a photo to the catalog page from our Sears catalog, and that's really, that catalog page is the thing that sticks out in my mind. We, we had that Sears catalog, and that huge ad, um, or that, that huge picture of that family, and then they're all wearing Star Wars sleepwear, you know, and very, you know, 1970s and everyone's <laughs> smiling, you know, the wood paneling in the background. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It just, I'll, um, that image... I'll, share the, I'll share the image of this for our listeners because what you're talking about, but the, so there's the mum and dad are both wearing these, the, the women are wearing night shirts and the men are wearing pyjamas, aren't they? And the men's yeah. ones are all Darth Vader based. Uh, but, yeah. so then the women, so there's two daughters, they're all wearing these night shirts, but they're really long. The mum who looks like she's kind of sitting on some kind of stool or maybe kneeling. Mm-hmm. Difficult to see. But it's really, really long, isn't it? 
I'm yeah, quite surprised yeah, how yeah. long, how far down it comes on her. Um, yeah. But a great image, kind of like the Hilda Brent, uh, Leia and Luke kind of pose, mm-hmm. isn't it? And in with 3PO and R2, but definitely, definitely put that on on our things because they are a lot of fun. Uh, something you, you mentioned back when we were, we were talking also um, back in 2015, you were after, I asked you to name five items that you were mainly looking for or I think I've maybe picked up on it on, on a forum. And basically, it was 12-packs from all different kind of things. So we had a 12-pack Clipper. Um, I think there was a 12-pack Palatoy, 12-pack GDE, uh, maybe 12-pack Meccano, which I think you'd bought at the time. How's that hunt going yeah. for those foreign cards? Uh, God, that's a, it's, it's, it's gotten a lot tougher in the past three years. I don't think I've seen a Tolfoy for sale at all. Palatoy comes up every once in a while. I still don't have one of those. I have a card back, um, which I have displayed with a cut card in front of it um, in a case. So it looks it looks like I have a 12-pack, but I don't really. Um, but yeah, those have gotten really hard to, hard to find. They're just, they, aren't, they aren't coming up that often. And if they do, they're really battered. Um, well, I haven't seen Toltoys in any shape in a long time, but... I'll see a, a Nikano fall back every once in a while, or Takara, but they're usually pretty, pretty beaten up. Um, yeah, it's it's not easy. Uh, everybody's hanging on to their stuff, which um, which uh, I don't blame them at this point. Cause no, and that's that's obviously helping the price has been forced up, isn't it? Because when one exactly. does come to the market, everyone that's looking for it is going for it. So it, it's quite exactly. interesting the the pricing as well because a loose layer has it's probably one of the most vast price rises in recent times um she seems yeah. to have gone from a 30 pound figure to over 100 quid in most yeah i've noticed that um also of uh, the bagging figures have really sh- shot up over the past i don't i have a couple of figures in the bags um don't ask me exactly which one because i don't really know but <laughs> i don't keep up with the abc esc and all that, but but uh, but yeah, the, the baggy figures shot up from it used to be about let's say around a hundred dollars, and now they're, they're over three, over three hundred, I think. It, yeah, it's, it's really shot up. It's crazy. Do you think her price rise is related to her passing? It seemed to go up quite a lot in that time period, or do you think it's just the way the prices have gone generally across the board? I'm not sure because it seems like the Kenner 12 backs have come down a little bit. I, I really don't know. I, I, I think it's a, across the board vintage Star Wars phenomenon. Yeah. I, I've, noticed, I've noticed prices have almost everything increased a lot. Also, something that I, I've got on my watch list that you bought not long after we probably spoke, actually, probably within a year, is a crazy layer lamp. Um, bootleg from back in the days. So I wanted to bring that up because I love that item. <laughs> now, can oh, you yeah, just des- <laughs> describe that to me? Um, what it is because well, it was pretty freaky. Uh, yeah, they had um, back in the the late seventies. They they used to have these ceramic shops all over America. These like craft stores where you go in and and they'd have these they'd have these already molded and Informed, uh, plat- I think it's a plaster. Um, 
these different Star Wars figures, and you could you could turn them into lamps, and you could blaze them yourself and uh, paint them yourself, and they would fire them, and then you take them home. Um, but yeah, I have three of the Leia ones, and uh, they're so weird. They almost look the poses. I'm looking at them right now. I have one that's in blue and one that's in yellow and another one that's in white and some of them have jewels on them and some of them don't and they have this very bizarre like almost Flash Gordon pop-up collar behind her head um, but and she's wearing her distinctive hair bun uh, but, but yeah they're just and some of them are and majority of them that you find are painted very garishly because it's all you know somebody you know uh, that, that did them back in the day not not that artistically inclined, and uh, yeah, I have one that someone put blue jewels in the center of her eyes to you know highlight her appearance. Yeah, it's just so bizarre, but they're right. so funny. They are, and, they uh, are cool. But yeah. um, as as pieces go, you know, a lot of the bootleg stuff they they're quite ugly, quite uh, yeah garish type of thing. But you told me in the last interview that you wouldn't buy the Sigma mug because of just how ugly she is. How's that changed? Have you got it? <laughs> I, I'm still sticking to that. Um, and, uh, because it's just one thing for someone to, you know, for some, you know, bored, you know, housewife for some little kid to paint something horribly because they're not used to it. It's another thing for a licensee to make this, Thing, and then Lucasfilm approves it, and everything is fine and dandy. And I look at it and go, "No, no, this, this is no, this is terrible. I don't want this." And doesn't she have like a, a braid coming out of the back of her head? Is that the handle? The handle, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which just makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, but yeah, I still I'm sticking my guns on that one. I, I can't. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, you will own one. I, like I probably will track one, one down day. and send one to you, but I forgot about it. Yeah. I'll I probably will one this. day. I'll, one day I'll give in, but, uh, but not right now. Like, I don't have the room. I don't really know. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, last couple of weeks, uh, tickets for Celebration 2019 announced in Chicago. Um, right. And actually, tickets have gone on sale, I think, about an hour ago. Do you have any plans to make? I don't know how far away you are from Chicago. I don't know where you are based. Um, I'm on the East Coast, uh, North Carolina. It's about you know, halfway between Florida and New York. Uh, so Chicago, not uh, I guess I, could, I guess I could drive, but it'd be quite a long trip. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I haven't decided yet. Um, I haven't. I haven't been on the computer to buy tickets today, so. Not super jazzed about about it. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe, but not as excited. So I thought if, I'd be. If you make it, oh, I will treat you to a layer sigma mug there. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> cool. So cool. you know, and perhaps I could even get Pete to fly to you and drive you down because spend a bit of time in the car from him. You'll be delighted to get out the other end. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, know, I know Pete would love oh, that. Oh, too funny. Finally, Bruce, before I wrap this up, you got a pet ferret? Is it a ferret? Or is it a weasel? <laughs> yes, I, I have, well, it's almost the same thing. I, yeah, I have two, I have two ferrets. Um, I'm, 
I'm hoping they're going to be named after something Star Warsy. Well, actually, yeah, the the, the male is. I, I named him Chewie after Chewbacca, uh, and he's a he's a big fat stinky guy. He's he's pretty fun. He's, uh, it's it's it, they're they're odd little creatures because they're like they're they're like a they're like a puppy as far as their temperament. They want to get into everything and they want to chew just about anything they can get their little paws on. Um, chew is a good thing. Yeah, and and they're also they're they're extremely like just happy little animals when they're awake and running around. They just get into everything, and you know they can play with their toys and they just hop around. It's it's, it's hilarious to watch, but uh, but they're also they're like a puppy and they want to chew everything, so you have to keep things away from them. So you really have to watch them when they're out. Um, they're very. They can be very mischievous, mischievous seeming, but uh, yeah, they're they're fun. They're fun critters. I I love your videos when you post your videos of them. <laughs> I always yeah, uh, always enjoy, always enjoy looking at your little ferret uh, running around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chewie's so fat and lazy. He's just like it takes him forever to wake up. It's so it's so it'll do these these little stretches and yawns. It's so it, it's just adorable. Yeah, <laughs> sounds a bit like me. <laughs> oh, I'm adorable. <laughs> um, Bruce, uh, always great to catch up. Delighted to get you back on. Uh, once we decided to do this little catch up thing, you're one of the first people I wanted to get back oh. on because uh, because there's a few gents in the hobby and you're certainly one of them. So it's been, been oh, great just to have chat to you just for this brief time and uh, yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully we'll meet you one day soon. Yeah, I hope so. But uh. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I really appreciate the podcast. And I enjoy what you guys do, and keeping us all up to date with the news and the, about everything I receive. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I enjoy it. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, really do appreciate it. No problem. Right, now I want to welcome back Lee Bullock for this month's Rapid Fire. Uh, Are you ready, Lee? Quite looking forward to your answers. I'm ready. Uh, Your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. And your favourite Star Wars scene? Favourite Star Wars scene is probably the twin sons Saturn and New Hope. Uh, your favourite on-screen character? Uh, it's got to be Luke Skywalker, I think. What is your favourite lightsaber duel? I'm really partial to Revenge of the Sith as a movie in general, and I really do think that the end uh, lightsaber scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan is absolutely fantastic, and I still to this day don't think it was uh, it was ever surpassed. I think, that, I think that's a great scene. You were my brother, Anakin! I loved you! What has been your favourite movie from the Disney era? Ooh, Force Awakens. And what about your favourite new character from any of the movies? Rey. It's absolutely Rey. Rey is great. What was your favourite figure as a child? Probably my Darth Vader, because that was the first one I had. And my father bought me um, a Darth Vader around 1978. And it was a, I even remember the card back it was on. It was on a Palatoy 12 back, 12A card. The head came off it. The lightsaber went missing and the cape got ripped. And But that 
probably remained my favourite figure. And because I collect 12-inch figures, in terms of the 12-inch figures, it was Vader as well. What is your favourite figure now? Ooh, a real, in terms of the original um, 96 lineup, probably Imperial Gunner. I, I really like how that, that black and red thing, you know. And in terms of the 12-inch figures, it's still IG-88. Which character do you wish they'd made a figure of in the vintage line? In terms of the three and three-quarter inch, probably the Rebel Soldier with the black and white helmet from the Tatum of Four. Uh, what is your favourite toy, vehicle or playset? It depends on, like, if you mean the box art or if you mean the toy itself. I think for me, the land speeder. I've always, I, I always liked as a kid that the kind of floating motion with the with with the with the wheels on springs. I thought that was a really kind of a nifty idea and kind of a bit of a left field way of replicating that. So I, I think the land speeder is probably my favourite. A vehicle or place that you wish they'd made? Probably the Rebel Blockade Runner. I think that would have been brilliant. Um, with 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 actual detachable escape pods as well. What's your favourite car back photo? Probably from the 12 backs. So I really like Vader for reasons I've already mentioned. Really like C-3PO. And I'm, I really like the Death Star droid. Uh, what was the last vintage Star Wars item you purchased? That was... I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And that was a uh, Lando Skiff Guard disguise. So that was on a Kenner 77 back, if I remember correctly. Uh, what's your favourite Star Wars book? Can be reference or novel? It, this is kind of like Beyond the Toys type of realm, but I really like the first printing of Star Wars with the Ralph Macquarie artwork on the front. And I think it, it's kind of one of the first mass, mass marketed merchandise pieces from the film. It's 1976 and it's woefully ignored. What is your favourite Beyond the Toys type item? Uh, probably the 1976 printing of, <laughs> uh, of Star Wars. Again, I think it's a really underrated item and it's beautiful. And it's got that very 1970s pulp science fiction feel to it. You know, those kind of um, those 1960s and 1970s pulp sci-fi novels. It's got that sort of feel to the cover. And it's yeah, I, I like it because of that. You do a lot of trading. What What is your favourite Star Wars convention? For me, I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy. So if you're looking at the past, I would say going back probably about 20 years um, was the old memorabilia shows at the NEC when there was a lot of vintage there and there was just incredible amount of stuff in the 90s. Absolutely incredible stuff. And I often think back, wow, you know, whenever do you see a stall filled with Palatoy 12-backs or Harbour 12-backs or a Takara Vader figure with the white background? You know, you just don't see things like that anymore. Thinking about, I think these days, I really, obviously, I think for me, it's farthest from, shout out to Dave Tree, it's obviously farthest from for me is, the, is that, because that's got the closest feel to me for what old shows were like in terms of what sort of stuff is there. What is your favourite movie outside of the Star Wars franchise that contains a Star Wars actor? Ooh, Blade Runner. Oh, great shout. I like that. First time I've asked that question and you came out with a good answer. Blade Runner. And finally, what is your Holy Grail item? Either a Lily Laddie Hombre de las Junas, the Tuscan Raider, boxed, or the Tall Toys Empire Strikes Back Vader 12-inch figure. Thank you ever so much for great answers there, mate, and uh, thank you so much for talking to us tonight. (laughs) 
Right, let's go on to our outro question for the month then, boys, because Pete Pete disappointed me last month for the first time this year in this section. Uh, but he still leads the way on 18, Rich is on 14, Jez is on 13, and Sai is down there at the moment on 10, but he's been, he's been really plugging away. I'm sure he can turn it around. So, the question for this month. What is the worst licensed product from the Return of the Jedi era? And I want you to defend why you feel it is so bad. And it can be anything from toys to beyond the toys. So whatever we go. And we're going to start with Sai this month as he is taking it up the rear. (laughs) (laughs) That came out totally wrong. You've all seen this before. I think I brought this up on a rather old new acquisitions. It's the Harper's Dog Chow promotion that ran in Australia in 1983. <laughs> and it's... I, I, I don't... Oh, even talking about it, I just feel drained of any kind of sense because it, it doesn't make sense. It's dog food. And they gave away 12 Return of the Jedi stickers. What, what were they thinking? What Harper's... I know, what can we do? Promote dog food sales. Let's give the dog some stickers. No, uh, well, you're not appealing to kids. You, I, you're not appealing to dogs. I, uh, and look at the stickers as well. Just look at them. Let's start with number one, which is C-3PO, Chewbacca, and Princess Leia. And it's set on Endor, and Leia is trying to cover 3PO's mouth. And it's in a portrait format. You've got Chewie in the background. Well, you've got most of Chew in the background because Harper's dog chow is emblazoned in a green banner across half of Chewie's head. It's like a really bad, large pirate patch on him. That's awful. That's a terrible, terrible image. Now go on to the second one on the list, which is sticker number 10, which is Luke Skywalker, green saber out on Jabba's sail barge, ready to do battle with, I don't know, one of the Weekies or Nictos or Baradas or whatever. Except he's got his green saber extended right into the Harper's dog chow green symbol at the top. So it looks like he's got a big sun umbrella. Rubbish. And then you just go on. What else have we got here? Yeah, uh, sticker number 12, B-Wing Fighters. It's that brilliant, artistic, iconic scene with the with the Star Destroyer exploding above and below in the background and three B-Wings flying away from it. And they're all at an angle, which you've just always thought in the park, no, they're at an angle. Now you know why they're at an angle. They're trying to avoid the great big green Harper's dog chow thing in the top left-hand corner. It's just, yeah, yeah, I don't care how rare it is. I really don't care. I don't care the fact that these stickers are worth £150 each or whatever it is. They're rubbish, and it was a rubbish promotion. Interesting. I, I quite like the images, but but the um, dog chow logo across it is a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah. The images are great. They're, they're all super. They're all absolutely, they scream Jedi. And they're all the promotional images that were released by the press department to, to publicise it. Yeah, they're brilliant. But they've just been ruined by this dog chow logo in the top left-hand corner. Australians um, are going to kill me for this, aren't they? I'm really rooting for you, Si. Desperate to give you some big points. Jez, what have you got? Hello. Well, you may have heard me whimper slightly as soon as Simon explained what it was he's got. Um, And more on that in a second. I've gone through this tremendous book of mine, which is the Star Wars Collector's Book by Duncan Jenkins and Gus Lopez. And I thought, oh, I'm onto a winner here. I'm definitely going to win this one. Look at it. And I find Australian tank tops. Okay, so what kid is going to want to wear a tank top? Wicked 
powder blue is the description i'm like all oh, right onto a winner there and uh, unfortunately not a picture with that one so doesn't qualify but the thought was there Quizmaster. i hope you you know get something for this however the next one star wars suspenders and i know that pete has just spat his drink out and gone right where can i get that and if you just bear with me for a second yeah indeed right so i'm turning the page right star wars suspenders now i've got them here star wars suspenders on page 64 empire strikes back uh mm, no that's not gonna fulfill your criteria because it was return of a jedi and then there are ewoks cartoons Damn it. So not quite there. So again, I hope you get the thought is still there, Quizmaster. I am trying my hardest. R2-D2 floaters. Mm, most peculiar thing. But actually, I didn't go for that in the end, because unlike what we think an R2-D2 floater is, which may be something you find in your own garbage chute, um, these are actually swimming aids. So there we go. So I settled on... The Australian dog chews. And that's what I've taken a photograph of. That's what I've sent the image to you guys. I agree with our Wookiee friend, Simon. And and it's a tie. And I have it in my Star Wars Collectibles book by Sansweet. Dog food, meaty beef flavour, dog chow. Sorry, mate. Me and you, exactly the same. So you're going with the stickers? I'm going with that, yeah. Uh, it's... And I've sent you guys a picture of it. Among the most unusual product tie-ins was this 1983 campaign in Australia for Harper's Dog Chow. Now, I understand you may well want to split the points with me and Cy. However, for effort, floaters, suspenders, tank top, you know, I, I've gone the whole hog there, mate, and I've just pushed it a little bit further. Uh, well, I'm not sharing the points. Forget to it. To be honest with you, I'll split the points with who gave me the best reason. So I'll take into account that you've copied him. Um, Rich, what have you got? <laughs> well, to be honest, I thought Cy si was on it with winner, but because Jez came up with the same thing, I think that's knocked points off him. But I'm going to go with the Chewbacca Bandelier strap. I think it is an absolute naff toy, carry case, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to put the photo on text chat actually before I keep talking. I just want to show you the, the marketing picture on the side. And I'm going to give me reasons in a second why it's all bad once I've uploaded the photo. Is anyone else like grabbing their forehead and shaking it? Yeah, so I'm going to go over the Chewbacca bandolier strap because I think it's it's absolutely useless. Even the, the image on the side, of the that's probably one of the worst kids that I've ever seen on any kind of Kenner packaging. And you've got the, the strap. Now, if you could buy any kind of bandolier weapon at all, I would have said, this is actually a decent toy. But the fact is, you can't get anything with it at all. And if you were kids, right, who wanted to be Chewbacca? I mean, if the Goonies were acting out Star Wars, Chunk would be given Chewbacca and said, you, you, that's going to be you. You know, L Lemmy from Of Mice and Men would have been Chewbacca. Nobody wanted to be Chewbacca as a kid. So you've got this bandolier strap that you can put figures in that, you know, it's, it's just absolutely useless. No gun, no weapon, nothing at all. And who wanted to be Chewbacca? Ugh, hideous packaging. Just naff. Utter naff. I'm, I'm gobsmacked, Rich. I don't know what to say to you. You know, the disappointment each month is just starting to drain. <laughs> I can't believe you've singled out this amazing, amazing piece. I loved it. Yeah. Awesome. What about that boy is talk, um, listening to our podcast and you're going, oh, he's the worst child ever. What's wrong with him? He's got a little smile on his face. He's got a typical 80s haircut. He's holding his belt like his jez. I've seen him walk like that. <laughs> um, he's just been he's, told he's got rebel transport on the way. He's, he's well up for it. 
I don't know what to say to you. I really don't. Well, let's see. Pete, um, there for the taking if you want it, mate. What have you got? I don't know. I mean, dog chow is pretty good. Now, now, li- just listen, listen. At first glance, you will look at this and go, well, that's pretty good because it is. I, I kind of, you know, label's interesting, but there is a reason for this particular one because there was a series of these. Now, if you want to look at, at the series of these, uh, it's on page 81 of your Tomark guide. I can also forward the links. Now, this is, I'm going to murder this pronunciation, but this is a Swedish Spendrups Brigeri uh, drinks packaging thing carbonated drinks now the problem i have with this one is there are two others in the series and i shall go on the f- one has luke and a very very interestingly dressed princess leah which looks amazing and she's wearing kind of like a a very dark jedi kind of clothing top thing then the other one is of yoda which is fair enough but this one you think you return the jedi return the jedi good film like the film we all like the film What's the other thing that kind of appears in Jedi? Maybe Jabba the Hutt? No, we won't go with Jabba the Hutt. Maybe Sice Noodles. I think it would have been a great choice, hey, Stu. <laughs> no, we won't go with Sice Noodles or Max Rebo or a Sarlacc Pit. No, we'll go with the other hero of the film, Paplu. Paplu, yes. Paplu. He's even got a toilet in his name. Now, I have a, a bit of an issue with this kind of packaging is now the label and the stuff is all kind of interesting, you know, it appeal to kids and all that sort of stuff. But I really struggle with star Wars food packaging because one, you're not going to keep the drink. Uh, two, it's, you know, there's no thought gone into it. So all right, get a label, slap it on a bottle. Uh, and that's it. Now, if a bottle had been designed, because I looked at the turn of and I thought, oh, some great stuff out there. It was really difficult, you know, even down to the kind of, Slightly naff stuff like notebooks and stuff, which, you know, reasonably dull, but they're nicely designed. But food packaging is just it's just taking a generic bottle and whacking a label on it. And then when you add Paplu on it, when you could have gone for so many other choices, I mean, even Wicket. Where's Wicket? Wasn't he a bigger hero? There's all sorts. What are the two dying Ewoks who get shot, you know, or blowing up Ewoks or, you know, ATST's blowing up Ewoks. You want Ewoks on it? No, we have to go for the biggest dullard out there. Paplu on a bottle. Boo, Paplu, boo. Pap, boo. I'm going to call him. That's my choice. Do you know what? I'm sitting here looking at this thinking, oh, that's a really, really good answer. And then I reread my question. What is the worst? And I like it. Paplu. Mm. May I just interject as well? Mustard glasses, Stu, I know are very near and dear to your heart. And if you recall, we discussed again going back to a new wait, whoa, whoa, going back to a new acquisition. We were discussing the French mustard glasses and the supremely rare German mustard glasses. And what do both of those feature? The wonderful character of Paplu. The French glasses isn't isn't Paplu. It's Kita, oh, who is made up just right. for the mustard. The German glasses. ones there, the super rare German ones, definitely have Paplu on. Ah, uh, see, this, I'm this is interesting. Quiet. Yeah, because. Yeah. See, this, this, this is what I've got here, okay? I understand mm-hmm. your argument with the dog chow. I like the pictures, but I can really see that that logo kind of like, well, what is it even doing on a Star Wars item? Richard's come out with something which I love, um, which is a great <laughs> a great toy uh, in great packaging. Uh, it's beautifully displayed. It's beautiful to wear. I don't know what he's going on about. <laughs> Peter's bought something. That when I first saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, but then I'm rereading it. What's the worst licensed product? I would love that in my collection. 
It's fizzy drink. You, you don't even get the item. You just get an empty package. That's what I okay, yeah, but you say you want it full, right? I got those pepperidge cookies, didn't I, not long ago. Now, my wife wasn't happy that I've got these cookies that are 38, 35 years old. And my brother walked in my office at the weekend and he picked them up and he went, they're full. He goes, that's disgusting. So perhaps I don't want the drink in there. Although, but that's the, that surely is the item, is the drink <laughs> with the glass in there. That's not, so that's why it's a bad item. See, that's why I have a problem with food packaging. It's like I've got, I've got like modern Ray labels on Volvic bottles. Of course, I'm going to keep the water. I've got to take the labels off the bottle because they're just going to fall off. So it's just mm. a, it's a bad collectible. That's why I'm coming over it. It's a bad collectible because you're not getting the actual item. You're getting the packaging. It's like saying, oh, well, packaging of a, an Imperial troop transporter is a fantastic item. No, it's not. You want the thing inside of it, don't you? And you want it the whole package. So the packaging's can... nice on this. You've got a lovely big well, of cat blue. It's nice to see a different character, there's which no ties top, in no with the vintage the figures. No You've got Luke top. wearing Han Solo's outfit. <laughs> see a Star Destroyer around the corner. Oh, this is this is tough. And then I've got to take into account that Jez has copied uh, Sight. <laughs> and even if he hasn't copied, he hasn't got the foresight to bounce back with something different quickly. If he had had an image of a tank top, <clears throat> suspenders, floaters. I mean, the the effort was there, you know? Yeah, but you then decided not to go with them, and I have to take your answer. Yeah, so. I couldn't because I didn't have photographic evidence, but you can see my disappointment. Right. And well, that's why I was... Del- anyway, floaters, I'm going to leave you to it, Chris The photos are in the Master. Tomarts guide, aren't they? So, mm, right. I don't have that. Can't afford a carry case, let alone... A- anyway, uh, Chris Master, you are just and fair, yeah. and as long as I come above Richard and Simon, <laughs> that, that's fine. Well, two two years didn't even bother answering the question. I, I don't know. It's like Sai last week or month or whatever it was. <gasps> oh, I see. You put a dirty punches now. You're going to finish. Well, for. yeah, but I'm also they. You know, they could have not answered the question and just said something like "wibble wibble pork pie," and I think <laughs> it would have been above the bandolier strap. Uh, Rich, sadly, I'm only giving you one point this month. <laughs> I oh, think the I'm, rules have changed. Then, if, if you're going to do that, because. I, I, well, I don't, show me a rule book. So, so, Jez made no effort, and he's put a thing in text chat saying proof of the same image what? that he'd ordered 20 minutes ago with no thing. So, so there's no if proof in there touch, whatsoever. If you touch the image, I'm touching it's a the image, screenshot, and a date time stamp is at the top. I took a photograph of it, those dog shoes. That's actually pretty good. Well, like I, you think, I, I think that bottle's actually pretty good. I'm giving Jez two points. Rich, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference. You picked a really good toy. It's the worst thing from Return of the Jedi. I would much rather have that. You're only seeing that because you couldn't get the bandier strap around you. Oh, that's a very, very small child, actually. Just, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really low. Um, you're the one with the problem with the bandolier strap, not me as well. That doesn't make any sense, does it? I have one near you next time. I'll probably wrap it around your neck. Um, <laughs> I'm giving three points to Pete. And incredibly, I'm giving five points to Sai, and this does prove that I don't have a problem with him. <laughs> For anyone who was at Echo arguing whether we get on. Yeah, I do actually like him. <laughs> so, the points, interestingly, because it's, is this June? Yeah, it's June. Uh, we're halfway through the year now. Pete leads on 21 points. Ooh. Richard, Jez and Sai, all on 15. Ooh. Who's going to be the biggest loser? I think it'll be Sai. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's crack on with feedback, Rich. What have you got for me, sweetheart? Well, a couple of updates first, Stu. So 
we talked about the Empire Strikes Back 45 back removal of MC 3PO from Bill Cable last month. And we said that in recording that a second one had turned up. There's now actually six of them in total have turned up, all from the same source. So congratulations to the guys who've got all of those items. It's great to see six um, appear when there were absolutely none of them known not that long ago. So brilliant. A little bit of a follow-up to the, the cast-graded item. Now, you know how we were all a little bit uneasy about cast-grading the toothpaste, which the toothpaste box was absolutely legit, and we get that, but the graded, the loose ATAT driver and the weapon together in one set. Well, Edward Tusset had responded saying that he was hunting for those items as a kid in Spain, and he can confirm that they did not contain any weapons. So that was an interesting point, that, Edward. So thanks for that information. Over on Star Storm UK, there was quite a bit of discussion between Ed and Anno Saigon involved in it a couple of times, talking about the Return of the Jedi Paratoy Fett. And so Ed just wanted to con- uh, to clarify something where he said that he didn't buy the item for $2,500. He bought it for $1,600. Although he admits that it's, it's annoying that eBay no longer shows the best offer price. And then there was a discussion there on what a light blue fet is. So Ed put on there, the light blue fet was never supposed to come in this card. It's something that Tony invented, and now lots of people wrongly think that it's the correct figure for these cards. But by light blue, light blue he's referring to Trilogo fet, as Cardback Kid agrees that the light blue no CEO fet was indeed found in the 65 pack. And there was lots of interesting discussion on there, so uh, I'd urge people to go and check that one out if you're interested in fets. So Andy Preston on Shorts Form UK said, great episode once again, guys. I really look forward to these each month. Really brightens up my day to have a new episode in my phone. Keep you entertained for the morning commute. So um, you're welcome, Andy. He's put on there, I thought the weakest link was good. Great questions. And he loved the tactical voting by Jez. He says there's no way that Jez would have got to the final without tactical voting. And he's obviously teamed up with somebody. <laughs> Stu and I believe that he teamed up with Sai and had some kind of system because <laughs> that's the only way that he would have pulled Sai through the final as well. So um, glad Andy spotted that. So moving on, Andy Golden's interview was excellent. Uh, he was an excellent guest host, so I'm glad that Andy brought that up. And he thought the feature interview was really good. Although he doesn't know Andy personally, his journey was very similar to his, and he would like to know more about his amazing collection. So Stu suggested that in future that we would have a roundtable discussion on props. Um, we will make that happen at some point. He's thanking, I think it's Pete who brought up the Pi record display news acquisitions. I'm really impressed by the items I discussed. It's an honour to be featured amongst them. So, cheers. So, thanks for your feedback and support, Andy. He's also brought up that the Skiff discussion was very good as well. And it would have been great to have seen the variant droids packaging. So, they've all been shared on Instagram. And thanks to everybody who's liked all of those pictures that have been put on Instagram over the last month. He thinks it, it could have sat very nicely along the A-wing. I, I agree with that as well. And he says that we missed the Play-Doh set. The Jedi Play-Doh set has a great little plastic skiff model, as well as a chance to mould your very own hut. So, good point, uh, Andy. Yep, we did miss that one. Taffius has given some feedback to Jez. So, Jez, I'm sure you've read that about uh, Taffius' feedback. I just want to say, Jez, Taffius, have you set the date yet? Um, <laughs> Scarif Pacific. Keystone. Shop- I think the term was Keystone. Keystone, yeah. Keystone Cops, I think. Yeah. Um, Scarif Pacific, um, he commented that he used to shop at Trent's in Swindon, and that was mentioned in the Andy Golden's interview. So it's always great when a toy shop that like you went to as a kid pops up in an interview. So 
um, Chelscarf Pacific. Over on Facebook, thanks to everybody who praised the Paul Chew Todd Hudson interview. Well, I'm going to say Paul Chew Todd Hudson and the bottle of wine interview because I had a suspicion that a glass or two had been shared when that interview was being recorded and they've now come forward and admitted that as well. So thanks to everybody who's commented on that on our Facebook page and all the timeline groups. We've got some great feedback on that. Stu put a image on Facebook, I think about a week ago now, um, and thanks to everybody who thanked us for the four-year anniversary banner that we put up there. So four years worth of long podcasts on Facebook and Instagram, and your appreciation is heartfully thanked as each and every guest who's been on the show. Um, and Stu, you said you were going to have a number for us here. So how many guests have we had on our show in four years? Yes, Rich, a staggering 297 guests. That's amazing. That's you. You really are a fountain of all knowledge. And... <laughs> Very recently, we've had um, Jeff Tilly, who sent us a message on Facebook Messenger, and he's asked about Simon Wright's cardback card and bubble jawa package that went missing. I think we discussed that three or four episodes ago, and we've got no update on that at all. Simon still lost that package. It's, it's not turned up anyway, and I think, unfortunately... The writing is on the wall for that, sadly being lost. At uh, the time, perhaps somebody has opened that up and it has been binned, which would be a real shame. So, Stu, if anybody wants us to leave us feedback on this episode, what's the best way to do that? They can contact us on Facebook at uh, just search for The Vintage Rebellion. They can find us on Instagram, again, by searching The Vintage Rebellion. Email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. Over on Twitter at SWTVRPodcast. And on Vero, again, just by searching The Vintage Rebellion. And as always, all our shows are still on iTunes. And you can also check them all out at SWTVRPodcast.podbean.com. Thank you to this month's guests, Lee Bullock, Bruce White, Steve Taylor and Chris Jagulius. Really is appreciated as always. Boys, four years, done. And next month is episode four. 50 some amazing milestones we're hitting at the moment but for this month so it is goodbye from rich yeah guys goodbye from jezebel see you next time goodbye from Sai. catch you next month for the big 5-0 uh, goodbye from pd weedy england 2 tatooine 1 and it is good night from me and remember only you can decide with star wars toys This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Now, when Jez mentioned earlier that he wanted to bring back a tattooing skiff, actually it was last episode, wasn't it? Jez, Jez wants to bring back a tattooing skiff as his item. And last question then to you... Stu, so what are your... Don't, ho- don't I get to answer that question? That's what I've just said. Last question to you, Stu. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. Sorry, I thought you must have thrown me out a different question altogether. So... <coughs> enjoy it. <laughs>
Yes, if everybody can send send photographs of the most ridiculous sticker places, put them on my Facebook page, send them to one Instagram, I'd love to see them. Um, I just want to point out, when he says that, we, we want them on your vintage toys. I don't want Ross Barr taking his top off and sticking stickers on his nipples. That's not what we're looking for. It's Alex McGraw you got to be careful of, man. I mean, God knows where a coin off a sticker could end up with him. <laughs> uh, finish that one, Rich? No? Rich? He muted himself. He just seems to have he's, disappeared. He's gone off to find his picture of uh, Ross Barr, hasn't he? Again. <laughs> I thought he'd be laminated by now. Right, move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you bought a gimp mask for a child. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> That's the most disturbing thing about it. <laughs> From a child <laughs> size. As well. You and then talked it. about it publicly. I think Jess should run the marathon in it next year. <laughs> Only. That. I, wouldn't I wouldn't want to breathe in anything that's on that mask. I haven't bought it. Did you guys think I've bought it? I haven't bought it. You bought that, Jess. Anyway. bought it. You've made it. That's all, I, that's all I can say about it, really. It's nuts. So my question to you, Stu, what has somebody actually bought here? I don't mean you, it's a Luke Stormtrooper on Fair the Force card. I mean, what have they... better way would be say, what someone paid for here? Stu. Sorry, I'm muted again. <laughs> <laughs> I get told off when I'm not muted, and I get told yeah. off when I'm muted, can't I? Um, what have they bought here? It's a good question, Si. What they have bought here is a toy... <laughs> what are we talking about, Stu? With someone else who actually has been listening, like to answer this question, rather yeah, than Stu, the, who's been scratching his bollocks. The great Jason. It was on page two two four five. I've spotted this, and also Simon, you've made a note of it as well. Ed Grant, Ed Jedi, the owner of Star Wars from UK, he's nearly completed his tri logo twelve B and twelve C run. Now we've got a bit Seven, of a theme here: seventy B and seventy C. What did I say? 12. Holy shit. I'm actually reading this. I've... Lads, you know what I said to you the other day that I'm a little bit done over at the moment? I, I've mm-hmm. got my show notes in front of me and I'm looking at it and it's saying 70B and 70C. I wonder if it's the age thing. I mean, because so... you, you make dust look like babies sometimes. So, so tomorrow... I'm driving down to Andover for a lot of stuff tomorrow morning, and then I'm driving up to Duxford area where I'm staying tomorrow uh, for the next two, three days. I'm all yeah, over the place at the moment. Say what? What? Get a chauffeur. You need somebody to chauffeur you about. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything is saved. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Right then. <laughs> Then I go over to Tantive and we check out the R2's projector there where they show off their latest purchases, their latest acquisitions. And it's page on. Page on. It's on page 39. You've got Dr. Dengar has shown off his two Spanish 88 card bags. Have I got that one in the can? Yeah, I have. That's blowing me. 
Blair with me. What the hell? Right. Yeah. So Dr. Dengue. And on the reverse, you can see it's a PBB, PBP hybrid on, on the reverse of one. Uh, and the reverse of the other is the GMJ SA Spain instead of the PBP SA Spain. So what he's got is a 65 back hybrid card and the other Spanish version. Now, easy for me to try and read. Not no, not not no, not so easy for me to try and say. However, again, all the information is on Trilogo Info. Lads, seriously, I probably just need to go to bed soon because I can't even speak. I'm, I'm, I kid you not, this is where my head is at the moment. I've got so much going on. I, I'm, I can't even string words together. Sorry. Jez, what? Jez I think you should just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not worth it. It's not worth killing yourself over this. Just say I'll, a I'll It's only the 11th of June. Yeah, exactly. We're well early. We are early. I, w- which... I will. Jez, go to bed. I just, just, just seriously, just honestly, go to bed. We'll sort it. We'll sort it. Just go to bed. It's, it's just not. It's painful, and I know, it, it will hurt you. I mean, no, but I mean, I'm just you know, you've got better things to do than than a podcast. <laughs> More poor things than a podcast. Please, just go to bed now. Log off and go to bed. Okay. Um, because I'm worrying about you. Yeah, I've got. All right. Honestly, go to bed. I mean, you're you're sounding. <laughs> I don't want to say this is not having a go at you. It's sounding mm. terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm... Because you don't need to be here. Seriously, go to bed. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, oh, flower. I'll, I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See you later, mate. Cheers. See ya.